One podcast has crushed the horror landscape, leaving behind the silent audio waves of all of those who have came before. Introducing our hosts. This man needs no introduction, but needs seven takes to record his own. He is known for rating bad movies high and known for rating good movies high. Don't try to call him because he only phones it in. He is our host from the foreign land of Canada, Mood 616. This man is willing to die even on the smallest of hills. He argues to the point in which he disagrees with himself. A man who knows a remake when he sees one. He is the Mexican-born super producer known as the humble one and the sexy one, JP. They are known for creating superstars out of their guests. They are known for being the number one horror podcast on the Horophilia Network, except for when they allow others to take a turn. They are the devil's advocate of horror podcasting. They are the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 96 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, the Mac Daddy, with the artificial flavoring on top, M-O-O-D to the Z, but you can just call me Moods. And of course, we have the man who loves to argue for the sake of arguing in the house, Double Shot J, also known as JP. And of course, we have the man that will even give a 10 out of 10 even though he points out the flaws in the film the man from b-town <laughs> what is going on boys hey what's going on man i actually had to now. kind of pause there i almost started laughing <laughs> yeah yeah good stuff good stuff yeah I, the, the 10 out of 10 derek yeah for sure. <laughs> Our fucking Hall of Fame is just filling up, man. I, I'm serious. Did you see it? I'm serious, man. I, I was talking to my I was talking to my boy the other day and I was like, man, we really, really gotta start doing franchises again. Because the the Hall of Fame is just it's getting so big compared to the Hall of Shame, so or the Hall of Pain, so and uh I don't know why I said Hall of Shame, but man, we gotta get I mean and then of course the Amityville franchise got brought up yesterday and I was like, Man, that was that would be so perfect because out of like fourteen films, I'm pretty sure like you know, maybe twelve would be in there. Dude, there's twenty six <laughs> in the Hall of Fame and only twelve in the Hall of Pain. Also, well, there hasn't been an inductee since the howling episode. That's what I was gonna say. I don't think we've had one since like the last franchise, whatever, so it's been way too long i you know i miss kind of ripping on films like that. i do too i just gave dave and brandon shit for picking all good films all the time and dave never <laughs> wanted to do anything bad and here we are we haven't had well, a seriously bad stinker in in tons and tons of episodes and, and it's going to be a Dozens. long time before i mean with those guys they only do trilogies they're not they're not uh as hardcore as we are and, and willing to do like nine ten film franchises so you know with that said you know most trilogies don't have like the worst of the worst in there um, mm-hmm. It's usually the later on sequels, so who knows? Like, I mean, I, I can't see theirs getting that big either, but I don't know, man. Amityville would just be, that would be the fucking icing on the cake, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. on the docket for uh, next, I guess, season once we go into the, I don't even know. We need to one day sit down and figure out, like, where each season starts and ends just so we kind of, like, <laughs> I don't even know what we on season, like, four or five by now. And, <laughs> I mean, we, we were keeping we, track at one point and then we kind of lost it i think it's because like we i don't know we take we did these a couple breaks. of those summer shows too that was like 
Yeah. Yeah. Which we would consider to be like bonus episodes, you know, because that was our break. But yeah, I don't really know what the hell's going on, man. Season, I think we're on season sixty nine right now. <laughs> so. But uh, yeah, <laughs> so that I mean, there's there's a ton of episodes that I, I want to do in the, um, you know, within you know into the next year. Uh, we have a voicemail later where somebody asked about an episode, and then I had that Masters of Horror episode that I wanted to do. Um, of course, more franchises like uh, Paranormal Activity eventually, and um, maybe even the Amityville. But uh, uh, yeah. one thing that I wanted to to sort of uh, say we've we've took a two week break, and it was nice. I got a lot of watching done. That's why I suggested we do a, what we watched episode for episode uh, ninety six. We on ninety six right now? 96. We are. Right. Six, yes. Uh, so, <laughs> somebody pointed out in the last episode that there was a mistake left in the episode, and I, I, I like panicked for a second because I was like, "What? You know, what could it have been?" And um, Rob actually pointed out where it was, and I listened back to it. And apparently, ever since we got this new recorder, and I didn't notice this, if <clears throat> I mute on Skype, it still records my voice. So I have to actually mute on the mic, but. It's mm-hmm. weird because you two won't hear it. You two will yeah, not yeah. hear me because I muted Skype, but it still records on this recorder, so I have to actually mute my mic when I want to. Hence, how I completely didn't house. even notice that. Yeah. We, we didn't during the the episode. Yeah, <laughs> me neither. Yeah, well, no. you wouldn't have because it didn't. You didn't come through. But you know, <laughs> it's funny because if I want to yell at somebody. You know, off mic, I actually have to mute my mic now. But, you know, honestly, it was funny. I laughed at it. It wasn't like a huge um, deal or anything. So it, 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 I'm fine with it being in the episode. But, you know, future reference to myself mute your fucking mic. Uh, <laughs> and besides that, dude, that shit was I, classic. If you guys remember way back in episode 22, which was the final episode of the original season which uh, when we came back episode 23 we had uh, we all bought new mics Um, Mm -hmm. we bought the Blue Yeti me you and Jeremy and I was I didn't buy a pop filter and (laughs) so I uh, I'm happy to say that on episode 23 I didn't have a pop filter on episode 96 I now have a pop filter so it only took (laughs) that long to finally get around to buying the pop filter (laughs) it's literally like two years later (laughs) but i finally grabbed the pop filter it wasn't even that it costs a lot because it's only like eight dollars it's just i would only notice when i would go to record i would forget about it and then like if i remember during the week at work or something i'd be like i'll do that later and then i just never would and i did that for like two years so finally got a pop filter been putting it off for far too long so my pops shouldn't be as annoying now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's so good, man. It took you like 70 episodes, 73 episodes or something. I know. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> that's crazy. Like even Jeremy uh, had a pop filter. Yeah, he did. He did. Did he, did he not buy the one that actually that was meant for the, the Yeti? Uh, you know, I the probably one didn't come- either because I bought a dragon pad and I was like, how the fuck do i attach this thing and i just oh like, yeah i rigged it up i'm actually i'm actually using my pop filter from my studio um so this thing's kind of like rigged up on there it's kind of like it's really almost too heavy i have to be careful because it's almost like side heavy right now 
Yeah. So I can easily knock over a mic because it's not meant for this at all. But it works fine. It's, it's yeah, I got a dragon pad too. It's fucking huge. It's actually bigger than the fucking mic. Yeah, because you just <laughs> had the little blue snowball mic. <laughs> yeah. Which isn't a, isn't a bad mic at all. That's that's another um, top quality mic that a lot of uh, podcasters use if you don't want to go in for the blue yeti. So- I remember, I know we were talking about uh, microphones or something on the Facebook page there, and Jason Lloyd pipe pops up, you know, the guy that runs for Billiot.com, and he pipes up and he goes, fucking made me laugh out loud, he goes, yeah, I've had my Yeti in my box for like a year and a half, I still haven't used it, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, he uses this like little piece of shit, like headset, like mic yeah. built-in thing. I'm like, I'm like, damn, dude, like, how could you have that thing sitting in there for a year and a half? The, the curiosity would just get the best of me, I would have to pull it out to hear what it sounded like, right? That's I mean, crazy. honestly, I've listened to his bloody bits and stuff, and and he doesn't oh, sound yeah. bad considering the mic no, that he's no. using. I know it, that's real. It's bizarre. It actually is bizarre. But uh, yeah, Mr. Lloyd. But <laughs> you know, that's so crazy. I mean, that's like a hundred dollar, hundred and twenty dollar mic or whatever it was. I don't even know what it was, but Jesus. But on uh, that note, I actually we have quite a few little um, housekeeping notes to get get past here. Um, before we get into the meat of the show and uh, there's just a few things that I wanted to sort of um, cover uh, one of which is the top 10 of 2016 episode uh, that will actually be um, similar to where it was last year uh, it will not be coming out before the end of the year uh, or even the week of the end of the year um, we're going to be a little later on it it'll it'll drop probably on the 11th of January, so literally as the day we're recording this right now, one month uh, now, ahead. Now, on that note, I, I this this is why I am so fucking stupid. I am like a bonafide artard. What? Up until yesterday, I thought that Brandon and Dave were doing the show with us. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where you got that because um, I just had it. In my mind. I must have thought it. And maybe it just because we do top there. tens together. That's probably I mean, they why. were on last year's. It just never even uh-huh. occurred to me that they actually weren't legitimately on the show. <laughs> and, like, I just assumed they were. And then all of a sudden you're like, Andy, can you make it? And I was like, what the fuck is – I mean, what are we doing, like, 19 lists? Like, what's going on? <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, I just – I apologize. I'm That's how stupid I am. Yeah, I really am. so it'll be uh, – we'll record on the 8th, which will give us about a month more of watching, which I kind of needed it because I only have about uh, 50 or so watches now. And we'll actually be able to see literally everything up until the last day, the last Tuesday, which is the 27th of January, if we want to catch mm-hmm. anything on there. Um, so, or the 27th of December, uh, which December. is good, which is good. And, you know, that I, I know that some most podcasts put their show out before January even happens. Uh, we tend to go like a week or uh, a week and a half after, which I'm cool with because it, it you know, it gives us more time. Uh, it's so flooded though that sometimes it does affect our numbers. But either way, that show usually does well anyway. It's mm-hmm. usually one of the higher uh, viewed episodes, downloaded episodes that we have each year. Uh-huh. So um, even though the numbers are hurt a little bit because there's so many shows that have come out before it already, um, we still do rather well. So I- I'm not too. I think it could go work. I think it could work both ways. I mean, if we drop at the same time everyone else does, I mean, who it knows? It just gets overlooked that way. Well, yeah. 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 So, um, uh, besides that, I did want to uh, say that um, as far as the lineup goes, it'll be me, Moods, Derek, and Andy. So Andy will return to the show. Um, he said that he can make it. So 
Uh, we'll, we'll at least have four lists, which is um, I think I think those episodes are like a party, you know. So uh, uh-huh. it, it is fun to to, to have um, you know four or five people on on those shows. Uh, yeah, should be fun. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm not exactly sure. I know we have the Christmas episode next week. We'll be recording, and I don't think we're doing a show after that until the, the year. The, the yeah, year I end. think we have. I think we have two weeks off actually, so basically that's kind of like the uh, the home stretch, yeah. you know. And Watch we'll what have... you can in there. Yeah. So I believe that'll take us to we'll have one we'll have an episode ninety nine uh, to plan, mm-hmm. and then uh, episode one hundred. And speaking of episode one hundred, um, I'm gonna throw this out here right now. Uh, we do want to do the definitive top ten. Oh wait, that's for the end of the year show so the definitive top 10 show uh thing list thing that we do any podcasters out there listening to me right now please send us in your lists of your top 10 favorite horror films of 2016 uh top 10 best whatever you want to call it and what we do we did it last year is i'll take all of those i'll assign a value to each uh film and where it placed and then i'll average them all from everybody's list into definitive top 10 and it's more of like the horror community's top 10 what are the yeah, popular yeah. you know most popular films and we'll say those along the side our list the horror on fans the, show. the horror uh, fans yeah list. the horror fans and the community uh because you know podcasters i love to have involved too because you know they're 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 coming from a more critical aspect and it's nice to sort of mix them in with the more you know fan aspect so uh, mm-hmm. definitely please send, send me those uh, email 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com that's the best way that's the most organized way to send it to me on that note if you have Blair Witch on your top 10 list don't bother sending in the oh, list there's <laughs> actually a lot I've seen a lot with Blair Witch already on the top 10 oh my so. I just I, it fucking blows my mind <laughs> like I'm just mind blown from that it's crazy uh, I still haven't seen it <laughs> so yeah, please do that. Um, you, if you're worried about your list being spoiled or whatever, don't worry because I'm not going to share it with anybody until our show posts, which is well after the first anyway. You can send me your list anytime between now and the first of January. Um, please, I, I mean, I, I need submissions. I only have about two right now. Granted, I've only told like a couple people or whatever, um, but it, it's really cool to see where everybody stands with that. And uh, so 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com is where you can send them. And uh, I potentially, depending on if I get enough submissions, will be giving away uh, a copy of um, one of my favorite films of this year, uh, which I'll save for that uh, drawing. And finally, um, with the the show type submissions, uh, we have... Voicemails. I want voicemails for episode 100. Rob actually voicemails in later, and he asks us a question about that. So um, I'll discuss that more then as well. But basically, what I want in a voicemail is uh, your hundred, or you know, we're doing the hundred greatest horror films of all time, or whatever you want to call it. So what I want in the voicemail that you send in is your number one. Uh, so what is your number one best horror film of all time? And try to keep that little section uh, like to about 30 seconds because depending on how many we get, uh, I peppered them in when we did episode 50. Uh, if like mm-hmm. somebody said Suspiria or something, I put the voicemail when we talked about Suspiria. So uh, if you know eight yeah, people yeah. call in and, and say Halloween, I don't want you know five 
straight minutes of of voicemails just for Halloween. You know what I mean? People saying the same thing. So try try to keep them brief, um, so I can make sort of a collage or a compilation of them. Uh, if everybody says Halloween or you know the Exorcist or, or whatever any of those heavy hitters are, it'll be and, fun as hell, man. We'll, maybe we'll do like a giveaway or something like we did last year. Oh, like most we, JP. we give away a ton of stuff for those big episodes. I already, yeah. I already have about one, two, three. I already have about ten prizes already waiting for waiting for episode one hundred. So, yeah, I got a bunch too, actually. And actually, big shout out to the man Dylan aka godzilla he actually came by the house there and dropped off some some stuff to give away for episode 100 too so yeah we're gonna have some stuff yeah, from the fans to the fans so that's actually i'll pretty be cool adding too, some so. stuff too in there too so we'll be all yeah. good in the hood yeah so, i got a few sealed blu-rays and things like that too so yeah, yeah essentially i think we gave away nine prizes of like three dvds each or more last year um yeah so uh yeah i mean that, that nine people I think won because I think we each did three uh, you know I gave away a couple Blu-rays it, it's going to be even bigger this year but anyway anybody who leaves a voicemail will automatically be entered in that drawing or anybody who leaves an iTunes review will also be entered and the people who left iTunes reviews are already automatically entered so you can double up with a voicemail or whatever um and, and we're just going to draw a bunch of names on, on, yeah, I think we'll do it on episode 101 or whatever, you know, so we don't bog down episode 100, but essentially, leave a voicemail with the greatest horror film in your opinion, a uh, brief description why, try to keep them short with that, and then episode 101, and Rob alludes to this. It's or, kind of ironic though, right? We're, we're sitting here telling the people to keep things short. Jesus. Yeah, right. I mean, we can't do anything fucking short. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know, we can't, we can't. Um, but also, I don't know where I want to place this. If I just want to place it at the end or the beginning of 100. Um, okay, here's what we'll do. Send in two voicemails if you want. One with just the greatest horror film, in your opinion. And then two, what you think you know, of the show, congratulate on 100, whatever you want to say, just something 100 related. And, uh, you know, both of those voicemails will be appreciated and played in the show. Uh, the film will be played near where the film is or whatever. And the, uh, you know, sort of retrospect, look back on what a hundred episodes means or whatever will be played either at the beginning or the end of the show. I think that's how we'll open and close it. And we, and we won't be, uh, missing any voicemails and playing them on the next episode after that one like some other podcasts uh, <laughs> Derek just yeah. took a shot at Exploding Heads because uh, they had their 25th anniversary or fucking 25th episode uh, one anniversary, anniversary. <laughs> and uh, they misplaced Derek's uh, voicemail so that's pretty funny but yeah we won't misplace your voicemail uh, you know send in two if you can uh, try to keep, but send it, if you're going to do one, do one, that's fine or whatever. But if you're going to do both of those things that I asked, separate the voicemails just so I, it, you know, I don't want to have, you know, you talk about your favorite horror film and then go into like what, you know, whatever you want to say about episode 100, uh, it'll just be messy. So, uh, if you can do anything, please, you know, I ask that you separate them, but every voicemail will be entered in the contest. Make sure you say who you are and where you're from. Like, you know, Rob calls in, he's like, Rob from Georgia here. Like, yeah, like that, that's, that's a good way to start a voicemail. It keeps us fresh with who you are and, and who we 
you know how we know you and stuff uh and if you're mm-hmm. from a podcast feel free to plug it i that i'm all for that type of stuff uh but yeah so that is the little bit of uh notes i wanted to leave on that please send all the submissions you can voicemail us at 724-426-6665 it's in the show notes it's in the description of the youtube uh, video on horophilia.com big thanks to jason for posting the show there it's on facebook everywhere you can find the voicemail number if you can't ask Derek or modes and they'll tell you don't ask me because i'm just going to tell you where to see it at i'm not going to tell you what it is uh, and or, or, you, or you could im me too you could if you instant have me on instant messenger just message me and i'll get it to jp's way yes too so um besides don't bother that, doing that to me because i'll just forget i still so. do have more things to discuss uh, one, I do want to plug that we are now on Horror Amino, I believe. It's a, it's an app for the cell phone, the Android. I don't know if it's on the iPhone or not. Uh, it is. Derek, okay. It, it's on the iPhone. Uh, it's a cool little app. It's a, it's a social media app for horror fans. Uh, it's pretty neat. I made a 22 Shots account. Um, so just, I don't know if you can search real easy on there. It doesn't seem like you can, but we're on there if you can find us. And uh, it's it's pretty neat. I've been, I've been playing around with it. I actually like it a lot. It's it's pretty fun. So um, check that out. And, and we also have an Instagram account too now. Yes. Which good. Yeah. So yeah, we are on at twenty two shots of moods and horror on Instagram right now. Uh, two posts right now. I posted a a little hint of uh, what's coming up in. The what we watch and a little pickup that I did. It's where we're gonna like show like a uh, few things were like uh, pickups and things that we're watching like during like maybe like break time or like for shows and uh, also stuff that we're gonna probably hint to give away and prize giveaways also. Oh, I actually I actually posted something on there just right you know just earlier too. I took a picture of my poop, so <laughs> that, that, that for the fans. So yeah. <laughs> Um, check out the Instagram uh, Horror Amino. It's 22 Shots of Moods and Horror or 22 Shots Podcast. I'm not sure exactly which one I used. Uh, probably 22 Shots Moods and Horror. No, 22 Shots Podcast. I think that's what it is. Uh, yeah. Twitter, 22 Shots Podcast. Been more active on there. Follow us on there. Gained a ton of followers as of late. Um, still trying to get used to Twitter and like how to use it appropriately for social media and like marketing and you know, networking and things like that. Facebook.com slash group slash 22 shots podcast. We haven't shouted that out at the beginning of an episode in a while. That is the place to be. We just now reached over a thousand group members. Pretty cool. Uh, constant, constant content in there. Uh, polls, all kind of fun stuff, episode discussions, different things. So join that if you haven't. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it for the social media plugs and things like that. But the final thing that I wanted to do was we had a few reviews here that, that we haven't re- uh, read yet uh, from iTunes. As always, if you leave us a review on iTunes, you're entered in all future contests, and uh, we will be having them a lot because I've been getting shit to give away. So that's free stuff for you guys, Blu-rays, all kind of – I just sent Dubby his copy of The Neon Demon, and I also sent uh, – Chico. Chico to Swift, uh, the copy of The Neon Demon. <laughs> and I have a copy of The Wailing to give away still. Uh, we are at 35 reviews with 42 five-star ratings. That's or Actually, 41 five-star ratings, one four-star rating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, let's get into this. Uh, Sam Loomis, great stuff, five out of five. 
This is a brilliant podcast that is filled with great discussions. No stone is left unturned. If you can keep my attention for four hours plus, then I'm all in. If you're a fan of horror, this is the one podcast to subscribe to immediately. Thank you, Sam Loomis13. You rock, buddy. Uh, and then we have Rai I. Uh, great show, five stars. I don't have anything witty to say. Give it a listen, and you'll find out. <laughs> you'll find out why it's five stars, hand down, hands down. Great show. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, Good stuff. And then we have a long one here. This is uh, Sam E, aka Psychotic Cinema. He says yep. lengthy discussions filled with entertainment. Five stars. This is probably one of the best horror podcasts I've listened to. The mainstay hosts, Moods and JP, are two relatable, uh, really relatable horror fans whom you can tell really adore the genre through better and worse. Incorporated with guest hosts are always awesome, especially when they get the guys from another great podcast. Uh, they'll make your head explode, in parentheses. <laughs> and a good friend of mine, Derek, to join them. Films they cover always range in variety, from your typical slasher to something atypical such as an unknown Italian horror gem. Reviews are usually always spoiler free and some of the most fair reviews I've ever heard covering uh, techni- fair. technicality wow. uh, aesthetic and overall enjoyment factor. The length of each episode adds to the coverage as well making their discussions some of the most in-depth on horror or film in general uh, podcasts. There is also great segments aside from reviews such as the knowledge segment, release of the week, room Lord's morbid fact, even if they shafted you guys. <laughs> Among many <laughs> others. <laughs> the only negative about this podcast is, and please don't take this to heart, they often talk over each other. This is actually just a minor nitpick because I know these guys do it uh, on purpose sometimes. Uh, a discussion just gets really heated and they try to talk all talk at once. Overall, this is amazing, entertaining, informative podcast. 10 out of 10, 5 out of 5 on iTunes. I will add that Mr. Jeremy is missed as a host on the show. His film school background and views on films always made for some interesting discussion slash arguments. However, I'm not just saying this because uh, he's a good friend. Derek would make an excellent addition as permanent host. His reviews are always in-depth, fair, and borderline. I, I don't... I'm interjecting. I don't know about fair. It sounds like 10 out of 10 Derek to me. Borderline, <laughs> <laughs> those of a pro. I'd also like to add that these guys usually encourage us listeners to check out a film, even if they did not particularly like it. Cheers, gentlemen. I'm sorry this was a little lengthy and written in a movie review format. Dude, listen. I love that review, homie. Like, I, <coughs> that's awesome. Review. I love everything about that review. You listed the thing. That's a very helpful review for somebody who's looking to check out our podcast on iTunes. Yeah, through that. Um, you listed off all the, the you know key things that, that make us pretty cool, and you even threw in you know some of our some of our faults, which is that we talk over each other, which is true. So I mean, that's which that's is a really hard criticism. not to do, though. It, oh, it's really yeah. hard not to do because, I mean, we can't see each other right now. It's not like we're queuing it up. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, a lot of it is arguments, right? I mean, you yeah. know, when you're disagreeing, I mean, you just do that in real life. I mean, you're not going to wait for the other person to stop talking before you mm-hmm. intervene with your own thoughts, right? So Yeah, and there are times is- where we, we've, you know, gotten ridiculous with it, too. It's a fair criticism, and we do do it sometimes. Yeah. But, you know, and he, he did say that it's, you know, not a, a huge deal either. He understands mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. somebody like Derek, who's you know semi new, doesn't actually 
100% know, you know, our timing, right? Like, me and yeah. Moods are pretty, pre- when it's just me and Moods on the show, we're like, we're, we're pretty good at not talking over each other too much. Um, when we're in an argument, however, fucking all <laughs> I like it. There's no rules. There's yeah. just no rules. <laughs> but uh, thank you for the awesome, awesome review. Like that. That's yeah. That was awesome. Reviews. Thank so, you, Sam. Yeah, great job. I mean, well written. I can never. I'm terrible at written things. So. <laughs> well, that review was a ten out of ten for me. Yeah, of course it was. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's it for the. A little bit of housekeeping notes and reviews and things. I hope uh, you guys um, take, you know, what I say into consideration. Please, you know, email us, leave voicemails, stuff like that. Uh, let's make these upcoming shows really awesome. Sweet. Sweet. Yeah. So, so that was it for the... <laughs> that was the it housekeeping. for the, all, the, all the housekeeping notes. Awesome, awesome. Nice, that nice. was a really long review, I have to say. That's crazy. Because most people really only write, what, two, three lines kind of thing? And Well, yeah, the guy was... right before him was like, I'm not going to say anything witty. Just check it out. Which <laughs> 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 is fine as well. I'm, yeah. I'm happy with yeah, those yeah. as well. Any review helps, dude. We're up to 35 now. Like, that's that's really good. And, and I fucking swear to God, I will love every single one of you for each of you that review our show. It means a lot. It really does. That's right. That's right. We definitely appreciate them. Even if they are critiquing our faults. That's fine. That's fine. That's awesome. Not, yeah, not butthurt. Not butthurt. That just means I'm going to take more pictures of my poop and post them on Instagram. For you guys. <laughs> just for you guys. Um, <laughs> but yeah, with all the, the house cleaning there done, let's get into some news. All right. News. Uh, I tried to keep it a little bit short this week. I only went back one week. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just because... I mean, I don't know. So, sometimes the older, older news, when we take breaks and stuff, it it just seems like irrelevant because people have probably heard it by now. But uh, the first little bit of news, like Arrow announced a few things, but um, the one thing that was really cool that they announced was the House Saga. Now, there's two versions of this. Uh, the U.S. version, unfortunately, only has House and House 2, but the U.K. version is complete. Uh, it has House, House 2, Horror Show, a.k.a. House 3, and House 4. Um, this set is, is really, really neat. Each of the, um, I don't know the one thing that I will say is the cover art on each house film looks very reminiscent of a Scream Factory release. Well, that's because yeah. Justin Osborne does the artwork and he does art for Scream, he okay. did art for Scream Factory. I guess, that, I guess that's yeah. why then, which I'm not, I'm not opposed to cause I like Scream Factory's work. In fact, I like Scream Factory's artwork better than Arrow most of the time. Hmm. But, um, yeah, I'm not. I, I well, I'm I'm an original cover type of person, so I usually flip them anyways. So it doesn't really matter to me. But um, I actually did learn something from that house release. I didn't even know that, or maybe I did, and I just completely forgot. But I didn't know that the Scream Factory edition of the horror show, which is also known as uh, House Three, was actually the cut version, like the rated R version. Mm-hmm. So this edition that's coming out in the UK, uh, titled House Three, um, is the uncut version. It's the first time uncut on Blu-ray. They specified that. And I didn't even know. I had no idea. So um, I kind of joked around with it, too. And I said, well, maybe that's why the movie sucks. So I don't know. Hmm, Interesting. (laughs) So we'll give it another watch. Yeah, I didn't even know. If I do remember back correctly, 
I do remember them asking, you know, the fans asking if that horror show release was going to be cut. And I believe, now, I don't quote me because this is just based off memory. I believe they said that um, they couldn't find a uh, the uncut elements. So um, maybe mm. some things have changed. Maybe in the UK somebody had uncut versions out there or whatever. Anyway, that's mm-hmm. that's really cool. Anytime there's a, you know, a different cut or, like, you know, gore added in or whatever... It's always cool in my book. Um, I've actually never seen House 3 and 4. Uh, I'm a huge fan of House 1 and 2. So, I mean, I actually might buy this set. My, you know, I'm I'm super into the House films. And I've always wanted to own House 4 because it doesn't have a release in the U.S. Mm-hmm. House 4 is fun, man. I've got the, the U.K. DVD. Um, I really don't like Part 3, but part at least Part 4 kind of technically kind of feels like a House film, you know? Yeah. Part 3 doesn't at all. It's just like kind of the oddball one out of there. So yeah, but there's tons of special features on these. I mean, there's even features on House Four, like audio commentary, the making mm-hmm. of House Four, which is a brand new documentary. Um, so that's that's really neat that there's they put that much effort into. And Arrow always does with their features. It seems like so. Um, yeah, I'm excited for the site. They've picked this one up. It's yeah. really really nice. I mean, I'm still you know, happy that House 1 and 2 are, are getting, you know, special tre- treatment as well. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's just, it's rights issues, you know. Uh, House 3 in the U.S. is, I believe, is owned by MGM, licensed by Scream Factory, uh, and House 4, I believe I tracked down to Sony, I think, because uh, it originally was New Line Cinema, and then I think uh, it went to Columbia, which is owned by Sony. So, I think mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. as far as I tracked it to. So. Um, and I doubt house four the possession the repossession is high on their list for a special edition anytime soon from sony yeah no not at all (laughs) so uh that's not maybe we'll do the house franchise one day um anyway moving on here we have uh a little update on the next child's play film um writer director don mancini uh has been posting little hints and and you know being very cryptic on twitter and uh he actually um, recently posted uh, a photo on Twitter uh, with the uh, production office, like, like a little picture of the production office. So the production office is officially opening, which means that they're they're probably working on Chucky Seven. So, yes. Well, it's about time. Jeez. Should I just bring this up too? What's that? I think I brought this up like a couple shows ago too. I was like, "Where's where this new Chucky film?" Oh well, we did. There was other. I, I've reported news on this a few times now in the past. Yeah, but it's just like you know, because there was no official word on it actually, you know, being in production and things like that. Just kind of rumblings of it and stuff. Yeah, there's still no good. official word. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is better than nothing, though. You know, so yeah, yeah at least yeah. they're giving us some things. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. really curious to see what they do with this, man. You know kind of like you know what ending they're really going to use from the last chucky film you know because there's like yeah well i mean but all the endings kind of like all of that stuff could have happened in you know yeah it was like false endings i know right it's just like i know so weird misleading um yeah i'm not looking i'm very skeptical on this new one just because of how the last one ended it seemed like it was bringing back all the things i hated (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, so, oh, I know what you mean, yeah. <laughs> so moving on here, we have uh, Train to Busan. B- Busan? 
Um, this is a movie that's got a lot of positive reviews this year. Um, like, it, apparently it's a Japanese uh, zombie film. Uh, it's got it's on a lot of top ten lists that I'm already seeing. Uh, anyway, it's being remade uh, for the U.S. as well. So uh, it's actually what? a South Korean film. Yeah. Wow. Wow. The year's not even over and the film's already being remade. It's crazy. Uh, it actually makes sense um, because it says it was one of the biggest South Korean box ho- office hits of all time. So, <laughs> wow. I can see them remaking this one though. Mm-hmm. This is this is a normal zombie film type of deal. Is that film getting a release? Here yeah, it's co- yeah. yeah, it's coming it's out coming. in June, January. January. Yeah, well, go. Oh, it's not till- yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So, um, uh, is it available for rent right now? I think it is on iTunes, I'm not sure, or Amazon. Because that's one that I've been, I have to check out before the end of the year, if it is available. Uh, So, um, yeah, that's happening. And the final little bit of news here, actually I have a little, two two more. Uh, We have XX Anthology, now we've talked about this for a long time. This is, uh, is this the all, yeah, this is the um, all women anthology, I believe. Uh, basically, it's having its world premiere next uh, month, and they will release it February seventeenth, uh, two thousand seventeen. So this is this is going to be one of the early films for two thousand seventeen. Um, it's uh, four uh, tales. Uh, that, so so it's, uh, there's four little sort of uh, shorts in in this anthology. Um, pretty pretty interested to check this one out. Been, it's been one that we've talked about for yeah, yeah. literal years. Oh, I know this. This one has like a really cool like poster art too, right? Yeah, I, I think, I, think so. I know. I think I know this one. Yeah. Uh, and finally, for the news, we have uh, a release date for Annabelle Two, which is going to be hitting August eighteenth, twenty seventeen. Um, yeah, it was slated for May 19th, 2017, but it's being pushed to August, so more towards the fall time. Mm-hmm. So. Sweet. Yeah, Sweet. And that's the news. Annabelle 2. Oh, man. Can't Annabelle even seven. imagine. <laughs> they, make, they make 17 Annabelle films. Oh, fuck. Oh, man, I haven't I, seen the first one, so I still can't even believe how much I me neither. Actually, to be honest, <laughs> oh, that movie was torture, man. It's terrible. It's terrible stuff. But you know, it made money, so of course they're gonna make a sequel to it. I mean, it only makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool stuff. Alrighty, so that was it for the news. That was quick. That was really quick. I have to say, that was not much. That's what um, she said. Yeah, that's what she always says. <laughs> she does. Uh, yeah, getting into mood swings here. And uh, the DVD and Blu-ray releases for... Now, I was... I'd made an announcement, I think, last time on the show that I was going to be doing them, like, for the next week. Uh, but it turns out there's only, like, a couple releases on the 20th. So I'm actually going to do the ones for December 13th here, considering there is a lot of releases, and I'm sure people want to know about these because they're pretty notable. There's some notable ones in here. So, first up here, uh, we got uh, Scream Factory's edition of Black Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I know you bought that, huh? I did. I caved. I totally 100% caved. I said I was not going to buy it because I'm really not a fan of the cover art. And even, like, I thought maybe, you know, it would kind of grow on me when I got it in my hands. And I was like, no, still don't care for it. 
<laughs> too much. Uh, but you know, it, it's really not much different than than the Canadian one. I think the only difference is is that this one has a brand new what 4K transfer or something like that, and I think it's got a new interview. But it has like all the not. I don't even think it has all the ported over features from the Canadian release either, which is kind of interesting. I ha- I'd have to do a comparison, but I don't think they're all there. So, but anyways, I'm mm. curious to check out the transfer on it. So, anyways, uh, if anybody out there knows 100%, like right off their right off their dome, if the Screen Factory did port over everything, let me know because I'm just too lazy to check myself. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> but anyways, Black Christmas. Uh, next up here from Arrow, we got um, Creep Show Two, and uh, yeah. yeah, I got my copy in the mail. Uh, the other day, uh, I don't. Ha- it doesn't come with the the one that I got. The, the press copy didn't come with the red. The, is there two versions to this? Yeah, there is. There's a standard okay. edition and then a special collector's one with the. Okay, so I got yeah. the standard. Yeah, the collector's edition was just with the slip box, I think. Right, I think mm-hmm. that was different. So, okay. yeah, creep show two man getting the arrow treatment. Pretty cool stuff. I mean. Hopefully one of these days we'll actually uh, we'll see Creepshow one get a good release. I know it's just got like a standard Blu-ray release in Region one here, and I heard the I heard the transfer on that Blu-ray is crap too. Is Who it just owns like... it? Image, I thought, right? Yeah. Well, Creepshow one, it's Warner. Oh, is it? Is okay. it Warner? Yeah, okay, that's what it is. I heard someone told me once. I've never actually seen the transfer myself, but someone told me that it was like just an upscale or some shit. So never grabbed it. Never grabbed it. Do you guys have it? Nope. I have it. Yeah. It, it looks it's, it looks decent. I've, it's been a while since I watched Creepshow and like yeah, it's a widescreen transfer and stuff. But I'm not sure how like it looks compared to like you know like other editions of the film too. Because I know Second Sight has an edition, but those catalog titles, man, they never put the work into the transfers. You got to get yeah. them to these yeah, niche companies, man, to get the good transfers. But yeah, anyways, hopefully one of these days we'll see a good release of Creepshow 1. I know a lot, that was the first thing that people were talking about when Creepshow 2 got announced. Like, where the fuck is Creepshow 1? And I'm like, well, <laughs> I mean, it has the standard Blu-ray release, so if you don't want to hold on to your fucking Snapper Case DVD, pick up that. <laughs> it's like $5 on Blu-ray. Um, yeah, next up here, which this one actually kind of surprised me, man. Uh, from Shriek Show. Like, Shriek Show back from the dead here? Like, it's back. <laughs> so bizarre. So bizarre. Uh, we got Dracula vs. Frankenstein coming out from Shriek Show. Now, I don't even, I haven't even heard anything about the Majorette's Blu ray release. Was the transfer any good on this thing? Derek, do you know? I've never picked it up. It was too expensive for my price. Yeah, range. yeah. Me too, man. It was like way, way expensive. But I'm curious to see if they're starting to do like decent transfers because you know like all the old Shriek Show Blu-rays were pretty much like upscales and shit like yeah that. I own one of them it's like I own the Flesh Eater one it's like upscaled yeah I think all of their Blu-ray releases are upscaled so I've, I've never grabbed one Shriek Show Blu-ray I was just like no I'm not going to waste my time but I'm curious if they're actually like you know doing new transfers and stuff now, I, I would assume they are if they're back from the dead I don't know <laughs> you, you think they're going to rise from the dead and just put out upscales <laughs> but again that was still like one of the oddest things too like where does companies back... put all blu-rays now it's yeah weird. well it, it was so weird like one seven yeah shriek shows back in their first their first major release in a long time and it's the majorettes blu-ray <laughs> okay yeah it's, it's not a bad film but seriously uh dracula vs frankenstein very interesting second title for shriek show to be releasing 
don't really know what's up with that. Uh, I'm going to mention this one, even though it's not really a horror film. I don't, I'm still confused on why Scream Factory is actually releasing this in a collector's edition to boot. Uh, we got Dream, the Dreamscape. <laughs> what? Dennis Quaid. Like, it's not a bad film or anything, but, like, how does this get a collector's edition from Scream Factory? Like, am I the only one that's kind of, like, scratching their fucking their head? Well, well, they're announcing, like, crazy titles, like RoboCop 2 and 3. Yeah, which doesn't make any sense either. They, they should well, be, like, always, sh- I mean, they did say uh, that they, but the, but they created that shout so, But they created that shout select line for, like... that. That's exactly what my point was. That's where I was going with this. I'm like, you know, this wouldn't be a bad title, like, Dreamscape yeah, but- or... Robocop uh, 1 and 2 to release on the Shout Select. I mean, really, those titles kind of fit what they're doing over there. You know, just giving kind of cult films, to, you know, whether they be sci-fi or thriller or even comedy, you know, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, um, the special treatment. So I, I just don't get it. I just don't – I'm not a big fan of companies kind of branch out into um, – it's more for discussion. I just think it doesn't really fit the mold too well. You know, I mean, it's kind of like... It does now, though. Could I mean, you they've imagine released so video? many movies that aren't, like, horror by now. You know what I mean? Well, that I is don't. the mold now. I don't know, man. There's a lot of companies that do stick to it. It's like, could you imagine, Derek, like, Massacre Video drop in Dreamscape? Just out of the blue. Uh, you'd be like, what the fuck So jarring. Like, what the... Oh, there's a dollar in the jar jar. <laughs> um, In the jarring jar. Uh, but yeah, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. I just... I This one cracked me up. I was like very very strange but dreamscape i mean which actually has a blu-ray release already it has a catalog title blu-ray release so i don't know whatever here's what it is i'm just bitching uh next up again here from arrow we got driller killer the standard edition and the steelbook edition i actually got my steelbook in the other day along with my black christmas and uh it looks beautiful I haven't checked out the transfer yet i heard it yeah i mean neither i haven't even opened my steelbook up yet either yeah, I'm really curious to check out this transfer because, like, I have a couple DVDs of the Driller Killer, and they look pretty shitty. I'm not going to lie. Like, I have a pretty standard kind of budget-type DVD of Driller Killer, and I also have the Cult Epics, you know, that limited edition one. In the mm-hmm. Yeah, That one looks a lot better. They Cult Epics definitely did a good job with that, but, you know, most of the Driller Killer, I mean, what is it, public domain? Is Driller Killer public domain? No. I th- I, it's on like a lot of like multi packs. I know. Is it not public domain? Because I always I wondered that because Jewelry Killer has been released by so many different companies, like you know, kind of major companies and stuff. But uh, it, it always kind of finds itself on those budget related releases. You know, those Mill Creeks. Yeah, those Mill Creeks. And I don't know. So I always thought it was just public domain. I don't know. But yeah, Jewelry Killer. That's really cool, man. Uh, and next up here we got uh, the complete second season of Fear the Walking Dead. Have you guys checked any of this yeah. out? I haven't seen season one. No, either did I, man. I heard good things, though. I actually heard good things, surprisingly. So, I don't know. For all you TV buffs out there, the second season is on Blue Rizzle. So, uh, then we got a re-release of Hellraiser, the... Um, Bitch, what is this? This is a Scar- first-time release. Just because it was released in the UK doesn't mean it was a re-release. Well, see, to me, it seems like a re-release because I just don't like UK <laughs> releases and... It's all the same shit to me because I mean same with Derek, right? I mean if you own a region free player, you're just kind of free to like spend money around the world. <laughs> you know, and everything just it releases a release to me. I don't know. But anyways, the Scarlet Box has gone. Yeah, but this so. release doesn't have the stupid little red eighteen on it, which automatically makes it the better release. 
See, see, it's those little things. See, that bugs you? I don't give a shit about that. It's man. one of the most ugliest things I've ever seen. I can't I stand truly it. Don't e- I truly don't yeah. even notice it. It's crazy. See, that's funny. That bugs you. I don't you, know how you don't not notice it. It's so <laughs> big and out of nowhere. That's why I just, at least I love Umbrella because they, they put a reverse art that doesn't have it because they know how annoying it is. You know who does that too? Actually, a lot of German companies do that too. Like <laughs> yeah. they, have, they, have, they have their big gaudy uh, labels on there too, their their warning labels. and they always it's so it. unnecessary. It is. I mean, it is. It definitely is. I mean, if you're going to have it on the back too, like what's I the think point of having it? I think you have to have it on the front. I think it's a law, yeah. which is dumb. Yeah. It definitely is a UK thing, yeah, for sure, hundred percent. But yeah, so for the people that you know didn't pick up the UK edition of the Scarlet Box, uh, you know, I'm 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 kind of torn on this because I don't really care for the packaging on the Star- on the Scarlet Box. I actually prefer the second release of the of the Hellraiser trilogy. You know, just a standard box with the three individual. Amory, yeah, I actually really enjoy that a lot more. And it's sturdy too; like you can beat someone to death with that thing. So kind of yeah. cool, but. I'm, Anyways, uh, I, I'm gonna buy this if I don't. I don't know if they're doing press copies for this, so if they don't, I'm buying it 100 percent because I was bummed that I didn't get. The I actually got my. Uh, I actually just got my shitty Stringer version of this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I got a couple of those the other day too. I have like this massive stack of like Arrow screeners. I'm like, I own like all these regular copies. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is annoying. <laughs> So one day just give them away to one person. I, I think like I will, man. We should just mail. We should just mail the Jeremy because he hates. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I have to say, man. Like, I, I generally don't even pop them in because I most of the copies I have real ones of, but I don't have the Chud one yet, and I got the the you know the the press copy, and I, I watched it. Holy fuck! Does Chud ever look good on Blu-ray, man? Ooh, that shit was good. You guys watch it? I haven't watched it yet. I have it. I know you did, JP, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks really damn good, man. It's very, very surprised. Hmm. And he's staying quiet. He's staying quiet because he's probably going to review it tonight. So, yep. um, <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, moving along here from Screen Factory and their IFC line. And uh, this one is called I Am Not a Serial Killer. Um, now, this one I actually am pretty curious about. I've heard it, good things about this one. It has the other Mr. Lloyd in it, Christopher. Lloyd. Yes, it does. As Mr. Oh, Christopher Lloyd, geez. that's awesome. I, lo- I love Christopher Lloyd how he just branches out and does things like this, right? I don't like seeing weird. Christopher Lloyd any- anymore. It depresses me. Cause Why? Because he's getting older. Old as fuck, he's gonna die. Yeah, he's knock on wood. No, he's dying, dude. There ain't no knocking on wood. You're not gonna stop him from dying. <laughs> it's probably gonna be soon too. I don't want to be our jinx. <laughs> Yeah, leave it, leave it to the, yeah, it, it is sad. Because I, lo- I mean, I love Christopher Lloyd, so it's it, it's sad to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, anyways, that one that one looks good though. Have you, have you got you guys have heard good things about it though, right? Yeah, this is actually yeah. on the list of films that I got from because David and uh, David, Dave and Brandon are actually recording their top ten tonight, and I got a list of about you know fifteen to twenty films from each of them. Uh, that uh, have potential top ten potential, and that was on them their list. Mm. So I mean, uh, I'm gonna probably add it to mine to see, just cause. Yep, cool. Yeah, I've been wanting to check it out. It's just fucking so overpriced here. It's like thirty bucks. I'm like, yeah, I'm not paying thirty dollars for a Blu-ray for an IFC Blu-ray. It's ridiculous. Um, next up here from uh, of course Screen Factory and their IFC line, another film called uh, Let's Be Evil. <laughs> um, this is the one with that weird like cover art with like the girl with the glasses. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, 
I haven't actually heard anything about this one. Have you guys heard anything about this? Uh, I haven't actually heard anything a lot about it. This is I the haven't... one that's kind of been very, very quiet. They're, they've been releasing a lot of IFC titles lately, so... Yeah. But, yeah, don't really know much about that one. Uh, again, from Screen Factory and IFC, we've got a film called Shelly. Now, I have heard good things about this one also. Definitely worth the watch. Um, mm-hmm. so, so that's cool. Looked interesting anyways. Uh, Camp Motion Pictures releasing Slime City Mass- Slime City and Slime City Massacre double feature. That's pretty damn cool. Oh, yeah. I wonder how those are going to look on Blu-ray. Cause, no idea. Yeah, I no. mean, the DVD of Slime City. I mean, it doesn't look bad. It, do- it definitely doesn't look too, too bad, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see. They're fun, ridiculous films. So, uh, And then, I guess Twilight Zone are releasing these. And, oh, no, this is... Is this a re-release? It's a Didn't, Blu-ray. But didn't they already release the Blu-ray, the complete set of the yeah, Twilight Zone? That, if you don't remember, um, CBS ended up acquiring the rights to like Twilight Zone, uh, Tales from the Dark Side, Friday the 13th, the series. So that's why the, all those re-releases have been happening. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. That's right, that's right. It's yep, definitely so... more affordable, though, man. I mean, uh, that that complete series is about $83 on Blu-ray. Yeah, that's a good price, pretty man. Pretty good. I okay. think, honestly, my DVD set cost me 100 I mean, the the, the Blu-rays, each season was about $50 when they came out. Oh, yeah, those things things were so expensive, man. Crazy expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Twilight Zone, man. One of my favorite shows of all time. Coming out on Blu-ray. Pretty awesome stuff. (laughs) This one just cracked me up. Every week, man, there's some stupid title like this, man. From Uncorked Entertainment, we've got Abby Grace. (laughs) Look at this cover, man. Oh, it just looks... It's obviously some type of possession-type kid film. I don't know. But yep. it looks pretty bad. If the cover looks like I can make it as a thumbnail, then it's awful. <laughs> yeah, it just it looks bad. It definitely looks bad. Uh, from Parade Deck Films, we've got Wake Before I Die. And again, you know, it's very, very generic, man. It's got like a little girl on the cover kind of huddled up and just looks shitty. Uh. <laughs> it looks bad, man. So, uh, this one right here, I'm not going to lie. I thought this one looked pretty interesting. Um, this one is from Artsploitation, and it's called The Devil Lives Here. Really? Now, I didn't even know that. Did, I know. That's yeah. the thing. I, I remember reading, I think I read the press release on this. I think they sent one out a little while ago and stuff. Are we getting copies of this, or what's the story? Artsploitation um, is so hard to keep track of anymore because they certain films, they just they release like the burn on demand style where there's no press yeah, copies yeah. and then other films are not I mean their number system is completely fucked by now it's actually it's actually tainted them a little bit for a company that I was completely obsessed with and loved uh, yeah. it's kind of getting a little weird yeah film rise fucked it all up for all of us yeah that film rise shit I, that's so irritating so irritating and, uh, yeah, I mean, especially for the people, you know, because they, they look so nice, you know, in the first, like, 20, 25 releases of Artsploitation, even though, like, some of the releases were DVDs and Blu-rays, it, it did look kind of funky on the shelf a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah, and then the numbers just went... They in the just different went Blu-ray cases? <laughs> yeah, in the different Blu-ray cases, too. <laughs> but, you know, it still doesn't hurt the, the quality of films are pinpointing out, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, moving along here, we got uh, another Don't film. I think this is the third one this year, man. This one's called Don't Knock Twice. Don't Knock Twice. I actually like that cover art. 
It, it's not bad, but the, this is the third don't film this year. So we got uh, Don't Breathe, Don't Fuck in the Woods, and which I might add is one of the best titles ever. Don't Fuck in the Woods. I mean, it's a, it's a funny title. I showed that to my friend today at work. Like, it's a cool title and stuff, but I just feel like when, with a title like that, I'm going to hate the movie. Yeah, well, like I that. think it. I think it is a comedy, though. I think it is. Well, I think it's a creature. It's a. It's a. It's a creature feature. Is it? Is, but is it a comedy, though? I'm not sure. I'm pretty it sure someone said it's like it, it's supposed to be like. I know that's what I said. I'm like, don't fuck in the woods, <laughs> really. But anyways, like I love my don't titles, so I'll be picking up all these things if I can get my hands on don't fuck in the woods. It's kind of getting hard to find. <laughs> but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. don't knock twice. Looks cool though, man. Looks alright. Uh, then we got, I don't really know anything about this one. It's like, looks more like a sci-fi thriller type deal. I don't know. It's called The Hybrid uh, from Mongrel. Mongrel's releasing this one. Looks like an alien type creature feature thing. And yes, of course, every week we have to have one of these. And who's putting this one up? Pop Twist. You think that's a real real label? <laughs> Pop Twist? <laughs> Um, that just sounds ridiculous. <laughs> the Ecstasy of Isabel Mann. <laughs> it's called The Ecstasy of Isabel Mann. You can get it for nine ninety nine. Uh What the fuck? It's probably worth like $2. I don't know what the fuck it's even about. Like, is it like a, like a food fetish film? Oh, I hope it's not. Ugh. Why should it be like a French drama? It's a vampire film. Is, it, is oh. that what it is? Vampire? Okay. The ecstasy of his man, cool. And uh, here's one I've had my eye on for a little bit. I think it looks pretty cool. Another funny title with Killer Rack. Yes, it's a movie about killer tits. Yeah. From Cat Motion Pictures, of course. You know what you're getting yourself into with that one. Uh, <laughs> killer Rack, so good. <laughs> um, oh, it, it just never fails me. It never fails me. But from Wild Eye, they're releasing a film called Ouija Possession. The Ouija oh. Possession. Oh no! <laughs> it actually is probably one of, one of the worst covers they put out in a long time. You know, so it must be amazing. It's probably yeah, it's one of the better films. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, speaking of good old Wild Eye releasing, we've got Secret Santa with their pretty awesome cover art. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay, man. It's, it's some dude, Santa Claus with a ski mask, holding a sledgehammer. Andy's like really excited for this. I'm gonna like this one. I like it. <laughs> yeah, you know Christmas related horror films, man. I always got to check them out. I noticed that Bill Sabub put out a couple this year. I think there was one Santa Claus serial rapist. And uh, <laughs> how many movies does that guy have with rape in the title? Like, Don't care. It's, it's unbelievable, man. I actually never seen any of his films before. Oh man, You're he not makes like, a damn thing. He makes seriously <laughs> some of the worst films ever. But it's just it blows my mind, like how many films come out from that guy every year i mean i give him props if he's having fun i mean whatever it's just i i don't like i almost find it offensive that you ask people to pay for them (laughs) yeah i you know honestly i you know some of his earlier films when he was making like serious tone films they actually weren't that bad but then when he started to make like comedy films and like he does way way more of those comedy type films down it's just i don't know man i watch more offensive stuff i think it's just it's so it's so dumb they're just so dumb and he's just trying to be racist and offensive and it's just like yeah, yeah. it's it's not funny though you know what i mean like like south park when they're racist is funny this guy yeah. when he's racist it's fucking racist and dumb well, of course it's of course it's funny they have a black character on 
South Park name token. I mean, that <laughs> is funny in itself. It's hilarious. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's really token. funny. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so that is going to do it for the DVD and Blu-ray releases for the 13th. And now my pick of the week, release of the week. Um, hmm. This is actually a tough one because there's actually quite a few good releases this week. There's uh, only one answer to this question. There's only one answer for this question. There can only be one. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, if I was doing it for myself, I probably wouldn't choose this one. But I would have to recommend it because it is a pretty damn cool release. And that is the Hellraiser the Scar- the Scarlet Box release. Pretty cool. Nice. That's the answer. That's, I mean, come on, man. It's 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 the Hellraiser trilogy. Uh, it even has Leviathan, right? It does. Oh, yeah. It does. yeah, which ha- doesn't have a release in the U.S., I don't think. No, not a solo release, no. no. So, yeah, I mean, did, did, you, did you count that as a 2016 watch this year? Leviathan? I did not actually. Never even thought about it. I did watch it, though. I haven't yeah. seen a single oh, shit. I haven't seen a single documentary <laughs> this year, which is bugging me. So, I uh, I've seen a couple. I've seen a couple. I've seen uh, a couple like mockumentaries and stuff. Um, yeah, that Leviathan. It's pretty good though. It's good. Cool. I, I really enjoyed it, man. I mean, if you're if you if you're into Clive Barker and you know people kind of tooting his whistle, <laughs> yeah. they talk about a lot about Clive Barker. You know, and like how great he is and stuff. So he is. It's pretty interesting. Pretty interesting stuff. So the Scarlet Box set for all you uh, Region One people out there coming out finally. All yes, right. nice. got to do nice. it. So that's gonna do it for the DVD releases for December thirteenth. And you know what? I'll just I'll just mention the ones on the twentieth since they're gonna get overlooked here. Um, basically, there's two, and uh, we got Rob Zombie's Thirty Ones coming out on the twentieth, and the Disappointments Room. <laughs> So, what the fuck? Mm. Uh, Rob Zombie 31, I will be picking up, so gotta check it out. Gotta check oh, it man, out, I'll man. tell you what, the Katrina Wan Press, it had pushed the D- Disappointments Room so hard. Like, I got so many emails, like, new still, new trailer. Like, it, it was like, and I didn't post on it at all just because I didn't want to have to review it because, it to me, it just the cover just did not intrigue me at all. And it just sounds like one of those movies that I probably wouldn't like, but... Actually, now that I'm remembering it, though, I seen a trailer for that months and months and months ago, like, yeah, before I, I completely I th- stopped. And it actually looked good, so now I'm kicking myself for not checking it out. You know what, man? I've actually heard of this. This Kate Beckinsale's in this one, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, I know which one this is. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, this one. I actually didn't even recognize it until I looked at Kate Beckinsale's, and I was like, okay. Um, I didn't see the trailer, though, but it, you said it looked good? Yeah, I think I, if my memory is correct. Interesting. That's funny that you actually watched the trailer because it was be, it was really like much. it was it was so long ago. It was like it wasn't even. I think it was actually somebody at work who showed me it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, but you know. Anyway, cool stuff. Cool, cool, cool beans. All right, man. Well, moving along, and uh, we got some voicemails slash questions this week. We got yeah, some? yeah. So we have a question slash email here. So it is from. I think uh, James Cox, right? I think so. Uh, nice. Hi, gents. James here, another inhabitant of Bidland. The 22 shots know me, but this is the first time uh, emailed to Exploding Heads. He actually mentions that he sent this to both of us, both shows. Uh-huh. 
Uh, I've been following 22 Shots for almost a year now, but only just jumped onto the Exploding Heads bandwagon. Had to do it because I love the shows where Brandon and Dave guest. So thank you know you're welcome, Exploding Heads, for giving you another of our listeners. Uh, you're welcome. Welcome. <laughs> uh, you guys have uh, me and Stitches, two fantastic pods. Anyway, my question. It's a bit of a dumb one, but if I had fun with it. So, what's your top franchise compilation, one through ten? But you can only choose one movie from each franchise slash trilogy. This is what I came up with: number one, Basket Case; number two, Dawn of the Dead; number three, A Nightmare on Elm Street: Dream Warriors; number four, Psycho for the Beginning; number five, Friday the Thirteenth; uh, A New Beginning; uh, six, Curse of Ch- Oh shit! I I just realized something. Six, Curse of Chucky. Seven, Chainsaw 3D. Eight, Hellraiser Hellworld. Nine, Children of the Corn Genesis. And ten, Halloween 2. Actually, you know what, dude? Gonna have to answer your question next week because I thought you meant you just pick one film from each franchise and create a top ten. I see what you're doing now. You're listing, like, for example, Basket Case is number one because it's the first in the series. Dawn of Dead is number two because it's the second in the series. Three is The Nightmare on Elm Street because it's the third in the series. I, I got that right away. Doing it like that, so I'll have to answer that next week. <laughs> yeah, I might have to do cool. that next week too. <laughs> I guess it was pretty obvious when he had Children of the Corn Genesis as number nine. Yeah, but it wasn't obvious because he had Basket Case as number one, right? So yeah, it was like, yeah. it's kind of weird. Um, but yeah, I was like, this is this guy's top ten is weird as hell. But yeah, that's was actually fun. Like... That's actually fun. I'll get back to you on that. That's a very interesting. Thing yeah, I'm gonna have to get back on that one too because I, I do just like did normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you have yours, Moods? Uh, no, I actually don't. Um, I don't think I even got the question. <laughs> uh, I sent it to you on Facebook. Oh, okay, that's probably why. But yeah, no. I mean, since you guys are gonna answer him next week, I'll do it too. But okay. yeah. Um, he also says uh, I wanted to email this to you all. It'll be great to hear your answers on your respective pods. I like how, I like how he says pods. It's a, Pods. Your pods. Alright, and P.S. When is Derek going to be a confirmed as a co-host <laughs> on 22 Shots? You all work so great together. Anyway, keep up the great work. All peace out. So, that's a question that we've been getting a lot lately, and I just avoided it, because um, I don't know if we've actually talked about it, or like what we've actually said, but uh, I'll just give my opinions. Um, I like having Derek on, and when I... Had, when we had him on for the first time, I said, Derek, you're welcome back anytime. Open invitation. And I meant it. Like, I mean it. You can literally come on almost any episode. Um, I don't really care for labels of, like, he's the third. Because there was three of us to begin with. It was Moods, me, and Jeremy. Jeremy's gone. There's two of us now. Me and Moods. It, it, according to me and Moods, we own 50% each of the show. I own 51%. He owns 49%, I should say. Um, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. What um, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, so uh, we pay for it. You know what I mean? It's it's our show. We we created the show. Jeremy created the show. We stole it from him and kicked him off. Um, but, you know, it's, it's <laughs> Ian Woods' show, and uh, that's that's what it is to me. You know, Derek is, uh, is a great guest, and, and um, whether you guys want to call him a co-host or whatever, I mean – that's up to you guys. I don't really care. Uh, I just know that, you know, at the end of the day, um, me and Moods have built this thing and we've, you know, uh, put a lot of work into it and a lot of, uh, 
you know, it's a crazy amount of hours into this thing, and um, it's ours. It's it's our show, and uh, that that's how I see it. That doesn't mean that I don't like Derek or that Derek isn't. I mean, he's on the show. He's on the show weekly now. There's one show coming up that he can't. He literally can't be on, which is the '86 show because we already have five. It's me, Moods, Brandon. Dave and uh, Christians coming on that one, so it would just be too much with six to have six yeah, top tens or whatever. But that'll um, be my day off. I, I literally mean this as an open invitation when I say anybody can come on any week, and I love having three. Three is my favorite to have because it it opens up Hall of Fame, it opens up Hall of Pain. Uh, it it's more of a party than you know. Me, me and moods get very yeah. It's, it's, it's really about the rating system. Yeah, the yeah. Ra- it works so well for the rating system, right? I mean. Whether I mean, since Derek's been on our our Hall of Fame has just exploded. Well, that's because like, it's ten out of ten, Derek. But uh, <laughs> like I was saying, me and Moods get really intimate when it's just me and him. We start playing footsies under the table and stuff. Like every once in a while, we yeah. have to have somebody else on here to you know kind of balance out the the yin and yang of of me and Moods. So uh, it's nice to have a third person. Um, and that's why I've kind of just avoided the question because I didn't want to be a dick and be like Derek is not whatever. You know what I mean? But that's just how I see it. I don't know how you see it, Moods, if you want to answer that question as well. Well, you probably couldn't have answered it uh, any better. I mean, that's really um, – I, I like that. I like the whole analogy of, you know, it's uh, you know it's our show. Like, we built this up and stuff. And, you know, since Jeremy's left, it's just kind of the two of us. You know, it's just the two of us. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it never gets old to me. I like that. But, um, but no, like, I mean, like, like we discussed before, we said we kind of – didn't really want to officially bring in a third member. We wanted to have an open invitation to anybody to come on the show. And we, that was kind of the plan. I mean, we discussed it for quite a long time after Jerry, Jeremy left the show. And we said, you know what, man, instead of picking and choosing someone and kind of leaving other people out, you know, out yeah. in left field, let's just kind of involve everybody all the time. So yeah. hence the open invitation, you know, Matt, you want to come on the show, Derek fucking those fucking idiots from uh exploding heads you know derek it's just you know um that's and it kind of worked for us we became accustomed to it so that's why we never officially you know named a third person as a host it was more because of we wanted to keep this kind of revolving structure so yeah and Mm. and like i said you know this isn't cheap like me and moose just dropped you know in the past whatever year like a couple hundred dollars on on keeping the website up and keeping the show up and we paid for that you know that's money out of our pockets like i i, I would like to retain full creative control over the, over the show and you know i i worry that <clears throat> if we get another person on they're gonna kick me off no i'm just joking that ain't happening but <laughs> um anyway uh is De- like derek is on the show weekly right now and it's nice and he's doing a lot of work as well. Like, I've asked him to, to help me with stuff, and, and he's... I know Moods is working, like, 12-hour shifts, and he's busy as hell. And Eric, Derek's been picking up weight of, uh, you know, of, of, of different things that I've asked him yeah, to do. Yeah. And, and he's done mm-hmm. it, which is fantastic. Like, you know, Jeremy... Promote machine, like, man. <laughs> to talk a little shit on Jeremy right now, like, Jeremy had to twist his arm to do anything. So it is nice to, to fucking have somebody that, that's willing to do some stuff. And that's not... You know, that's not something that Jeremy won't fucking tell you himself. Like, he he was not, he didn't really like, you know, posting the show around. He felt like it was spammy and stuff. And and I understand that or whatever, but, you know, it's it's nice to have somebody who is willing to do that. Man, we couldn't even get him to watch some of the featured reviews sometimes. Doctors and the Devils. 
Yeah. yeah. Go back. Anybody who listened to this show, go back and listen to that show and tell me Jeremy watched And Torture movie. Chamber. And Torture <laughs> Chamber. <laughs> so, Jeremy, you want to break the ice here? Because me and JP are fucking arguing our faces off on this one. Uh, well, let me get it. I should so, answer well, this myself. Well, I kind of agree with both of you guys. It's like, what the fuck does that even mean? We're on opposite Well, I can see where Moods is coming, but I can also see where JP is coming. You know, honestly, shouldn't be talking about Jeremy when he's not here to defend himself. I apologize. Well, but... he, can, he can listen to us. He can come on. And, you know, and we always even said, you know, if Jeremy wants to come back, because he actually wants to come on the uh, the Paranormal Activity Show, doesn't he? Does he want to do that one? Yeah. Yeah, he does. You know, I'm I'm fine with him coming on, honestly. I was, Ooh, I've no, been listening no. back to some crazy. of those clips that Lu- Luis put together for us a while ago. There's, like, best mm-hmm. of, and, and, like, yeah. there's really funny moments with Jeremy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I miss Jeremy on the show. It would be great to have him back on it. Yeah. I, I got an idea if we ever actually have him back on. I got an idea for it. So um, that's uh, that's that. And, you know, that's, that's it. to answer your question, I, I guess. I mean, I like having Derek here. Uh, weekly, it's nice to have a, a third person we can bounce stuff off of. Um, you know, he does great with the post production stuff, like how reliable out. too. Reliable as fuck. Watches the movies, and he actually, above all else, he fits our schedule, which is hard as fuck to do. <laughs> it, 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 well, it helps too that Moods' schedule and mine tend to work together now since Mood started working again. Yeah, yeah. Since I went back to work, yeah, exactly. And yeah, it's kind of strange because, like, pretty much nobody, it seems like, it just always didn't work. You know, like, when we recorded on Thursdays, it was so, it was such a pain in the ass. Like, I remember when Matt would have to, like, leave work early and things like that. And it, th- that day was bad for everybody, it seemed like, you know. Yeah. I mean, even even for you, JP, it sucked, right? So, but yeah, no, I, th- I think this day is, is working out pretty good, so. Yep. Can't complain. Can't complain. So, yeah, I got, I got to give it up to Derek, though, man. You've been going crazy with the, uh, you know, posting everywhere and, you know, creating these accounts and things like that. It's been a big help. It has been a really big help. I mean, JP as far uh, went to say, as to say the other day that I was slacking and I'm like, man, honestly, dude, I slack in, in all parts because I'm so fucking busy just with life shit that, like, I can't even. I mean, I'm, it took me three times to get through Patient 7 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, like, crazy, man, so... Yeah, well, I say you're slacking, but there is no show without you, and there's no show without me, um, Yeah, so, I mean, we, you know we I mean. try to do what we can here. I mean, I, I get the videos up on my channel when I can, or, you know, as soon as I can and stuff, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh... It, it's tough. It's tough these days. I mean, so, it's just that year, though. It's just ridiculous. It's December, man. It's December. So, ridiculous. I hope that, uh, answered your question, James, um... And we'll answer the other question next week on the Christmas episode. So uh, yeah. see see it then with that. And we actually have uh, a voicemail that I would like to play from the homie Rob. Hey, guys. Rob from Georgia. But as you know, I'm Rob from Western New York now. So I don't know if I want to change to that or just stay with Rob from Georgia since that's what everyone knows me. So I don't know. You know what? I'll let you guys talk about that. Anyways, uh, quick thought. Um, with episode 100 coming up, uh, here's a thought. Uh, in terms of voicemails, I wonder if we could somehow fit it into the episode where uh, you guys might give us a chance to, uh, you know, drop that special voicemail. Uh, just an opportunity for us as the listeners, uh, 100F, uh, you know, shows in uh, to just uh, give our uh, just uh, give our appreciation to you guys and all that you have done. 
Yeah, so uh, as far as the first question goes, uh, you, homie, homie, listen up. You might be Rob from Western New York or whatever, but you're always going to be from Georgia. You know what I mean? You never stop being from Georgia just because you don't live there anymore. So uh, I say keep Rob from Georgia. That's, that's what funny. I say. That's like, infamous. Is he, is he living like, you know, near Buffalo type thing? or like, I, When he says Western New York, I always think of that as like Northern New York. I don't know. Did he say Western or Northern? I don't know. <laughs> no, he, he did say Western, but like when I think of that, I'm just like, I don't know. It seems like it's Northern. But whatever. I don't, I don't know. I don't live there. But anyways. So, um, his other question was about the voicemail. We kind of mentioned it earlier. Yeah, 100%. Leave a voicemail, uh, whether you want to talk about your favorite episode of all 100 or you know where you want the show to go or what, what you thought of the show or or experiences you had with the show or anything that is that is sort of a retrospective sort of thought process when you're talking about it you know like the, this episode 100 this is a big deal this is a couple years of uh work and and what you maybe even say what your least favorite show is favorite fucking thumbnail whatever you want to do it's up to you but uh leave leave that one and, and play it on episode 100 and then also leave the other uh, voicemail that I asked about your best horror film. Um, so yeah, Rob, thanks for the idea. Cause I didn't even think of actually having mm-hmm. that so much until you actually brought it up. So I did know that I wanted to have a bunch of voicemails for episode 100, but didn't know how I wanted to do it. And you kind of shed some light on a way that I think is, is the correct way I, to do it. So I think it's a good idea actually, because you know, it's it, we're doing this with the help of the fans, though, too, right? With the people. So, you know, having their voices literally in there just kind of makes it feel right and complete. So, yeah, Rob actually opens up episode 50. He does. Yeah. That's right. That's Rob right. opens up. He's the first voice you hear. Um, I just like the way his voicemail sounded. I remember when I was editing that episode, I, I just liked how he. Um, he opened it, so... Rye from Georgia, hair. Bird from the crystal plumage. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> the calling in on the most influential... Like, I just like how it sounded. It, it sounded good over the music, so... Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, we have one from Tyler here. Hey, guys. It's Tyler from Los Angeles again. And um, I'm going to ask this question again. I wasn't sure if you guys had it before, but I'm going to ask a few questions, so... My first question is, what is, um, you're like, okay, basically, like, what is the death that you think is really stupid in the horror movie? Mine is probably, uh, the Hatchet 2 death with the assessment. I think it's not funny, nor is it as realistic as, like, you know, the, um, like, like, the, like, the death in the first Hatchet. Even though, like, they weren't as realistic, but, like, they're, like, they're more believable than someone getting struggled with their assessment. 
And my other question is, what do you guys um, consider checking out American Horror Story? I just finished Hotel. It's really solid. And keep up the good work, guys. Alright, so that was Tyler. And mm-hmm. he asked what uh, death is that we don't like. I'll go first. And um, it has to be Elm Street 6, where Spencer is in the video game. Even though, like, I, I kind of like that one <laughs> the most, maybe? I don't know. It's It just fucking is at an all-point low when he's, like, bouncing around and there's the cartoon sounds and stuff. Great and graphics. We, we've brought this scene up so many times on the show. <laughs> But it truly is one of the worst goddamn things ever. Great graphics. Great ah. graphics. <laughs> ah, so well, bad. Well, mine's actually kind of funny because it's actually the film before that one is Elm Street 5. Super third Freddy. Super Freddy? <laughs> yeah. I'll take yeah. Super Freddy any day over fucking... I don't know. I just don't like the, when, fucking, when fucking guy gets killed. He's like, ah! <laughs> what about you, Mids? Uh, I just kind of wanted to avoid the question at all. <laughs> all gods, <laughs> but uh, um, how about anything that's off screen? No, I won't use that as my that's, answer. Um, that's a, that's a cheapskate. <laughs> oh no, totally. That's why I didn't want it. But uh, no, uh, for real. Um, I'm probably going to catch heat for this because I know a lot of people like this ending to the film, and you know, just the way it kind of goes down and stuff. But I'm going to say, I can't stand the fucking the end of uh, Halloween H two O. I know, right? What the, the death? I hate that whole fucking. That I is hate a it. Great man. death. That's I know. A great a cap people, on the franchise too. A lot of people like it, and I can't stand it, man. I, I just, I, I don't know. That film I used to like back in the day. Every time I watch it, it just goes down the shitter for me. Would, would you still like it if shit erection never happened? Um, I don't. I I don't think resurrection really affects my opinion. Of H2O that much, to be honest, but... Well, they usually looked at a whole ending as a scapegoat and, like, ruin it. Yeah, I don't know, man. Whatever. I I try not to... I try not to put them together, but, you know... No, yeah, yeah. It's just something about the way that whole thing kind of goes down with Michael. I'm just like... It goes uh, down perfectly. I know know that you really like it, and it's just... And I know a lot of people like it It, also. It's just the best ending. If you're gonna end it, like, why not have this touching moment of these two characters that have been through you know, tons of crazy shit happening to them that are intimate because they're brother and sister. You know, it makes sense that, you know, it would go, you know, that she would be the one and stuff, but, but, uh, they could have done it better. I I think the way they executed the scene and stuff, I think it just, they could have just done a different scenario too. I, I, there's something about that buildup. It just bugs the shit out of me, man. Really, really does. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm going with that one, that death. Alright, so uh, that is it for the voicemails. I do want to apologize that I got a new phone and I had a couple voicemails left on my old phone, but I, I factory reset it reset it so I could use it as a, to listen to podcasts, and I totally forgot about those voicemails that we never played, so um, they're misplaced. I got a new phone on Black Friday. Uh-oh. I was yeah. actually wondering about that too. Yeah, yeah. So should have been more. Oh well. Shit. Shit. Right. <laughs> okay. Good. Sweet man. So that was it for the voicemails and questions. And uh, we got knowledge this week. Do we have knowledge? I do not have knowledge. Derek, you must I... have some. Derek here. 
Hmm. <laughs> I did have something, but I just can't think of it off the... I didn't have it prepared for the show. I always think of these things, like, during the week and stuff, and then come, like, the weekend, I just completely space. I did have one thing. It was actually mentioned on, like, the Facebook group, but it kind of spaced out, and I didn't have time to actually write it down and prepare for you guys. Do you remember what it was at all? Oh, it was about the Coffin Joe set. Like, uh, everyone's getting hectic that it's not Blu-ray. Hmm. Yeah. Because they couldn't get, like, the stand the HD transfers and stuff. So they over the... Yeah, they said that the transfers were... Or the um, elements were really poor in poor condition, so they don't want to fuck with them. Mm -hmm. Because they might fall apart, I guess, (laughs) or turn to dust or something. Yeah, that kind of sucks, actually, man. Well, it sucks because that was such a long-weighted release. It's like, well, you should have just said from the beginning, like, yeah, we're putting out a DVD set of Coffin Joe. (laughs) Well, it's funny too because Embodiment of Evil is it was put out by Snaps on Blu-ray already. So, mm-hmm. like, if you buy the trilogy on DVD, you're kind of downgrading your Blu-ray to DVD. It's yeah, kind of strange. I don't know. I don't really it's care. so weird. Yeah, they're awesome. They're awesome. Yeah, they're, they're really good films. Yeah, I mean, but isn't there? Um, there's other releases of those, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, we have uh, that box set where the first two comes in with a. Uh, a few other of the director's films, the Coffin Joe collection. Yeah, I've got UK. that one. Yeah, I've got that set. It's nice, man. It even has like his doc, the documentary on there and everything. Really awesome stuff. I actually learned a shitload of stuff about him from that documentary. I didn't even know that he he did he directed like some pornos and shit like that. It was it's crazy, man. So, yeah, good stuff. All right, so I guess that is going to conclude um, mood swings. I'm just going to skip morbid fact again this week. Fuck uh, I'll be yeah, fuck you, Rumorg. Still pissed off. But no, it will be returning and stuff. I'm just working out a couple things here. Uh, I don't, don't really know what that means. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> you're looking at the bottom of a magazine every fucking yeah, time. No. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it out. Uh, yeah. Um, but anyways, guys, let's get into, uh, well, what the show is about this week, man. So well, we decided that we are going to do what we watched. That's old it. school, baby. This old just a round table. I remember in the early episodes we used to do like seven, eight. What we watch. Oh, now we do like one, maybe three at the most. So uh, I wanted Locking to return to this. Segments. This is my favorite type of episode, by the way. Um, well, it, it is. Th- this one's good for you because you know you've had so many screeners you can't, <laughs> that you need to catch up on. So it's gonna it's up well really yeah. well. So. I, I mean, but even before then, I've always liked these episodes. They're just simple. It doesn't feel like I have to do anything, watch anything specific for the show. Mm-hmm. It's just the simple episodes. This and franchise episodes. Those are my two favorites. Yeah. All right. So this is going to be what we watched for. I believe this is for. I'm not really counting, but this is for. Yeah. Right. So, yep. yeah, this is the fourth time we've done this. And uh, who wants to go first? How about I'll, I'll uh, go first? If oh. you don't mind. All right, JP, go first. Um, so if you've never listened to a What We Watched episode, it's literally just roundtable of what we watched until uh, we run out of time. And uh, we make good time through the regular episodes. You should, guys, should hear quite a few reviews here. So uh, the first thing that I'm going to do is something very different. I, I would never do this under any other circumstance. But um, basically, I got a screener copy of Fear the Walking Dead, season two. Uh, which is hilarious because I, I have requested screeners from CBS Home Video and this uh, 
um, Anchor Bay forever, and I never get anything. Like, they never send them. They send me the press releases, I post them, and then they never send me the screeners. And then they, the one movie, the one screener that I was like, didn't really care to get so much because I, you know, the situation, the uh, entire season, I ended up getting it. And it's uh, Fear <laughs> the Walking Dead Season 2, so uh, not only did I get a screener, but then I got a email from the person saying like, oh, by the way, uh, everybody who receives screeners, um, make sure you guys post your reviews accordingly because uh, it will influence us whether you receive future screeners. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, damn. So I, I, I was like, I'm never going to be able to watch an entire season in like four days when I have all this other stuff to do. So I'm prefixing this review by saying that I did not watch the whole series, the whole season two. In fact, I've not watched all of season one. So, so this, how, I how jumped the fuck into you season to this? two. I jumped into season two without seeing season one. I would never do this under any other circumstances. It was like my OCD. It was, it was like Inception. My, my OCD was driving me crazy, dude. But anyway, I did end up seeing the pilot of season one when it aired, and I did like it. So I kind of knew the gist of the story. Um, this one, season two, actually fucking picks up right at the end of season one, apparently. So, um, like, Los Angeles is on fire, and uh, there's this group of survivors who I do not know, except for the, the a couple of them from the first episode of season one that I watched two years ago. Uh, <laughs> and basically, they're all hopping onto this cruise ship, and they're like, you know, so it's like the on-a-boat modes. You should be happy. Nice. Nice. Um, so they they escape, you know, the zombie-infested Los Angeles that was bombed, and they're, they're stuck on this cruise ship. And uh, we're basically following the characters. A little bit of character development. I mean, you're obviously supposed to know these characters already, but it's a little slower once the craziness stop, stops happening. They end up uh, radioing into the uh, another boat, and there's this girl who has, like, contact with them. And this whole time you're thinking, like, oh, like, this other boat's probably, like, up to some no good because it's, like, cutthroat into the world type shit. And, you know, they're all talking about the fact that they're in the zombie apocalypse. And uh, essentially, they do end up meeting up with that other boat, and, and things go down. And that's the first episode. And it was a, a really, really good episode. So good that I was just going to review the one episode that I was like, I'm going to watch episode two. Um, and then I started watching episode two, also a good episode. They finally get on land, and they, they meet like this um, sort of like family, and they think that they're trying to Jonestown each other. Right? Uh -huh. so, so, like, that's kind of a cool concept right there. And, uh, yeah, so so episode one and two, I watch it, and the whole time I'm watching this, it just sparked. Something sparked in me, and I was like, dude, I fucking miss The Walking Dead. When The Walking Dead came out, season one, it blew me away. I loved it. I loved season one so much. I watched it the October 31st, 2000, whatever, the day that it aired, the night that it aired. I came home from a Halloween party, and... I loved it. Watched all six episodes. Bought it on Blu-ray when it came out. Watched all six episodes again. Watched all six episodes like five times. I swear to God. Season two came out a year fucking later. And I was kind of like involved with a bunch of other things. And, and just kind of fell out of it after like halfway through the season. And I haven't watched it since. And I was like, dude, like there's so many seasons now. What are they on? Like season seven or something? And then you have the season of Fear the Walking Dead and, and Fear the Walking Dead Season 2. I'm like, I miss The Walking Dead. Like, it's a great show. Like, at least from what I know of it. And this show got me thinking, like, oh my god. Like, I miss this, like, dramatic, like, survivor in a zombie apocalypse. There's so much drama here. 
and I love that. It's my favorite thing about zombie movies, like Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, like Night of the Living Dead. It's it's about the characters. It's not even about the apocalypse. And it got me it got me wanting to watch it. So that's why you know it's a very this is the only review tonight like this I'm doing. But but I only watched the first two episodes. But I did really like the show, uh, and it's actually coming out this week from Anchor Bay. Uh, and uh, it has a bunch of special features, co commentaries on every episode, I think, deleted scenes, uh, webisodes, Q&As, stuff like that. So, um, you know, thank you, Anchor Bay. Uh, I hope this review will be appropriate, even though – and I'm going to watch the rest, obviously. I'll give you my feedback on that as well. But, um, yeah, <laughs> so walking, Fear the Walking Dead Season 2. <laughs> it's Episode 1 and 2. <laughs> well, that was strange. Right. That was great. <laughs> right? Right? That's why I wanted to go first to get that out of the way. <laughs> but I really enjoyed those two episodes. I wanted to keep going, but I'm like, I got 2016 films to watch, man. Mm-hmm. I almost binge-watched the whole fucking thing, dude. I swear to God. I was so I was so ready for it. <laughs> nice. Nice. Okay. So I'll go next. Uh, first thing I watched this uh, past few weeks is uh, I actually just got this in to actually watch and I had it in the collection for a few months now, I think. And I decided to give it a watch because I was very interested in it. And that is uh, the documentary The Killing of America that Severin just released from the year 1982, if you haven't heard of this. Uh, it's a shock documentary directed by Sheldon Rene and Leonard Schrader, who, of course, is uh, the brother of acclaimed director and writer Paul Schrader. He actually was nominated for awards himself in the field. And... What uh, this uh, film dictates is uh, the violence and decline of America at the point of 1982 and what the director feels about uh, America during this time period. And he does this through a very interesting way with uh, uh, interviews with uh, Ed Norris and a few other like uh, cops and police and judges and all that good stuff. And he also has a few interviews with some convicted killers and it's also builds it up through uh, news broadcasts and actual murder footage. Now, the very interesting thing about how this documentary is told, it has like this narrator uh, done by Chuck Riley, I believe it's the name of the narrator who actually, and he does a really good job of like uh, bringing the, the science and tells you about like certain scenes. Like uh, the film begins with like uh, this uh, news footage of like a, actual police shooting of like a black man on like the curb of uh, the street and we actually see that scene later in the film with like what he was actually doing we find out that this guy was what is known as a sidewalk sniper he actually was holding a gun they actually come in and he has like a little handheld gun and he used to shoot people as the, they drove by in their cars and we didn't know that in the open it and he like introduces uh, different things like they talk about like uh, Robert F Kennedy's assassination and JFK. They actually interview uh, the guy who actually assassinated uh, Robert F Kennedy in this documentary, and then they dwell into like a few like serial killers like uh, Gacy, of course, and Dahmer and uh, Ted Bundy. And one that they interview is actually Edmund Kemper, who actually was. Uh, the co-ed butcher, that was his nickname. And a very interesting way they dwell in it. It actually ends with uh, some other notes, like they add like 
John Lennon's death in this, and that's actually how the film kind of wraps itself up. But a uh, very interesting documentary for the time period that it came out in, with a lot of like cool editing techniques and stuff. Of course, of course, as us as horror fans, uh, we might not find like some of the stuff that they talk about during this film because we probably learned about it in like other documentaries, especially about like Dahmer and Gacy and all that good stuff. But uh, it ends up for the time period that this came in, film came out in, that it was tempted and uh, of course this film was banned when it first came out in the public. And this, well, do you, does this say why it was banned? Because of the extreme content of the film at the time period, because it actually shows like actual, like real murders and stuff in the actual documentary. Gotcha. This is like faces to death. Yeah, but it's actual real stuff. Well, some of that was real, right? Faces to death. I think so. I actually never seen that. Uh, I think it's more like traces of death. Traces of death was all real stuff. Yeah, more like that. But of course, it also has like a cool thing feature where you can actually watch the Japanese edition of this film called Killing USA, which of course <laughs> the narration isn't Japanese, but it's actually a longer version of the film. But what they added to it is like this weird, like hippie, like happiness scenes, with, like the happiness of America, and then they go back into like the dismal, like stuff about the killings and all that good stuff. But so it's. <laughs> Yeah, it's very odd, and you hear like this de- Japanese narration, and you're like, "What the hell is going on?" But the the actual like interviews and stuff are still in American. But it's a recommendable film if you're into like shock documentaries. This one's one of the earliest ones and has a lot of interesting things. So I'm going to give it a solid seven point five out of ten. It's still worth a watch. Severin did a great job with this release too. Good special features. Like uh, commentaries with the director, Shell and Ran, and interviews. Yeah, that actually sounds like right up my alley. Like, I, I love docs, obviously, and, you know, I even have a segment on here sometimes called Horror 101, so it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, I think you would like it, JP. Cool, cool, cool. All right, uh, first up here, um, it's a film I watched probably. I think this is one of the first ones I watched after or during this break that we had. And uh, from 2013, uh, directed by Jim Jarmusch, I think it's how you say his name. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, he mm-hmm. did like, Ghost. Yeah, he directed Ghost Dog and stuff like that. And that Broken that Flowers. Really, yeah, Broken Flowers with uh, with Bill Murray. That movie was so weird. <laughs> it was one of my <laughs> so, favorites. Yeah, I love it. It's such a strange film. Yeah, it's good. Um, and it's called Only Lovers Left Alive. Uh, now, now this one I wish I had a scene. I actually got this movie in the day after I'd done a top ten of modern vampire lists uh for on my YouTube channel. And uh I wish I had to seen this one before I did the list because it definitely would have made my list. This is a really, really interesting take on well, vampires really. It's uh th- this is the type of film that I really enjoy, man. If you're familiar with this guy's work, you know, he's a very artsy type very calculated type director you know he really develops his characters and that's what you get with this guy's films right so uh, basically what this one is about it's about these two um you know lover these vampires right they're living in a society where they've pretty much had it with you know society itself and in general humans and things like that uh, the main character um 
his name? I think his name is Adam. I think, yeah, Adam. He's living in like kind of like the outskirts of Detroit, and he's purposely living on the outskirts of Detroit because there's no one there. So, anyways, Tom uh, Hindelson, he plays the main character Adam. He is. Uh, obviously a vampire and he's been living for a long time i think they specify in the film him and his girlfriend which at this point in the beginning of the film she's actually like over in europe she's they're kind of separated right now they're still together but they're separated they're mm-hmm. kind of separate lives and things like that so it kind of showcases that a little bit but but tom or i mean adam he uh he's they pretty much had it with humans and they call the humans zombies in this film it's kind of interesting because they're just drones to them and they've they've basically had so much enough of society and stuff that they've secluded themselves uh you know and uh that's how they want to live they just want to be away from humans so that's kind of an interesting contrast in this film is that uh these vampires they don't rely on you know humans for blood and stuff what they do is they go to like they make deals with like you know doctors at blood banks and things like that and they get their own negative blood that way and uh see adam's a, he's a really interesting type character too because um he's like an underground musician and his music is actually getting out there. And uh, this A&R guy, <laughs> played by um, Anton Yelchin, I think mm-hmm. his name is. Yeah. He's, he's kind of friends with this guy. Yeah, yeah, rest in peace to Anton Yelchin. But this, he's kind of an interesting character because, you know, he gets um, Adam's music out there for people to listen to and things like that. But he can't tell anybody in the public or anyone, like, where he is or, like, who he is and things like that. So it's got, they've got this really interesting relationship. And it, it kind of shows. And this is about the only human that he really does care for. But... But so you got this whole thing with Adam, like he's this very, very kind of melodic, calculated character and things like that. I love the fact in this film how um, the director, he approaches these characters. There's so much development with these characters that you really get invested. Like the time you spend with these characters is is very well spent and uh, you feel for him. You really do feel for him. Essentially, this, you know, the the couple gets back together and they start living their lives like that and stuff. And uh, like I said, you know, they're living on the outskirts of Detroit and I love how they showcase this because as we know, Detroit's pretty much like a fucking ghost town. So it's kind of like the perfect place to live. Right. And it's showcased so well, cinematography, like the, the locations used, it's just feels so empty and desolate. And it's a, it's, it's like a pure reflection of these characters too, because that's how they are you know, living their lives. I mean, living their vampires, but you know, they're very empty and alone and stuff. Cause they've been around for 500 years and things like that. So essentially they get back together. It's kind of like a love story. And uh, what happens is um, the girl's sister comes to visit and she kind of fucks things up and stuff. And then, you know, shit kind of starts going down on the film because she starts to fuck with these humans and starts killing them. And they've really gotten away from that type of lifestyle. And they really don't want to do that. They just want to live their days out by doing whatever and stuff. And, uh, yeah, this film, it's a very, very beautiful, calculated film. Awesome, awesome characters. Cinematography is fucking beautiful. Uh, the, um, you know, the music in the film is brilliant. It's really, really brilliant. It runs mm, just over like two hours, and it actually doesn't feel like a two-hour film whatsoever. You're Like I said, the time you're invested into these characters and everything's kind of so interesting and calculated. Um, a very, very melodic film. Um, definitely not for everybody, I would say. I mean, if you're looking for a vampire film with, you know, lots of blood and gore and stuff like that, it does have scenes with blood and a little bit of gore and stuff, but it's not, it doesn't rely on any of that stuff to sell this film at all. Uh, it's a very artsy film, but, you know, the, the thing that sells it, though, is the uh, the acting by Tom Hiddleston and uh, Tidless, what's her name? Tidless Sweden. Sweden, yeah, she's uh, 
from the film uh, we need to talk about Kevin. I don't know if anyone out there has ever seen that film, but she plays the mom in that one. Fuck. So good. Such a good film. But she's a really, really great actress, and they sell these characters so well. Very, very down and kind of uh, – it just has that – that feeling to it very very empty feeling to this film i love it it's it's got such a great mood to it but Mm -hmm. uh without without saying too too much about you know what actually happens in the film and stuff um let's get into my rating i'm gonna give it about a nine and a half out of ten i think this is i think this is one of the best vampire films i've honestly ever seen it's really fucking good on all levels i mean you know, like I said, if you're looking for something kind of high energy and high pace and stuff, this is not going to be for you. You have to take your time. You have to sit there and just kind of let it play out and stuff. And uh, it's good. It's a really, really good film. I really enjoy this. And it has a great ending, too. The ending's fantastic in this film. I really enjoyed it. So, yeah. Nice. Awesome ones. I, I got to check that out. Yeah, check this one out. Um, it's a, definitely worth your time. So I'm a big yeah. Jarmersh fan, so I'll definitely check this one out. Yeah, I actually uh, uh, really like Anton Yelchin too. Like, um, he's been good in pretty much everything I've seen him in. Yeah. Yeah, there's a really sad scene in this film involving him actually, and uh, uh, just the way it's filmed and, and like what happens after and stuff with the characters. Like they're kind of sitting around and like once you see the film, you know what I'm talking about. But it goes on for a long time and it's like, it's just oh man, just knowing what happened to him in real life and stuff and the scene you kind of compare the two and you're like ah oh, shit man, kind of sad but. Uh, yeah, he, he's really good in it though. He's a very likable character, actually. So, all right. Uh, speaking of vampires, the uh, film that I'm going to be reviewing is Vamp from 1986, uh, courtesy of Arrow Video. Uh, one thing that I'll say right away about the Arrow release is I don't like the cover art. Um, you know, Vamp oh, has cover- never had a good cover art ever to begin with. Period. So, <laughs> um, not really doing much. You know disjustice or whatever uh yeah this one follows two friends who are uh, pledging in a fraternity and uh it's kind of goes stupid and they're like this sucks like let's get some girls for like and you know their idea is to bring back a stripper uh to sort of entertain you know the fraternity and get in that way instead of the stupid whatever they're doing beforehand which is is really 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 dumb <laughs> and so basically they go and I, there's this part in this movie that i don't really understand where it seems like their car like spins out of control and then they end up in a weird place is that what i'm supposed to get in this because I, I didn't understand like is is that what's supposed to happen like they they like transferred into like a different universe or like town or something do you guys know what i'm talking about yeah, it's been a while since I've watched Vamp, but uh, it's like they're in like another like dimension, right? Yeah, like it, like it they kind of go into that alternate like, world. Yeah, yeah, because at first you just think that they're they like well, the first time I've seen this, I just thought they went to a weird city town, but it, it seems like that something causes them to go there. Like they fucking you know hit hit something or swerve or whatever, and their car spins out of control. Like they were kind of destined to go there. You know, yeah, it's like that. It's weird. It's, it's kind of like this weird kind of vacuum vortex that kind of sucks in the humans for the vampires to feast on. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> basically, they end up going to this strip club where there's this, uh, you know, sort of lead vampire played by um, Grace Jones, and basically just, you know, campiness ensues, and, and it's, it's a vampire film. Uh mm-hmm. 
one thing that I do like a lot about Vamp is the use of colors. Like, there's a lot of pink and greens throughout this film, like neon pink. Like, tons of neon pink. Like, looks like, mm-hmm. like you know, something fucking out of an Argento film at times, you know what I mean? Not as elegant, but, you know, definitely there. They're, like, down in the sewer, and there's all these different neon lights and stuff like that, which is pretty cool. But, yeah, it you know, it, it's, uh, it's not the best vampire film you know Moods just said he watched one of the best vampire films that he's seen this is definitely not one of the best i've ever seen um it's campy uh sort of you know cheesy fun um but one thing that i do like is uh it actually stars uh one of the actors from a nightmare on elm street part two which is one of my favorite elm streets uh freddy's revenge it's uh robert rustler as aj which i actually didn't even recognize until this watch i've seen this movie before Mm. uh but yeah so vamp uh there's you know some de- there's there's a you know a, a decent amount of special features on there i haven't watched any of them because honestly i'm just not that that interested in vamp um but i will say the transfer on this i think is one of the weaker arrows i've seen in a while um it's all right it, i mean arrow always does like good transfers so even the bad ones are good technically right like yeah like, it's bad for arrow but it's still a good transfer um, and this is this is one of the one of the ones that I was like ah you know it's not it's not poppy as they normally are so uh, six point five out of ten for Vamp still a fun little vampire movie. yeah it's a fun film it's even got Moods' favorite actor on it Billy Drago oh, yeah, Drago isn't that isn't he <laughs> yeah it's awesome <laughs> okay okay so uh, shout out to Matt you and your horror movies this reviews for him because I saw this film on his shelf by shelf series. So I picked it up and wanted to check it out, and it's called Bottom Feeder. Did you guys ever hear of this one? Yeah, I, I own it. Yeah. And it stars Tom Sizemore. <laughs> Very interesting cover art, kind of like weird, generic, like creature feature cover art. Uh, so this film begins with like this doctor who sells like his uh, serum to uh, like this, like kind of like Elon, like injured like businessman when we first meet this guy he's like kind of, kind of like deformities and he's in a wheelchair and what the serum is is like this uh regrowth uh serum but the doctor does say it does have its effects side effects which uh when you inject it it does make your body and it adapts you to be better but it also it gets starts to eat your insides so what you have to do is you have to eat to make the serum better and make yourself better. And what you eat, you become kind of like it forms into mutates you into something that you eat. So what ends up happening is they end up double crossing this doctor and leave him down there to uh, die. They shoot him and actually inject him with his own serum to torture him because they know the side effects of it. Well, while this is going on, we're introduced to, like, this utility servant's crew that comes into the town, led by Tom Sizemore and a few of his buddies. And what they're there is for, as we find out later, is, like, uh, Tom Sizemore and his other head of the guy that runs with him, that uh, there's this, like, uh, there might be some valuable stuff in this place. So they're like, yeah, let's go search, clean up the crew, and if they find anything, we'll take it, type deal. So what ends up happening is... The doctor, we go back to the doctor, and he's actually wounded, and he starts to, like, mutate. So he starts to eat a rat, 
and he ends up becoming like this rat-like creature and they end up going through the tunnels and exploring and the utility and these two meet and it's up to them to try to survive and get out of there and before they get killed by this creature so when I was getting into this my expectations were very low for like this type of film of course like Matt he loves his sci-fi channel films and I was thinking that this was one of them but to my amazement there's actually some cool practical effects in this the creature of course is practical yeah, which was yeah. a plus and it actually has some very good like gore scenes too with the, involving the creature's kills which had me interested and plus the story isn't that original of course guys in a tunnel getting chased by a monster it's been done before but I actually did kind of like the characters even though some of the acting in the film was very shaky but I actually did like Tom Sizemore in the film which he has some shaky performances in his career especially yeah. during this time period but he was actually good and likable in the film I'll give him that so Bottom Feeder is it like an amazing film not at all is it a fun film it is so I'm going to give it a solid 6 out of 10 yeah I'd probably give it the exact same rating that's pretty much what I would rate it to. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Back to you, <laughs> Oh, shit, man. I thought we fucking lost him for a second there. That was weird. Who, me or JP? Yeah. No, it was weird. It just kind of fucking cut out. Awkward silence. Awkward, yeah. No, I totally thought... Sounds of silence. I was just waiting for someone to say, okay. Um, yeah, you know what? I can probably give a shout out to Matt also. I think I picked up this film. It's been in my on my list for a long time because I'm a really big fan of uh, road horror films. Like, I love road horror. It's one of my favorite subgenres. Uh, this one's from 2004 called Highwaymen. Have you guys seen this one? I've seen trailers for this like in the past when I was younger, but I actually never got a chance to check it out. Nope. It's got uh, yeah. G- Jesus in it, right? Yeah, yeah, Jim Cavazell or whatever the how the Cavazell. Yeah, he's got a weird name, man. Uh, This one's directed by Robert Harmon. Now, Robert Harmon is known for directing probably one of the best road horror films of all time in The Hitcher. So he kind of went back to his roots, yeah. The Hitcher was his very first film, of course, from 1986, and then this one came out in 2004. So, you know, he kind of tried his his luck at doing a road horror film again. This one, yeah, not as good as The Hitcher by any stretch of the means, but... uh, you know, it's pretty decent, actually. Basically, what the story is, uh, uh, Jesus, I'm just going to call him Jesus, um, his wife was killed, mowed down by this uh, by this assailant. And it turns out that this guy is, like, this notorious killer. Like, he drives this, uh, this fucking souped-up, like, 1970, I think it's like a... Uh, I, I actually don't, I'm not quite sure what kind of car it, it, it actually is, but anyways, he goes around from like county to county, like mowing people down, and he kills them, and that's just what he does. Um, so, anyways, he learns of this girl that just got in. Well, the the, the killer tried to kill this chick, so he kind of teams up with her and stuff, and he's made it his life goal to hunt down this guy and fucking kill him himself because obvious for obvious reasons he killed his wife. So these two team up after she had a run in with them. And then they go to the road, and that's where your film takes place. Uh, it's pretty enjoyable, actually. There's a lot of uh, pretty decent car scenes in this film. It, it plays out like an action film. It's just high energy, high energy, and stuff like that. Um, it's pretty decent, man. I got to say, again, the acting in this film, you know, at times is a little bit shaky and stuff. Like, I mean, he's not a bad actor, but he comes off as like, 
I don't know, man, almost overacting in this film at times. I don't know. It's weird. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of strange at times, but I, it, it was good for a laugh anyways. But uh, but one of the most unique things about this film is, um, I mean, the story is very generic and things like that. You, you kind of know what you're to expect from a film like this, but is the killer himself. <laughs> now, the killer himself is insane. It, absolutely fucking insane, man. So what had happened was he got into like a huge accident. The backstory with this, this killer is got in this huge accident and they had to basically put him back together so he's like this mechanical like maniac you know he's like all like you know kind of you know he's got like bar arms and like his what is he tessia it's yeah pretty much man it's kind of strange like he you know he still has limbs and things like that but you know it's all mechanical and stuff but yeah it's just like the most bizarre killer ever and he's all like kind of souped up in this car and it's just it's pretty awesome man very very unique (laughs) type killer and shit like that so um but yeah, no, overall, man, the film was actually really enjoyable. It had some pretty good scenes, uh, some pretty good kill scenes and stuff like that. Definitely some really awesome stunts. Like, that's all I like about films like this. You know, it's filmed like an old, you know, 70s action film where the cars are really flipping and shit like that. There's no CG involved in, in this stuff. And not a bad film overall. Um, if I had to rate it, I would probably give it about a 6.5 out of 10. It was definitely enjoyable. If you like your road horror films, nothing special. Uh you know, just uh, just enjoyable. It's more or less like a popcorn flick, really. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing to it, so hmm. yeah, good stuff. Oh, oh, I do like some road horror, but uh, yeah. Moving on here, we have uh, moods. Kind of mentioned it earlier in the show. Chud, 1984, <laughs> cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers, or ah, fuck, what was the other thing? There's, it actually means something else you find out in the film. It's yeah, it's on like one it of the, yeah, it's on one of the yeah. I don't want to spoil it. If it's like yeah. something yeah. hazard disposal or something. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Chud, uh, this is uh, coming to us courtesy of Arrow Video once again. We've got another Arrow here, and I was actually really excited for this release because I love Chud. Chud's my shit. Uh, basically, what this film follows is uh, murders in New York City. And we follow it from a, a few different characters' point of views, um, one of which is uh, a cook uh, that cooks for homeless people. He kind of runs a homeless shelter. His name is... Uh, Daniel Stern. Well, yeah, his yeah. name is Daniel Stern. Um, oh, Rev, is, Rev. Yeah, yeah, he, the Reverend. And uh, he, Daniel Stern is obviously from Home Alone fame. Uh, he narrated The Wonder Years. Uh, he's in Leviathan. I'm a big fan of this guy. He's awesome. And... You know, basically, there's there's something eating the homeless. Like that's literally the plot. Like there's something eating the homeless. Uh, the mayor is up to no good, or, or you know, like trying to stop people from investigating what's going on in the underground uh, sewers of New York. And then you got a photographer, and he has baby baby mama drama, um, and you have uh, another guy who's trying to figure this stuff out and put everything together. And basically, you know, it's 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 the fucking Jaws with sewer monsters. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of the same yeah. concept there. Um, one thing about Chud is it is set in New York, and mm. that means that everything it's it's not it's not 2016 New York. It is 1984 New York. Everything is yes. disgusting and filthy and slimy and gritty and nasty and scummy and just any other adjective you could use for absolutely just atrociously nasty 
And it's captured um, so well in the film, too. It just feels gross. Yeah, like Daniel Stern is walking around with the, just fucking this dirty, this like, snot, dirty, shirt. sweaty shirt. sweat, just nasty, that, dude. That just gross you out when you're watching it. Like, he's like the Reverend, yo. He's taking care of these homeless people, but he looks homeless himself. And, like, oh, you know, 100%. he's. You know, spooning out the soup and stuff i'm like i don't i don't know if i'd want to eat soup out of that guy's bowl yeah, he's he's interesting too because he's like he's like he's an undergrounder man he, he's one of my undergrounders and i haven't seen him in a while yeah. <laughs> like because like, you know they're, they're, calls they're, them they're, my people they're yeah, my people yeah. yeah like they live um some people kind of live underground in like the the catacomb like city underground cities of of uh new york and stuff which you know i'm pretty sure there there are you know, where places like that, like in New York, I remember seeing a documentary on, I think it was New York, but anyway, um, there's, there's these monsters, man. They're, they're coming up the manholes. They're, you know, finding their way in places. And, and I, you kind of see them off screen for a while. You don't really see, you just see their hand or like an eye light or something. Uh Um, and you do see them a little bit towards the end of the film, not as much as you would think in like a creature feature. You you definitely don't see the chuds too often. Um, and, uh, kind of a negative about that because they do look cool like they have these glowing ass eyes and stuff but you know it's that's definitely due to the the budget in that film though yeah you I'm can definitely sure. tell it's low budget yeah yeah, yeah. now um Moon's mentioned that the transfer looked really good to him I actually thought that it was just a, like it was another one of the the vamp situations for me like I, I it didn't knock my socks off I did think it was better than vamp's transfer but, uh, I, I thought the opening scenes actually, was... yeah, like you know the, the not the establishing shots, but like, well, I actually yeah, like the very first scenes, like in the um, on the street there, I thought that looked really good. I thought it looked yeah, really good. I, I thought know. the highlights and the mood of the of the like the tone of the look, it looked really good, man. So, yeah, I but... thought it looked good. It just, it, I don't know, it did. Like I've seen some other eras recently too, which have, in my opinion, much better transfers than Chud had. Um, now this Blu-ray actually c- does come with the integral cut of the film, which I actually don't know what that is. I watched it, and I didn't really see. It didn't feel like there was much of a difference. I um, was actually going to ask you because I watched that cut also, and I didn't remember, or I didn't really know what was different about it. I think just certain dialogue scenes are kind of longer and stuff, and yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, somebody actually answered it, but I already forgot because it was so minuscule. Um, but yeah, so I, the integral cut—I don't know what it really is—but there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of special features on here as well that I didn't get to, but I, I will because I do really really like Chud, especially the. Uh, it looks like they visit some uh, filming locations of Chud, which is oh. uh, really really cool. I like stuff like that. Um, yeah, so Chud is a lot of fun. It's it's one of my favorite movies, honestly. You know, like for cheesy. You know, horror. It's. It, I mean, the plot is ridiculous, and certain things don't make sense, and it, it's. It, it's very typical. Like you could pretty much figure. You can write. You can see the first like twenty minutes and pretty much write the rest of the movie, and it's gonna end up exactly like the movie plays out. Uh, but I still give it a seven out of ten. Solid stuff from Chud. I, I. I honestly think it's a little bit too long. I think it takes a while to get going too. You got to be a little bit patient with it. I think it's like what 30, 40 minutes before things kind of start to pick up in the film because there's a lot of like investigative stuff and things that are happening in the film in the beginning that I, I find that it's it's a little tedious, not like terrible tedious, but it's just it takes I can a little do bit. Do the baby mama drama? <laughs> yeah, John Hurt. Yeah, there's like a little social commentary about like abortion in that too. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Then we get a cameo by Goodman in one of his first roles. Oh, uh, yeah, I totally forgot about that. That's right, yeah. Yeah, Chud, awesome stuff. All right, so next film I have is actually a film from 2016. And it's known as Lights Out. Have you guys heard of this one yet? Heard of it, haven't seen it in the mail from Netflix coming soon. Have you heard and seen it yet, Moots? No, I haven't seen it yet. I've known about this one all year and stuff, but... Uh, yeah, so this okay. one is, of course, produced by James Wan. It's produced by his production company. And the cool thing about this film... It's Blumhouse, actually, isn't it? No, it's James Wan. It's not Blumhouse? No. I swear to God, Blumhouse released that. Okay. But, uh, yeah, produced by James Wan. And it's actually... The cool thing about this is I actually didn't know about this. It's actually based off a short film which uh, James Wan saw and wanted the director to make it expanded and make it a feature film, which I actually haven't seen the short film yet. Kind of curious on it. Well, I heard I, the I, short film's amazing. I heard that, yeah, it makes sense that that's why he, uh, you know, went after it. Yeah, but this one's, of course, directed by the same guy who directed that, David F. Sandberg. And interesting cast in this one. We got Teresa Palmer. Uh, Gabriel Bateman and Maria Bello, who you, JP would probably know from like Big Driver. She was the main star of that. Okay. Yeah, and it, it follows uh, what ends up happening is Rebecca is a girl who actually left her home and after her father abandoned her. And once she finds out her actually her stepfather was actually murdered in his warehouse. So she ends up figuring out, and her brother ends up coming to visit her, and she gets calls from child services that her brother is actually experiencing some of the same things she did when she lived at home. So it ends up being a force where we actually end up meeting her mother again, and we find out that there's actually a dark entity attached to her mother. And what that means is it starts to attack them too, but since the title of the film... It only attacks when there's no light. So if you're in the light, it won't attack you. Kind of like a darkness falls type deal. Now, when I was hearing about this film going into it, it was kind of like a lot of negativity because they're like, it's not going to be like the short film. They should have kept the ending of the short film. But as a from someone who hasn't seen the short film before, this one actually not a bad film. The only problem with it. Is it's very formalic in its uh, structure and story. Formalic. Formalic. That's the word <laughs> I was thinking. In the words of Jeremy, fuck you, JP! <laughs> <laughs> formalic, yes, thank you. But uh, it has a lot of good tensions. I actually like the characters, for instance. I like Teresa Palmer. I'm actually a big fan of her. Woohoo! really beautiful girl and I like her as the character Rebecca she's a very strong character and I love the relationship between her and her uh, little brother Martin who's a little younger played by uh, Gabriel Bateman and they have like a really great connection and I actually really like uh, the mystery of Maria Bello's character as their mother uh, very interesting in how her character plays out through the film through its ending and I actually did like the ending that's another negative that I was hearing a lot that oh, the ending sucked it actually is a really strong ending if you think about how the film goes 
and well, and there is a lot of jump scares in this film, but for me, the jump scares actually worked because I was watching this late at night with the lights off, and it was fucking actually creeping me the fuck out in some scenes, which kind of benefited with watching this type of film, especially with the scenario and what's going on with it. So if I had to rate Lights Out, I'm going to just give it a solid 7.5 out of 10. It's a very well and interesting film with its aspect and music score, and the jump scares actually have worked for me. But of course, it's a little formulaic. That is the only problem with it with me. Really cool film. I actually say check it out. 7.5. That's pretty much about what I was hearing from most people was that it is a little uh, formulaic and, and kind of what you'd expect. Yeah. yeah. I thought it looked I thought it looked actually okay, so I still want to yeah. check it out. Yeah, seven point five, still solid rating. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Alright, since it's uh you know December, I thought I'd give this one a rewatch. I haven't watched this movie in I don't know, it's been a few years since I've checked it out and because uh, it kinda has a Christmas aspect to it and stuff, but two thousand seven is called Windshill. You guys ever seen this one? Nope. I heard of the one with Emily Blunt. Yeah, I mean em, Emily Blunt, Ashton Holmes is in this film. Um, your two main characters. Uh, basically, the story in this one is uh, now. I believe Emily Blunt's character doesn't even have a name in this film. It's kind of strange, but anyways, uh, she's looking for a ride home because due to some certain uh, certain circumstances or whatever, she. Uh, she usually flies home. Like, she's in school with uh, Ashton Holmes' character, which his name is Guy. Um, or his, not, his name is not Guy. They, these characters, it's so bizarre. That I don't really think they even have names. It's, it's like, so fucking weird. But anyways, uh, and he's kind of a creep, too. It's, it's awesome. But anyways, Emily Blunt, she usually flies home from school. This particular year, something happens. She can't do the funding, so she needs to get a ride. Well, Ashton Holmes' character... He, uh, he says that he lives about where she's from. So, and he's like, well, fuck, I'm driving home for the holidays too. So you can jump in my car and, uh, I'll take you home. And she's like, perfect. They don't really know each other. They just kind of have classes with each other and see each other in passing and stuff. So they, uh, they start traveling home for the holidays. And of course, Ashton decides that he's going to take a, uh, a shortcut and they have a bad accident and which leaves them stranded, like in the middle of nowhere, it's fucking winter time. And now they have to kind of survive because some shit starts going down where they have had this accident. Uh, it was the site of, um, it, it, it's been the site of many, many accidents over the years and lots of dead people or lots of people have died and stuff. So now they start being haunted by these ghosts of all these people and stuff like that. So, um, that's your storyline. Um, this one right here, man, it's such a fucking, it's such a, moody and atmospheric film it just when you watch this movie it feels so damn cold like you actually feel sorry for the characters because they're trapped in this car and well not like fully fully trapped but you know that's just where they are they're stationary in this car trying to keep warm and stuff but you can tell that this one was filmed like in the dead of winter super super cold and stuff but I like the whole setup to this film it's very very simple it's very easy premise and stuff but the way they execute it it's kind of cool because when I first watched this film years ago, I, I wasn't expecting it to be so psychologically, you know, invoking. You know, this one is like total psychological type filler, film, and uh, it, it's it's got it's really cool, man. I like the whole backstory and stuff. I'm not going to reveal, you know, anything about like where this accident sites and you know the history of that and stuff. But uh, it's something you got to check out for yourself. But it's very cool, like how it all kind of comes together and things like that. And uh, 
Um, good performances, really, really good performances. Emily Blunt's really good. She's actually a British actress, I believe, and she's obviously playing American in this film. You, there's, uh-huh. like no, there's no hint of her accent at all in this. Like, she plays it off really good. Um, Ashton Holmes, uh, his character, he's a very, very creepy guy. Like, he knows a lot about her and things like that. And so they have this kind of weird contrast. Like, she, they, they end up pretty much kind of hating each other during this film and stuff because she finds out certain things about him and, and it just turns out that he's a total creep ball. But and he got all this other kind of shit going on and stuff. But uh, very, very cool film, man. I really highly recommend this one. I love the cues in this film, too, because uh, basically was what happens is when these ghosts and these certain things start to happen, there's kind of a cue in the film, and the stereo will come on, and it'll play this certain Christmas song, and, and then shit starts to kind of go down. But I really like that kind of formula where there's, like, a cue to it, and you like you know something's <laughs> going to happen, but you don't really know what that is actually going to happen. And uh, it's cool, man. It's really cool. Very awesome psychological thriller. Great cinematography. Fuck, I, this is the type of film that would be tough to be in because, like I said, man, it's cold as hell. It's just, oh, it looked like a really demanding type shoot and stuff. So, but I highly recommend this film. Uh, definitely give it a shot. It's you know, watch it during the holidays. You know, it's a Christmas type film. So, I give it eight and a half out of ten. I think uh, it really. Um, has a lot going for it it has a really a lot of really good things and stuff so but check out windshield awesome movie Hmm. nice all right uh continuing along here i have uh, a film that i have seen before but i never really liked it like i did this time watching it so this was uh, a rewatch is key and it is uh the dead zone 1983 david cronenberg I remember when I first watched this, I was like, oh, like, yeah, it was good. What's all the hype about that? I mean, like, of course it was a good movie, but I just didn't see it sort of for what it truly is. And it's actually really good. So let's get into this. Um, It basically follows a man who uh, is a teacher. He has a fiance, a very promising career, successful life, uh, played by Christopher Walken. And he ends up in a car accident where he becomes comatose. And if that's not bad enough, he's actually in a coma for five years, which is a huge chunk of life, right? And basically, uh-huh. when he awakens, everything has changed. His fiance has moved on. She remarried. His life is gone. His, everything is just, you know, it's five years later. People have moved on, not knowing if he'd ever get out of it. And that's not all, but he has, like, these sort of psychic, like, telekinetic type of powers now. Like, the psychoactive power where when he sort of um, touches people or creates physical contact with others, he sees sort of the future um, and sees sort of things about them. And basically, uh, he begins to help the police in, in uh, sort of um, murder investigations and he becomes sort of a hero to some but he's sort of a reluctant hero because he doesn't really want any of this he just wanted what he had um man dude like this movie like i was just so into it this time i don't know what the difference was between this time and the last time i watched it but uh i i guess i should say that i'm not a big fan of christopher walken i know that he's like really well respected and like people like love him and stuff but i just never really got into him like i did not like him i just wasn't super into him ever and for some reason it just clicked with me with this performance and i loved it like i could feel the like sorrow in you know the sadness and sort of almost like the like 
I guess I have to do this type thing in his voice. It just came through really well. And there's also this sort of um, dynamic where it plays off of like the idea of destiny, right? Like there's there's destiny, and it's interesting that you know the the story has to do with him seeing the future, and yet like he has this idea of destiny as well because it's like is it destiny or is it changeable? You know, like is the future changeable mm-hmm. type thing? Um, really cool dynamic there, and it, it kind of just ends in like a like satisfying way to me I don't know it's just it it felt right um it felt like that's the way it should end it felt like you know whatever the end is for this character it felt like that was appropriate um just a really good movie and this one came to me courtesy of actually via vision over in Australia uh, a blu-ray which has a fantastic transfer on it as well uh there is a lot of special features which I haven't dug into uh, I just was kind of putting this one off because I was like, ah, oh, fucking Dead Zone. I've seen it before, but I, I just was so into it this time. And, and the Dead Zone is is a great movie. It's it's kind of a weird that Cronenberg did this one too because he's so uh, body horror and like and like he's not really like he's not religious or uh, like he. I think I've even heard quotes where he said like you know like that's fantasy and like silly stuff like you know like ghosts and shit. But this one is very like supernatural. So it's kind of interesting that, that he did this film. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of stands out out of some of the films that he's done in, in a way. It, it well, yeah, I mean, it's an adaptation, right? So It, it is an adaptation of, of course, Stephen King film, or yeah. Stephen King book. Um, not sure the differences on the, the story versus the, the movie. Oh, but, man, it's been so long since I've read the book, I couldn't even tell you the differences. I thoroughly enjoyed and and it's short too it's only like an hour and 20 minutes or something you know what i mean um it's just it's you just care at the end of the day you just care what's happening to christopher walken's character Mm -hmm, a mm -hmm. lot Uh, Mm -hmm. i'm gonna go ahead and give this film a nine out of ten very stuff. i love i love the the dead zone this watch for sure what do you like you guys like the dead zone too what was your what was your previous rating on that film i think an eight oh yeah so up a full point yeah, I love the Dead Zone. I haven't seen it in years. Um, Dead Zone is actually one of my favorite like Stephen King like adaptations like to film. Yeah, it is one of mine too now. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Love that film. Very cast in that one too. Now, okay, since uh, Moods actually did a Christmas related film, <laughs> this is actually kind of funny because this film has been brought up a lot uh, recently. On the show, I decided to watch Jack Frost. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I got my Blu-ray in the mail as well. <laughs> since it's been, like, almost 20 years since i seen this film when it first came out. So I was very interested to see how it was, especially the way you guys talk about it and the interaction and just the jokes about it being 7 out of 10 or a 5 out of 10. So I decided to give my own just uh, of this film. Of course, we're introduced to our main thing that happens with this uh, convicted killer named Jack Frost. How convenient that the killer is named Jack Frost. Yeah. <laughs> is on his way to de- on death row, and uh, what ends up happening is he ends up escaping. But unbeknownst, he actually, the death row van actually crashes into like this cryogenical like fluid that explodes, and it ends up exploding on him. And it ends up mutating him into a fucking killer snowman. 
fucking hilarious. And unbeknownst and how convenient writing this is, it ends up happening right near the town where the sheriff that actually captured him all those years ago actually works and is the sheriff of this town known as Snowmanton. Really funny title for that town, too. Yeah, convenient title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and fucking ends up going on a revenge spree where he actually ends up taking out like the townspeople on the way, but his main goal is to try to get revenge on this sheriff for what he did to him. Uh, first up, for a film like this about a killer mutant snowman, you know what you gotta get yourself into. It's gonna be cheesy, gonna have a lot of cheese factor in it with uh, the kills and the way the killer is. And another thing is, I noticed on like this Blu-ray, I know you guys mentioned this in the show before, uh, about the snow, and it's actually like cotton and <laughs> cotton swabs and stuff, and it, you kind of notice it a little bit and stuff in like this... Uh, Edition. Uh, the snowman effects, though, I did like some of them. The snowman suit, on the other hand, is kind of cheesy when it's up close and personal. $100,000 that cost. <laughs> yeah, he took the money and ran, man. <laughs> so fucking, but it's still fun, and I do enjoy like how fun this film is. It has a lot of fun, like quirky characters in it, and a lot of quirky situations, including the young Shannon Elizabeth, who's fucking hot in this film. Really love the scene that scene again. It's been like twenty years, and it really brings memories like that scene in the tub, of course, with like the fucking snowman and fucking dying laughing again. But yeah, when I was watching this release, I did watch this a few times. I did watch it with the commentary with the director Michael Cuny. Did, did he comment on that suit? Because I, I wanted, I mainly wanted that release for the special features. Uh. I'm trying to remember. I might have to watch it again, but he might have. Don't hold me to that. But uh, there's also a cool like uh, interview with actually the guy who plays Jack Frost and Scott McDonald, where it's actually funny. Like uh, he tells a story where he actually was getting fitted to for molds for like an episode of the X Files he's working on, <laughs> and he actually goes to the same company that made the suit. <laughs> so later on, he like looking at like all the things that these people have made. Like he saw like some of the figures from like Star Wars and certain other things, like creatures from movies and stuff. And in the corner of the eye, he sees the Jack Frost head, and he points up and saying, "That was me." And all the like special effects guys and geeks were like hovering over and asking questions about, "You were Jack Frost? How was that like?" And stuff, and like <laughs> asking the question. It was actually a very cool interview, and I actually liked how he dwelled into, like, the situations with, like, the character and how he got, like, the one-liners. They actually talks about how many takes they did with, like, the quotes and stuff and what he's excited which ones they were going to use on the screen. Yeah, so Jack Frost fight to rate it. Hold it's up. Not like... Before you rate it, think very carefully about how this could come back to haunt you. No, nah, just do it. Just do it. <laughs> I gotta say it's a it's a very averagely made film it has a lot of like low budget constraints to it but it's super fun and it's the one that you could rewatch from time to time so if I had to rate it I'm giving it a solid 6 out of 10 6 out of 10 fuck the rewatchability and the fun factor it's a solid 7 
Listen, I, mean, I, I, I like it's Jack for Frost. low budget shit. It is. It's it's actually pretty poorly made to be honest, but uh, it's so much fun, man. I, there's something. There's that movie has so much charm, unlike its sequel. You it, know, do, sequel it does have is, a lot of charm. It has I, it has a Jack lot of heart in it. So fun. Like I, I like Jack Frost. I want to do a commentary on it, honestly. That's oh, they should. That's what I want to do. Um, yeah, we should. We should. Listen, I'm. I want to start doing commentaries. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, I, I honestly, wanna... I mean, I've done my own. You know, watching movies and just making snide remarks, <laughs> watching yeah. movies and shit, man. But like, a full commentary would be fun, especially with a film like that, because you know, commentaries having fun watching a fun film. Shit, count me yeah. in. Yeah, and now that so. I've actually done a commentary, like, I don't feel like it would be too hard to actually do like you know before i used to think like oh, i don't know it, would be, it might be hard but yeah jack frost would be definitely one that i would like to do i actually had one planned to do with who was i doing jack frost with jeremy i think i was doing jack frost with jeremy last year we never got around to doing it so um yeah, yeah. q q q the all right always goes back to haunt us so. now this one i actually had in my cart for so long. I, w- I wanted to pick this movie up for the 2002 show. Uh, so, yeah, this movie's from 2002, and it's called Wishcraft. Now, I never got a chance to watch this when we did the 2002 show, because I just kind of forgot about it. And I ordered this thing, like, a couple months ago, and it finally showed up. Like, just randomly went. I thought it was lost in the mail, and it just randomly showed up. I'm like, gnarly. It didn't get lost. <laughs> so, um, yeah, have you guys ever heard of this one? It's called Wishcraft? Wish, like W-I-S-H? Yeah, Wish Craft. No. I heard of it when I was researching 2002, but that's about it. But, but you never did watch it for the for nope. the, the show? No? Okay. Nope. I, I don't think anyone actually did, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, it was one that was super cheap. It was only a penny on Amazon. So it was when it got when it got lost, which I thought it got lost in the mail. I was like, ah, whatever. It's just fucking three fifty, right? So, but it showed up, man. So uh, this one right here is actually starring... Um, Alexander Holden. I, I like this chick, man. She was in uh, Dead End. She was also in Dead End, which is another kind of Christmas-themed horror film. I'm sure you guys uh-huh. and love that movie, by the way. Um, but there's something about Alexander Holden, man. She's just... She's got this, like... She's fucking beautiful, but she's a good actress, too. I don't know. There's something about her. She's kind of like this good package deal with her, but... Anyways, the storyline in this movie, we follow our main character, Brett Bumpers, I think is what his name is. And he's kind of like he's kind of like a dorky high school kid and, and things like that. You know, um, he's not like down on his luck and things like that, but you know, things just don't really seem to go his way completely and stuff. Anyways, one day, uh, well, actually basically he, he, he's tutoring, uh, Alexander Holder, Holden's characters. Her name's Samantha in the film. He's tutoring her and he's kind of like liking her and stuff, but you know, she's the most popular, beautiful girl in school and she's dating like the high school, uh, you know, the football player and stuff like that, you know, that very typical type slasher type shit. And, uh, you know, he basically has no chance of ever getting into her pants and things like that, which he wants to. So this one particular day, he checks his mail and he, he gets this package in the mail and it's like this weird, like uh, totem thing. And it, it basically what it is, is uh, I think it's like a bull penis or some shit like that. It, yeah, he gets this package and he just kind of freaks out and throws it in the garbage. He's like, oh, that's fucking disgusting. Like, what the hell? Who the hell would send me that thing? But he reads a letter and it says, now, this thing was picked up in blah, blah, blah country and it will grant you three wishes. And he's like, oh, fuck, whatever. Just kind of writes it off. So he starts, he keeps tutoring Samantha and stuff. And then he kind of starts thinking about it. He's like, man, he's like, I really want to go to the dance with her. 
so he just wishes for it and uh, it happens she comes up to him and she's like oh yeah you know um, I, I was kind of thinking about it and I want to go to the dance studio and he's like holy shit this thing actually fucking works so then he uses his second wish and he wishes that he she becomes his girlfriend so she becomes his girlfriend and stuff and when this happens now the body count starts to mount people start getting killed off in the school and uh he kind of is like what the fuck is going on like is this related to this and stuff so he doesn't really use his third wish and uh then the film kind of goes from there and stuff <laughs> um so yeah and then the body start mounting up um, so number five in your top 10 of 2002 right <laughs> no, no. Um, you know this movie actually is—it's pretty enjoyable to watch. It's—it's it's got a lot of the, uh, you know, the very very typical slasher elements and things like that. Uh, but what actually separates this one is the characters are actually very very likable in this film. The acting yeah, the actually penis. is <laughs> donkey penis. Yeah, of course. Um, but I, you really like your main leads. Like she's, you know, she's that popular girl, but she's likable in so many ways. And actually, so is Brett. You know, he's not like this annoying down on the luck type character and stuff. He's actually quite he's a very kind of strong person and stuff. So it's it's very nice and refreshing to see your main characters actually be very likable in this film and stuff. But uh I gotta say, man, the way the whole storyline, how everything kind of comes full circle in this one and the reveal of the killer and stuff, it was a little bit predictable. I kind of picked it out who was doing the killing probably about halfway through the film I kind of thought about it and I was like but I, I couldn't figure out why and then they, of course it does explain in the end why exactly he's doing this shit kind of cool it's kind of cool they you know this is a different type of slasher film they're using like a little bit of you know quote unquote supernatural elements to it and things like that and uh, you know I give them props for trying something like this you know it's different you know especially in a time 2002 we talked about it many many times you know horror in certain elements you know in slashes and stuff was was kind of stale you know it was researched by by uh you know of course scream but all these clones all these things that came after i know what you did last summer you know shit like that um but this one it was just kind of refreshing they tried something different and you know it, it worked for the most part it was still you know very form formatic and shit like that but uh you know it has its moments the kills yeah, I mean, that's something that probably could have been worked on a little bit. There's a little bit of gore in this, and a couple scenes I thought were pretty damn cool, but I really thought that they could have done a lot more with the kills. There's probably budget constraints and things like that. That's usually what happens in these slasher films. The, the, at least the effects were all practical, which is good. Um, but that I just, era of slasher films was not very gory, honestly. No, I know, it's kind of weird, right? But there was so much potential in this one to have like some really, really good kills. There was a couple decent ones. Uh it's kind of funny the way that this film's edited together, though. Like, you get introduced. It's one of those type of films where a lot of the people that are getting picked off in this film are introduced at that moment they're dying. You know, it's one of those type of films. It's like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, why is Charlie... Who the fuck is Charlie? Why is he dying? Why is he getting his head cut off and shit? You're like, what the hell? But, you know, it tries to explain it in the end and things like that. So, But, you know, all in all, it's not a bad watch. I do recommend this one. It's better than, you know a lot of the films that came out in that time period it's one i'd never hear anyone really talk about either um i think yeah I, I i've know, never heard anybody talk about it i know matt has this film and i know he's seen i can't, I can't remember his thoughts on this film but uh you know it's okay if i had to rate this one i'm going to give it about a six out of ten uh give it a shot man if you like those early 2000 slasher films maybe andy you might like this one andy actually probably won't because he seems to hate more slashers than he actually likes right <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know i give him props i give him props thank god the acting was good or else this movie probably would have been a total total bust but wishcraft it's okay 
Check it I'm, out for I'm kind of a sucker for that era of, of like, teen horror film. Like, I, I really like those era. Like, even, like, sort of the one... Like, what did I watch from 2002? Spliced or the the Ripper or whatever it was called? Yeah, yeah. Like, I like those, so... Yeah. I'll, I'll I am too, man. Like, sounds any, fun. anytime I come across these type of slashers, man, honestly, it's not a bad film. It's it's pretty well made. It's shot pretty well. It's acted pretty well and stuff. It's At least they tried something different. I, I you know... You gotta give him props for that, man. You know, kind of mixing with the supernatural and shit. It's it's kind of cool. Predictable. That's the only problem I have with these type of films. I, it's probably because you know we've watched like a million of these type of films, and it just seems like you can kind of predict these things. You know, it's like well, I'm pretty sure that's the killer. Yep, sure enough. Predict these things. All right. So moving on here, I have 1988's Slugs, courtesy of Arrow Video. Chuck another Arrow off the list. I probably watched this film about five times in the past month. I actually like, watched the Arrow Blu-ray screener too. <laughs> yeah, dude, I've been I've been popping this one in all the time, just having it on in the background. Whether I'm doing like, I've had it on during the podcast. When we did our live chat. We yeah, did our live chat. Our um, yeah, Slugs, uh, directed by J.P. Simon Simone, yep. who uh, is the director of Pieces and mm-hmm. Rift. Uh, so Slugs, it follows a what the hell is he? Some sort of uh, health inspector or something like that. I believe so. Yes. Uh, who gets called in uh, for different things, and basically, there's people dying in this town, and the audience knows what it is. It's these fucking mutant giant slugs, but the characters slowly find out that it's these giant mutant fucking slugs. And when they do, they're usually dead before they can tell anybody, except for this guy, this uh, this lead character here, who who begins to piece it together because he goes and uh, he takes one of these slugs to uh, a science guy. And I don't know about you guys, but I've always loved like you know Gremlins and stuff where where like somebody like knows something that the rest of the world doesn't, and they like take. Uh, something to like a science guy like a, some si- sort of scientist and then he's like this is very peculiar these giant slugs look mighty giant lately <laughs> you know what I mean like I don't know I just, I'm just a sucker <laughs> for those type of like scenes in movies where they're like studying the, the specimen in their lab and of course it gets out and kills a guinea pig it's like right out of Grem like gremlins and this do the same thing yeah. as, um, which gremlins well, maybe we'll talk about that soon Oh yeah. Uh, so, um, basically, man, the the it's fucking once again Jaws, but with slugs. <laughs> like it's yeah. it's the same plot as Chud, essentially, but it's slugs this time. And I mean, it's fucking like damn close in 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 story to to Chud and Jaws, <laughs> just you know different settings and stuff. Um, the cool thing about slugs, though, is just how awesome these slugs look. Like they look great there's like fantastic gore um this is like there's no way a film like this would happen nowadays like without the help of cgi like just no way they're taking yeah, yeah. To do this no. it looks annoying as shit to have to do all this there's one scene in particular that literally is like one of my favorite moments in horror and it's when a sl- it's like a close-up view of one of the slugs like chomping at somebody's finger <laughs> It's dude, so that's great. it's literally one of the funniest moments that. Oh, oh dude, the little, little that. Dracula, Count Chocula teeth. Yeah, dude. It's like, <laughs> it's like I love his reaction too. His reaction is yeah. so good. Yeah. It's like, oh. Yeah, I mean, 
it gets kind of nasty too because there's actually another they actually kind of develop a little bit more with like the, apparently there's these like worms that that attach the slug's oh, brain yeah the parasites and, yeah 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 which is you know common in the insect world um and you know they kind of utilize that pretty cool too but these slugs are growing giant um i almost wish there would have been like one mega like super slug that was like you know a giant slug yeah you know then they got had <laughs> then they got had slugs versus the nest yeah <laughs> yeah um but man like i don't know there's just something about slugs that i love like i remember the first time i seen this movie it grosses me out too you know there's a scene where these two are having sex and of course they fall off the bed and they're naked oh and yeah I know, slugs just, are all yeah. over them and they're bleeding that's a everywhere. vicious scene man yeah yeah it, 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 it think, looks great man i still think my favorite scene in this film though is the restaurant scene man that's that shit is oh, unreal yeah. it's up, unreal yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and you know it's like uh it's fucking like slugs in the nest would be like the greatest double feature ever um they're just very similar fun films and uh man i don't know dude slugs you want to trip shit. yeah i i i i will say that the transfer on slugs is great that it's it's uh better than the previous two arrows that i've talked about uh, what did you think on the moods oh the transfer on this one's amazing it's probably yeah, yeah. it's better than chud for sure yeah yeah um, so, uh, there's special features on it. I didn't get to any of the special features, guys, but I will say that the cover art on Slugs, that's some, uh, some top-notch Arrow cover art right there. Um, mm-hmm. I- I'm very critical of Arrow's cover art, and, uh, you know, Chud wasn't bad, but Slugs is, Slugs is where it's at. I give Slugs a solid 7 out of 10. Nice. Yep. Fun film. QQ. Okay, so the next film that I'm going to talk about, I'm going back to the 90s again with my next film, and I don't know if you guys heard of this film or seen it. It's kind of like in the disturbing cinema cir- secrets or circle of films. And I know uh, one of our uh, Facebook friends and listeners actually recommended this film to me. And this is a shout-out to Joanna, so I told her I was going to review this, so here it is. Yep, Singapore slang from 1990. Yes. This is a this is a Greek film directed by Nikos Nikolaidis. I believe that's how you fucking pronounce that last name. Some of the Greek directors and their crazy last names, like Makarakis <laughs> and Nikolaidis. But this is a very interesting film because it kind of sets up like with this noir setting where we fo- follow like this uh, detective who is injured when in the first scene of the film where we meet him and we find out that he's like kind of like lost his job and stuff like as the film progresses kind of like a mystery mystery going on but he ends up we find out that he's actually trying to find his long lost love whose name is Lara and his uh, detecting skills lead him to uh, this house which is run by this uh, mother and daughter duo who have like these weird like sexual fetishes and they end up since he's wounded end up capturing him and tying him down to a bed and they torture him pretty much to find out what he's doing because they were on he was on her their property and it ends up with their ways of torture are sexual and a very odd film I have to say like the ways of torture that this film progresses involving like sexual like perverted scenes that involve like shock treatment and bondage and 
one of the fucking weirdest like dinner scenes I have to say it has like this weird odd dinner scene where they're all just fucking stuffing their faces in front of them and throwing up and it's very odd <laughs> uh, you, you know what I'm talking yeah and it's fucking like, <laughs> finger in the food and eating uh, stuff and feeding it to him it's fucking gross uh, dude you're making me gag right now man it's disgusting <laughs> but, it, but it involves a lot of like weird like odd things that happen and I gotta say even though this film has a lot of disturbing and fucked up shit in it it's beautifully shot there's a very elegance with like it has like this like black and white it's all black and white and has like that noir look to it and even with the soundtrack it's very noirish and another weird thing that I had to say about the film, though, is the story is kind of odd because they have like a little thing that the mother and daughter do that involves role playing, where they actually play other characters that they talk about in the film, like, and they narrate it as the film progresses, the two mother and daughter team, and it's just very odd, and you can kind of might get a little confused if you're not used to like that type of like storytelling and filmmaking, but. Other than all, this film has a great, like, setting. I like the characters. It's kind of like a plain ways because it is only three characters that you follow for, like, this fucking fucked up shit that happens. So I had a blast with it. If I had to rate it, I'm giving it a solid 8.5 out of 10. If you're into disturbing cinema, this is def one that you have to check out. And it's a hard watch, but once you see it, you won't forget it. Signum Porcelain, 8.5 out of 10. Yeah, I've had that one on a list to get forever. I've never seen it. Oh, it's fucked, man. <laughs> yeah, it sounds disgusting. So maybe I'll just make a big pot of chili and eat it while I'm watching it. <laughs> <laughs> That's disgusting, man. I watched it twice too. <laughs> did um who put did Snaps? Yeah, yeah Snaps put that out, right? Yeah, okay. That's right. That's trash was great. Yeah, I mean, Snaps always does really good work, so... Um, yeah, so for my next one here... Actually, this one's kind of a Christmas-themed film also. <laughs> Didn't really nice. mean to do that, but... But, uh, yeah, that's kind of strange. Um, this one right here is actually the third part in... I, I don't know if this trilogy has a name or anything, but uh, the other two film, Well, here, I'll just tell you this one. 1972, uh, Whoever Slew Auntie Rue. Yeah, so... This oh, one right that's here. the third part in something? Yeah, so this is the follow-up to what, or, um, yeah, whatever happened to Aunt Alice and what's the matter with Helen. So, huh. oh, really? ha- whatever happened to Aunt the Alice. the middle of a trilogy, apparently. I know, <laughs> I know. It, you know, I've always known about whatever happened to Aunt Alice, but the DVD's been out of print for fucking ever. I've never been able to get my hands on it. I didn't know that the, that was actually, like, the first part in, like, this trilogy or whatever. Um... I don't think they're connected at all. I think they're just connected by Shelley Winters being a lead, I guess. Oh. Uh, so, so yeah. So, of course, this one's starring Shelley Winters. And it is set in 1920, in like the 1920s in England. And basically what the story is here, um, Shelley Winters plays a, uh, she's like a rich American woman living in England. And every Christmas, she basically holds a party for uh, this orphanage. Um, she invites a whole pile of the kids from this orphanage to her house where she, you know, they all stay the night and they, she gives, buys them all presents and, uh, 
you know, they play games, they sing and dance and just do a whole pile of stuff that we don't do nowadays because in the 1920s they didn't have, like, cable and shit like that, right? So they had other ways to keep themselves occupied. But uh, so anyways – they wasn't you know, podcasting? <laughs> no, no. But basically the story is with uh, Shelley Winters. She um, – or Auntie Rue or whatever. She – on the outside she appears to be, like, this normal, awesome, wealthy woman, just, you know, very – She's very uh, nice to everybody and things like that, but she actually has a kind of a dark past. What has happened to her is her daughter was uh, tragically had an accident and died and stuff like that. And uh, she um, she actually kept the remains of her daughter and she keeps them like in this coffin upstairs and stuff. And as she, you do. Yeah, as you do. So she's kind of got this whole fucked up kind of dark secret going on and stuff. And what she does at nighttime, like every once in a while, she kind of does these seances and she with these other people and stuff and just to talk to her daughter and because she's been obsessed with her daughter and uh, so she kind of gets this idea where you know since uh, you know since she's holding these parties for all these orphanage kids and stuff in reality she's actually looking for a little girl to replace her daughter so essentially that's what she wants to do and um, and essentially does kind of do it she ends up abducting this little girl and unfortunately her brother um, the the little girl has a brother too and so he kind of becomes a problem and stuff like that but so she ends up abducting this daughter to replace her daughter and things like that and you know it's kind of your story right there um now what this movie actually is is basically just a telling of hansel and gretel it's exactly the hansel and gretel story so if you guys are familiar with hansel, hansel and just gretel less german <laughs> just a lot less German, but this one even has like the, the the little brother or the little boy in this film. He kind of almost narrates the film a little bit at times, and he's even kind of telling the Hansel and Gretel story over as you're watching the film and stuff like that. It's it's a really well made film. I love these period pieces, man. I, I think that you know even though this one was made in 1972, so it, it kind of has a 70s feel to it, but uh, it has it has this perfect 1920 look, man. Like the the costumes and everything used in this film, very very well done acting top-notch everyone in this film is so good Shelley Winters is such an amazing actress man everything I've ever seen her in she pulls off man she's so likable and at the same time she always plays like these really kind of dark you know unlikable characters and stuff but she just pulls it off so well oh just fantastic fantastic stuff man everything about this movie was great man really good stuff um I gotta say man like the, the cover art on this it, it totally makes it look like a slasher film Have you guys seen the cover art for Kim yeah the Blu-ray? teddy bear yeah, with the it's about slasher and teddy bears. That's what it looks like. It kind of makes it look like a slut. But I mean, the teddy bear actually is a part of the film and stuff like that too. So, um, but uh, no, I, I really like this man. I like how they turned you know this telling of Hansel and Gretel. It's it's very much to the you know to the point of the story, you know, and stuff. And uh, I really like the third act in this film too because how they kind of twist things up and. You know, like, is she actually going to be doing this to these kids or is she not going to do or is the kid just like totally putting it in his sister's head that, you know, she was actually going to try and eat these kids and stuff like that. I think the whole third act in this film was actually really, really well done. I love the way this thing ends and stuff, but I highly recommend this man. Awesome, awesome film all around. It's got a great kind of Christmas overtones to it and stuff. And uh, it's just it's just a brilliant film. I'm going to give this one a solid nine out of ten. Check it out. Whoever slew Auntie Rue awesome film surprised that one didn't make our Christmas poll <laughs> yeah I honestly no. didn't even know it was a Christmas movie so maybe, yeah. Yeah. maybe next year <laughs> yeah there's always next well, it's year. funny because every time I've even you know kind of googled uh, you know Christmas related horror films and stuff this it one never pops comes up, up. 
It's because I think, like, it's funny, too, because the whole premise of the film is her taking in these orphanage kids for Christmas and giving them presents and, you know, and stuff like that. And it, <laughs> it's kind of strange, though, that it's not mentioned at all. So, but interesting. Yeah, good stuff. All right. So, moving on here, uh, I'm staying right in the 80s. Um, this is going to be a shorter review because we've actually recently reviewed this film as a featured review this year. And it is Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Uh, this film follows, uh, you know, Henry Lee Lucas. It's, it's based on the serial killer Henry Lee Lucas and his roommate Otis Driftwood uh, as they go randomly murdering people on a killing spree. Uh, we've done an entire featured review episode, do you know, Moose? Episode 83. <laughs> uh, episode 83 we did Henry and Henry II. Um, I watched this one again. I watched it twice. I watched it once uh, regular, and then I watched it with the commentary. And I got to say, man, like, this is one of those movies that, again, I liked it more on the rewatch. Not a, a ton more, but I definitely seemed to uh, enjoy it more. I kind of got into the psyche of the characters a little bit more, even though we talked a lot about that, about how well done the performance of, you know, the serial killer by... Uh, Michael Rooker was and just how well directed and just, just this voyeuristic look at the film and I stand by all that stuff we said in the review um, but the commentary actually opened my eyes to a little bit more things like um, Moods I remember me and you said in the review like how much we liked the opening of the film like right away I, I believe something I said was right away in the opening I knew I was instantly going to like this film because of how like artsy and awesome it was Yeah. Uh, cool thing I found out in the commentary uh, commentary by of course uh, the director John McNaughton who is for some reason he's one of those masters of horror that we were like why is this guy a master of horror he only did Henry um, <laughs> Yeah. but uh, he um, he mentions that they were trying to figure out how to open the film how do we open this film how do we open this film what the hell like what, how do we do it and then they were looking through a lot of um, true crime books and a lot of books on Henry Lee Lucas and a lot of um, sort of uh, photos and crime scene photos. And they came across this um, picture of a girl that he had apparently killed. And it was a girl laying in the weeds naked completely. And the picture was like kind of, you know, facing towards her. She's almost in like a fetal sort of position. Um, and. Mm -hmm. It, it was labeled Orange Socks Girl because they didn't know her name. They never found out her name. It just Orange Socks Girl. And um, he was like, that's it. That's our opening. And that is the opening that you see. It's Orange Socks Girl laying in the weeds. Um, and I just think that that is just brutal. And it's, you know, just it, that's why that, like, worked perfect for the opening. And there's tons of cool stuff in, in the commentary about like their thought process behind the film. They even talk about if they were to do a sequel, what it actually would have been. Cause they did talk about doing a sequel. Um, and the idea for the sequel would be to follow Henry after he gets arrested and stuff. Oh yeah. And, um, because he became a fucking celebrity. Essentially he became, he was like the first like larger than life. Like I'm getting famous off of this serial killer shit. Um, the, you know, first person to ever do that. He was, 
Um, you know, because one, he kept saying that he killed more people than he actually did. And like the police were just trying to like solve murders. So they're like, all right, you, you killed this one in Phoenix. He's like, Oh yeah, I think I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. And they like go to Phoenix and they fought, they, they, they take him there and they give him cigarettes. So he'll talk and they give him food and they put TVs in his cell. And he was living the good life in prison where much more people actually cared about him than they ever did when he was like just walking the streets. Um, very, very interesting concept that they could have done with a, a yeah, with the Henry yeah. too. Um, and they talk a lot about that in the commentary. There's also um, a great little feature on there called In the, the Defense of Henry and Appreciation, uh, which is um, a sort of uh, a defense of the film because this film was very controversial when it came out. It was very, it was very um, I believe it was even rated X at one time. Because it, yeah, it's it, this Blu-ray is not rated. It, the film was rated X when it came out because yeah. um, just the the violence and, and people were pissed and and you know people that were in you know in the film or like audition was like no no I, I can't do this it's just too graphic and stuff like that. Has Joe Bob Briggs up on there breaking it down talking about Henry? A uh, bunch of people, bunch of people are talking about Henry in these special features. This uh, of course is coming to us from Dark Sky Films, 30th anniversary Henry portrait of a serial killer. Tra- transfer is outstanding um i think it's took from a 4k transfer i believe um yeah 4k scan uh obviously we reviewed henry already my rating did go up from an 8 though to an 8.5 so i'm getting close to the moods he had it at a 9 um fantastic release like if, if you because i just had the dvd um this is a great release if you if you want to upgrade like i can't recommend upgrading if it's not like a film you absolutely love but it's a great movie it really is it's a staple of 1986 mm-hmm. in yeah. the 80s in general um so i'm sure we'll be talking about henry again on the show sometime in the future being 1986 and all um but yeah nice sweet sweet sweet, sweet. it's good to hear that transfer's good though it's oh yeah, it's really good. Like it, it's a great, it's a great release. It really is. Like maybe the cover art, maybe the cover art could have been different. How's, but, how's um, the reversible? It actually has a reversible cover. Yeah, I was going to say there's like reversible. Kind of, yeah, yeah, it, it looks good as well. It's a little too cartoony for my liking. I don't really like the cartoony stuff, but it, I mean, it's dark. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the film I watched next is one I've been hearing a lot of like interesting. Mostly positive things about, and this film, of course, is The Good Neighbor. Ooh, I wanted, this is on my list of films I need to see before the end of the year. Yeah, I won't give a lot away about it, but I'll explain certain yeah, things. be very light on this one. I don't want you to influence me. Alright. <laughs> so, we're introduced to our main two characters, who are named Evan and Sean, and they're doing, like, this school project where... They are a psychoangelo. Psycho. Fuck, I can't say the word right. <laughs> psychoanalyst? Yeah, psychoanalyst uh, about, like, uh, scaring people. So... Analyssa. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you're saying Anna, Lissa, uh, Alyssa, like two girls. <laughs> yeah, so. Right, continue, continue. Uh, so they end up doing the school project where they decide to set up a fake, like, haunted house. And the person that they decide to do this to is actually Ethan's across-the-street neighbor, whose name is Harold Graney, who's played by Academy Award nominee and awesome actor James Caan, who, uh, when you first meet him, he's kind of like a very quiet, lonely man, and and then the stuff started happening, they actually set up, like, equipment, 
and fake uh, scares tactics throughout his house and cameras and stuff while he's not in the house so they can see his every move and they start doing like their little fake like haunted house experiment and videotaping him and then once they do they start to learn a few more things about him and they get this kind of like suspicion that he might be on to them and they might find out that they might be fucking with the wrong person that is all I'm going to give away about this film because this film has a lot of like spoiler heavy stuff that goes with it now the film itself is more of a thriller it's more of a thrill type scenario where we try to figure out this mystery that's going on throughout it and there's a lot of things that overwhelm with its characters there's a little few slow parts of this film with like character development with uh, certain aspects of uh, Sean and Evan's relationships between themselves and I gotta say the best part about this film is James Caan's performance uh, the mystery with his character and when we finally find out what his character is all about and the actions that his character does it really aspects with the whole rest of the story and his directions and it dwells into the ending of the film which I did like the ending of this film it was one that I kind of saw coming because of certain scenes that happened in the middle of the film which I don't want to really spoil for those who haven't seen it. Like an overabundance of foreshadowing? Exactly. That's a, a lot of foreshadowing what's going to actually happen in the film. But I did enjoy it. It's actually a very decent watch film, and I do kind of recommend it if you're a fan of like thrillers and just James Conn in general. It's a very interesting film. So I'm going to give it like a solid 7 out of 10. Oh, okay. A little, little lower than I was hearing but um maybe i'll lower that one to the bottom of the stack i'm looking for top tenners here really you were hearing higher on that one huh Uh, yeah i was hearing that it was top 10 material what crazy yeah well i mean you're getting all your advice from what uh exploding heads guys well no i i don't i mean they had that on the list of films i should maybe check out but i've seen it on actual top i've been doing a lot of research in in actual top 10 lists now because it's getting to that time so yeah i mean i i've definitely seen it pop up here and there there's lists are starting to filter out a little bit you know they're starting to come out but not not too too many so far yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I've been. I don't know. I've been kind of avoiding them. I'm, I mean, I'm obviously a little bit curious to see what people have on there and stuff. But I, well, I just I, the way I do it is like it's crunch time. I only have well for us, like I only have a month left. Most shows only <laughs> have you know 15 days or so left. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, what are the most talked about movies? Because I need to see those. Yeah, I hear that. Q Q. All right, here. Uh, next up is a film from the year 2000, and it is called The Doorway. Um, this one right here has got Roy Schneider's actually in this film, <laughs> believe it or not. Really? What happened to Roy Schneider? Why is he doing films like this? It's crazy talk. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, you know it's a really low budget type film. Um, basically, what the premise is is uh, these four college students are looking for a place to live. Uh, they come across this very, very rundown type deal. Um, the landlord says, you know, you guys can have this place for really cheap if you kind of fix it up and stuff. And, of course, they accept it because they, they're broke themselves. So they uh, they move into this place, fix it up, start living there. But what they don't know is that this place was actually built on 
like a gateway to hell and uh and it's haunted by one of the previous owners who uh previously there was a house built on this thing too and it burned to the ground and stuff uh this previous owner used to hold like these crazy like you know like a hundred years prior these crazy orgies and like uh she used to like summon up demons and have sex with demons and shit so um but now she's haunting this place and uh yeah and that's the storyline film right there so my thoughts on this one wow man this one right here has like so many fucking cliched moments in it. it it's just like it's like they just took all those major cliches from all these type of films just kind of put them into this film and it's just oh it's so bad this movie is so bad it, it's just awful man right from the acting like the acting all around is just atrocious everyone in this film just sucks man all underacting or overacting and shit like that it's just it's just like the interactions between people is so funny because the acting is so bad at times you're just like why would you react like that you know it's just oh my god but then you know the whole storyline's ridiculous with this fucking this kind of like this witch type character that was summoning up demons and having sex with them and she was killed and she's haunting this place and stuff but she's like this really aggressive demon ghost thing that's like trying to have sex with these guys and stuff like with these humans and, uh, and she's like haunting this place it's it's just out of control ridiculous the effects are really really cheesy in it too um super low budget you can tell this film was done for like probably fifty thousand dollars or some crazy thing um but in step roy schneider he basically played well i mean once the characters figure out like that this place is actually legitimately haunted. They go to seek out someone that can you're do something. Saying fucking Rob Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So once Roy they, Schneider. Yeah. Roy Schneider. And so, so when they legitimately find out, they come to the conclusion this place is like actually haunted because, of course, you know, in the film they're all denying the fact this place like can't be haunted. Blah blah blah. It's all that cliched moments and shit like that too. So they find. Uh, Roy Schneider's character, who is like, a, he's kind of like a demon slayer. He wrote a book on paranormal activities and things like that and stuff. So they go and seek him out, and he comes to the house to like shun the demons out and stuff. And then all this crazy shit happens. It's like really, really bad. Like even Roy Schneider is actually pretty bad in the film himself too. You can tell like he was just every time he delivered a line. Every time he delivered a line, he was like. Well, just remember, you're getting a paycheck out of this. <laughs> so it's kind of like one of those kind of like total throwaway performances and stuff. Oh my god! Like everything's bad. Even the music in this film is bad. Like even the music sucks. The score is terrible. It's very kind of generic. It's almost like it was taken from the vaults of like the studio or something like that. It was just really bad and stuff. But oh god, man, just not a lot. Oh, it's so. It, it was fucking so bad. I was laughing, man. Even the wife was downstairs watching. She's like, she's like, this movie sucks. <laughs> I know. You do this. It's terrible. I'm like, why, why do I torture myself with these movies? It's fucking brutal. But, uh, yeah, and then, you know, the third act in this film is just beyond ridiculous what happens and stuff. Actually, there's one really funny moment with Roy Schneider's character, <laughs> like, what happens to him and stuff. I thought it was actually kind of funny. But, uh, all in all, just a total disaster right from the start to the end. I just, it, it was good for a laugh, but, I mean, holy dude. Like, this is the type of shit that I watch. I torture myself. I really do. I'm going to give this one a three and a half out of ten. It's pure shit. Not check out this one. It's fucking garbage, man. Potential hell. Um, I'm, I'm only going to give it a three and a half because there was a couple funny moments, unintentionally funny moments. I actually laughed out loud at. Um, but my god, those effects! Ugh, so piss poor, piss poor. <laughs> All right. Um, moving along here, staying in the '80s again. <laughs> I, mean, I was I was just on an '80s a thon, dude. 
Uh, I have the Blob 1988. Uh, this is the Blob remake, of course. Um, I was watching this in, in, you know, this one I got on Blu-ray, actually, from Umbrella Entertainment out of Australia. So, um, if you're a fan of the Blob, right, if you're a fan of the Blob and, and you don't want to, you know, buy it from those we don't speak of, then this is, this is the key right here, right? I mean, Umbrella, uh, it says Region B, but I assure you it is Region Free. So, um... If you're interested in picking up the blob, grab it from them. But uh, it's 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 a great movie. It follows a tiny California town uh, that has a couple high school students. One played by Kevin Dillon, one played by Shawnee Smith from Saw fame, uh, named Brian and Meg. And basically, they are you know kind of just doing teenager things, asking girls out, going on dates, you know, driving around, and and basically this goddamn meteor comes out of the sky and there's this like old like homeless like hermit looking dude who's who's chilling there and and he decides to fuck with it and this fucking gooey blob shit gets all over his hand they take him to the hospital uh pretty much eats his body like like an acid sort of thing and, and grows bigger and then just starts terrorizing the town we follow different characters who are getting uh eaten up by by the blob as it gets bigger and threatens the entire town meanwhile you have the kids who are kind of like you know they're the ones who know what's going on compared to the adults uh throw in some crazy military style uh things going on there and uh you have the blob uh, i was i was telling moods when i was watching this i was like man i think i like the original blob as much as this one and he was like huh <laughs> but it's true man like i like both of them a lot like both of them are, are great i like the original for you know, at the time, it, it was very original and just, like, interesting. And, and I don't know, I kind of like the almost, like, after-school special of the original, like, where it's, like, these, like, like the bullies and, like, the good kids, and they all work together to save the town at the end, you know? I don't know, I just like that. Um, this one, though, man, the effects are just fucking brilliant, and it looks great on Blu-ray, and it doesn't even hurt the effects, which I, I don't... Like, I look at them, and I'm like, how the fuck do they do that? Like, I, it's like a goddamn magic trick. Like, I honestly don't know. Like, you know, you watch a movie, and you see, like, Jason get smacked in the head with his machete, and his head slides on. It's like, oh, I don't know how they do that. It's a fucking fake head. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? But, like, the blob, it's like, how the hell did they make that guy go through the fucking sink? It looks real. <laughs> you know awesome. Um, and like the blob is so big, like even when it's like huge, like and it, and it it moves like fluid, like how it would look if if like something with this mass like slid down something. It's it's odd, man. It's it, it it's really cool. Um, the only like minor complaint I have with the the blob remake is I feel like the military is super fucking cheesy on this watch. Like the the costumes that they're in with the like breathing things and the scientists like it, it just looks like almost like a parody of like what the military looked like in like 80s movies or something you know what mm -hmm. i mean like it's a, it's a little cheesy um and honestly like i don't care about that stuff either like the, I, I just feel like it's a little bit of a detour that i, I don't care for I, I do like that it's a little different than what it was in the original so like it i guess like if you're gonna remake it maybe add a new spin on it so there's that, but at the end of the day, it's a special effects film, and and it's awesome. And I like Shawnee Smith and uh, what's his name, Dylan. Kevin Dylan. Kevin Dylan. 
I, I like both of them as well. Um, the blob is the blob is good. Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten, really? Wow. What would you give it? I'd probably give it a nine. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's, I mean honestly the extra point is strictly for Kevin Dillon's plumage there man. I mean I remember his, when his mullet is just beautiful. It's so I remember, beautiful. I remember way <laughs> on an early episode like I was like what the fuck is it a bird with a crystal plumage anyway and like I didn't know what plumage man you like yeah, I, you might have even referenced like Kevin, you know Kevin Dillon blah blah like his plumage. You know? that's, that's, a, that's what Moose was thinking like the first time he ever saw the bird with the Christmas star Kevin Dillon. <laughs> yeah, <was> shit. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the next film I got is actually a very interesting film, and of course it's released by Intervision. Who, if you know Intervision, is a sub label of uh, Severin and when they first started out they started out like with shot on video type films like with the Burning Moon and Sledgehammer then they started to release some other type of films like the Badger Game and documentaries and the Bruno Matai films and this release right here was kind of like they're back going back to their that sub-label's roots with shot on video and this one of course is called Phobe the Xenophobic Experiments from 1995. Have any of you guys ever heard of this? Yeah, it's like no. a Canadian classic, man. Oh. So when <laughs> I was... It actually doesn't really give you a synopsis on the back. It gave you like a little cool facts about the film. This film was directed by Erica Benedictly, I believe that's how you pronounce her last name. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, this film was... like She was like part of like this cable... TV program, and she made this film on the side with like friends and family, and the film was only made for two hundred and fifty dollars Canadian. When I was like doing like the subdivision, what that would be like today, it's like one hundred eighty nine dollars US. Uh, so I'm like, oh, cool, and very low budget filmmaking, and this actually aired on like Canadian cable TV, I believe. The no, like the whole story, but uh. What this one is pretty much, it's more like the sci-fi, like, slash action thriller type deal. We're introduced to, like, these intergalactic uh, soldiers, and the main one that we're introduced to is Sergeant Dapp, whose main goal is to hunt these creatures known as phobes. Well, a phobe ends up escaping the lab and the generals that he works with, and he gets put on the case to go try to find this phobe, and it leads him to the planet Earth. And what we know about these foes is they're, like, created by the government to be, like, super soldiers and that they were made to produce asexually so they actually could reproduce by themselves. Then we meet our Earthling character, who's Jennifer, who's, like, this young girl in high school. And on the way home, she finds, like, this weird-looking rock, which she ends up picking up. Then what ends up happening is she becomes target of this phobe. And when we find out that rock that she picked up was the phobe's egg, and it has a scent on it, and trying to get the egg back. So Sergeant Jap ends up going after her, too, and they end up meeting and trying to survive and trying to figure out how to stop this phobe from taking them out and destroy the egg in the process. That is pretty much pretty much most of the plot of the film without going way too into the ending. Now... This is a low-budget shot-on-video type film with 
a lot of like low budget effects. Of course, it was only made for two hundred and fifty dollars, but a lot of the effects actually look kind of cool for like it wasn't what I was expecting. Like with like a budget of that, they actually had some cool like effects. Like they have like a scene with lightsabers and shit, and the lightsaber effects actually look good. And a lot of like pyrotechnics were like you could tell like some of the scenes it's like a Roman candle on the side, like instead of like an actual like rocket, but it looks kind of cool and it works for the effects and you know like that shitty like sci-fi channel fire but I'm going to hold that accountable because it is a low budget it's an extremely low budget film but no that's one... not even low budget that's a no budget film yeah no budget do it yourself filmmaking and, but I can see like it, like this type of film and it looks really cool like with the aspect of like it being shot on video too and I had fun with it I won't lie it's a very fun and uh, blast in film with like the effects and the cheesiness of Sergeant Dap with his mullet and his like weird like uh, he has like these weird like filmy like sunglass type things and we find out later why he wears sunglasses throughout the whole movie it has to do with like the earth's atmosphere that makes his eyes glow and it has like a cool like eye glowing effect that happens later in the film now the phobe itself uh, the way I would describe his look is he's kind of like a mixture of like a roided out version of the Prowler with like a when you actually see his face he kind of looks like like a, a mold that they use on the Planet of the Apes films like the old ones <laughs> but you don't really get to see his face throughout it because he's wearing like a riot gear like helmet for most of the film till the very end it's a very cheesy and low budget film but it has a lot of heart in it, I have to say, with, like, the filmmakers. You could tell that they had fun making it, and they wanted to make a movie to the best of their abilities and with the budget that they had. And it shows, and it's a hell of a lot of fun. I actually had a lot of fun watching this one, so I'm going to give it a solid 6 out of 10. Nice. Yeah, I've always wanted to check it out, man, because it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, it's one of those underground Canadian classics or whatever. And the funny thing is a lot of like the actors in there, the, you could tell like they're no budget actors, but they're from, of course they're from Ontario. So they talk to like that Eastern, like, I don't no, know. They got that accent. A boot. Yeah, but they, <laughs> yeah, some, some, yeah, some of the actors are trying to hide it and shit. It comes <laughs> out still. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Um, Next up here, we're going to take it all the way back to 1942 uh, with a film called The Undying Monster. Uh, this one was also released by on the Kino Classics line. Oh, this, this is the one that JP said looked like Teen Wolf on the cover. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, this one looks awesome, man. He's like, no, nah, it doesn't. It doesn't look good. <laughs> well, is it good? Well, let's find out. Um, so The Undying Monster from 1942 uh, basically is about uh, these people that get uh, this rich kind of how do, how do they describe it? aristocratic English family uh, the film opens up with this um, these characters that they get attacked by some unknown figure monster they don't really know exactly what happened and stuff um, and of course uh, you know they have no idea what happened so there's the police kind of step in there and stuff and they're they, they explain to them that something attacked them, they don't know what happened, and these people take it upon themselves that, you know, they kind of look into the, the history of this place and stuff, and they go, well, you know, there's a little bit of history here, there's like this legend of this, you know, potential 
you know, monster that kind of roams these hills and stuff like that. So they take it upon themselves to actually move into this family's castle to do the investigation and figure out, get to the bottom line of uh, what happened to these people and stuff. So that's what they do. It's like the funniest moment in the film, too. Like, well, we're just going to move in. I'm like, what the fuck? Who just moves into their place? (laughs) during it for an investigation but so that's kind of strange and then of course the film progresses from there and plays itself out uh yeah this one right here is a really really short film i couldn't believe it man i I was watching i was like okay what the fuck i checked the time and i'm like this movie is 63 minutes long and it really does show because you know of the times 1942 this is definitely you know a typical type b film from 1942 um but it's one of those type of films that feels like it's two-thirds of a movie now we have our you know our core incident that happens in the beginning of the film and that's where it starts so it, it's almost like it's missing like the first half an hour of character build up and you know telling of this backstory and things like that it just kind of picks up right there and kind of goes and it, it really it, old films sometimes feel so strange and so jarring when you, it seems like it's just picking up in the middle of the film it, it's very awkward to watch but uh but still very enjoyable, man. I gotta say, man, the acting in this film, really good. The the, the main uh, police officer, whatever, the investigator, is just, he's one of those type of characters where he's just like, no shit. No, he doesn't take any shit from anybody. All the lines that he spits in, his li- in this film are just so, so calculated and so abrupt and just to the point and everything. It's just such an awesome character. But, uh, but it, it kind of plays itself out like it's just one big investigation, you know, like this and that, and, you know, this and that. Of course, all these characters are all, you, you can feel pretty much throughout the whole film that these characters are hiding something. They don't really want to tell these police officers the, you know, little bits of the truth and stuff like that. So you kind of got like that kind of mystery kind of thriller elements in, in the film going on and stuff. I will say though, it is very predictable in exactly who or what the monster was. Um, you know, and it plays itself out exactly how you would think it would be and stuff like that. Very abrupt ending. You know, the ending kind of happens and it's just like over. <laughs> you know, like all the old classic universal films, right, JP? You know, the ending oh, yeah. happens in five mm-hmm. minutes. They ha- happen to pull a lever and a castle falls. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what happens. <laughs> it's got like this this very kind of charged investigation and the ending just happens. And it's just like, oh, my God. But, uh, yeah, no, it, it's still a pretty fun film, I have to say. It's definitely worth it just to watch The Investigator. His acting and his lines that he spits in this film is pretty good, pretty good stuff. But uh, I wish there was a little bit more development in this film. I wish there was an extra half an hour onto it or, you know, an extra 15 minutes or something in the beginning of the film to kind of introduce these characters so you get to kind of know these people and stuff. Because the things that are happening and, you know, you're, you learn things about this family and stuff throughout the film, but it's just, you don't feel like you're involved with their story or their characters at all in this. And, you know, it's obviously due to the fact that this was made as a B film purposely. This was the feature, you know, on, uh, you know, that was shown after the main bill. Right. Um, but, you know, all in all, it's not a bad film. I would probably give it about a six and a half out of ten. It's pretty decent. You know, it's very, of the times, you know, the music is very studio music and things like that. You know, like all these type of films have that same kind of feel and tone to them. And, you know, they all have that very generic type soundtracks and stuff. It's all there. It's all present. But uh, I will say, man, the transfer on this looks fantastic. It is in full screen. Uh, apparently they shot this one in full screen. So, um but it looks really so fucking good. So it's on true full screen? <laughs> no, it's not on true full screen, man. Uh, just not a whole lot to say about this movie. It's just so short. It's just crazy, crazy short, man. Yeah, it's one of those short, like... Yeah. You know, it's just... it's 
I, I gotta say though, man, it's just so jarring. You know, you guys ever have that when you watch these older films from like the 30s and 40s? Don't you feel like there's like a whole section of some of these movies that's missing? Some you of know? them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's so, usually so, the, their third act was not a whole act. It was just yeah. like a wrap up. Depends on the film. I just feel like the movie just starts like it's already into like there's already an attack happening in the beginning of the film you're like what the fuck like who are these people who's getting attacked where'd it come from like where yeah, are they with those sort of movies I do feel with those sort of movies I do feel like they're missing like certain like third act stuff but this one's just, prevalent in it because you're just like who the fuck are these people like what's going on and shit and then but say know. it's like a movie like Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca that's a different story that has a pretty yeah but that's Hitchcock dude yeah, I'm, no, I was just saying, like, it depends on the film. Mm-hmm. True that, true that. But, uh, yeah, I give it about a six and a half out of ten. It's it's a pretty decent watch. It's just very, very fast. Very fast watch. So. Alright. Okay. I, I, yeah, so, you're, you're uh, jumping the gun there, bud. Yeah, jumping the gun, Derek. Um, I got one here from... Actually, this is kind of interesting. This might be the... I guess first watch of 2017 <laughs> because really? this film is not yet released in the United States and it's, it doesn't have a plan to between now and the end of the year so I don't know if this will count as a 2017 release or not um, but I'm not, I'm not I guess I'm not going to count it as 2016 since it's not released over here yet look at this guy man he's so worried about you know getting all the 2016 films watched and here he is watching 2017 movies Jesus I know Christ. right it's over I didn't know until much. after I watched it right? <laughs> uh, it's called um, A Night of Horror Volume 1 and mm-hmm. this is uh, courtesy of Umbrella Entertainment it is a horror anthology and essentially it's 10 stories uh, in a movie I think it's like an hour and 40 minutes I believe if, if my memory serves me correctly um, which seems about what most anthologies are nowadays. Um, anyway, there I'm not going to go through every story because honestly I don't remember them all. Uh, I remember one of them had to do with a girl like snooping around her apartment. She kept hearing noises. Uh, the very first story I thought was kind of weak. I didn't really. It was it was like kind of artsy and just I don't know. It just it wasn't a good opener in my opinion. Um, but the third story is by far the best story in in the movie to me. It is fucking scary like it's it's actually scary uh it's one of those movies it's one of those shorts that like it's very simple it essentially follows a woman who's a a, a coroner in a morgue and she's basically uh just there with the night watchman and basically there's a cadaver and she keeps noticing like oh shit like this cadaver looks like it moved a little bit or like it switched positions it's like wait a minute and then you're just like it just escalates and you're like holy fuck that's scary right it's like good visuals actual scary stuff um so that's the best story i believe that one was called point of view um there's another one that follows a a girl on a train um that one's all right uh there's another one that was my, my probably my second favorite it follows a a plastic surgeon who is like working on another like girl working on a plastic surgery and basically um the the doctor's plastic surgery starts like malfunctioning so she starts taking the plastic it's kind of like body gross out stuff um that was pretty cool um and you know honestly like the the rest of them don't stand out there i think there's a zombie one in there um 
I, I've seen a couple reviews on this film once I was trying to figure out when it came out, and uh, people seem to like it a lot. I'm not I'm not quite as high as the other people. That one goddamn story was like so good to me though. Like I actually rewound it and watched it again because it was like creepy as hell. Um, so that's the one that stands out. But but it's kind of up and down. There's only like two, three really good ones. And then, like, a bunch of mediocre ones. Uh, not really any bad, bad ones, though. Uh, I'm going to come in at a 6.5 out of 10. I, I do recommend checking it out once it comes out, you know, in the U.S. Because it, it is an, an anthology. And I know people like anthologies a lot. Um, but that one story is definitely worth seeking out. It's it's awesome. Nice. Q, Q, That has a cool, like, kind of, like, interesting when you showed it off, like, uh, the cover art and stuff. I remember when you showed that off in like your unboxing and that you did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Curious, huh? Okay, so the film that I actually got to choose to review next is uh, actually another 2016 one. I'm doing a lot of 2016 watching, as you can see. And this one I've been hearing a lot of very positive things about. And saying best horror film of the year, and that of course is The Conjuring Two, of course directed by Mr. James Wan, and this one of course returns Patrick Wilson and uh, Vera Faminga from the previous film as Ed and Lorraine Wilson. It's pretty much what? the Warren. My bad. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, Ed and Lorraine. Ed and Lorraine Warren is the future adventures of them after the previous film. Uh, this film is set up with uh, them and we first meet them and they're kind of distraught and wanted to not really... Lorraine doesn't really want to continue with the cases anymore. I'll get more into that in my final thoughts of the film. But uh, they end up introducing this uh, case that is actually happening in Enfield, England where uh, this young family is being uh, tortured by, like, the specter as the previous family from the first film was. And it's up to them to end up going back to Enfield and going to England and investigating this case and seeing if it's real and facing this spirit that's invading this family. Pretty much the main plot and storyline, like, pretty much basically kind of like the first film in a way. Uh, my thoughts on this one... I really love the fucking opening of this film where actually they kind of mention Amityville, but they don't fucking really go into it. It dwells into like what was going on and we're introduced to uh, the Amityville horror and the DeFeo case. I love how they even mentioned that in the beginning of the film. Really aspects of like uh, Ed and Lorraine's uh, relationship. I really like Patrick Wilson and Vera Faminger in the roles of these characters. Because they are real people, and they do have like these heartfelt like scenes with each other, and it's really well and pure, and you can find, figure out if they're really a couple, especially after doing two of these films together. Really love the acting relationship and the way their performances are. As for the film, it has a lot of great like moments in it. It has like a great soundtrack and a lot of cool like scares that really did kind of scare me in a way. But unfortunately, some of the scenes had a little miss opportunity in my opinion uh there's one scene that kind of let me down in a way and involved like this weird like 
dog like transformation. That's all I could describe of it, and it kind of brought me down to like a point and a half in the film. But I really do like like a lot of the like, the actual like moments and the stuff that goes down with the film, and I do like uh, the character of Janet, who's one of the young girls. A very heartfelt performance by the young actress that plays it. So for me personally, it's a really good like horror film, really solid watch. I'm gonna give it a solid eight point five out of ten. Q. Yeah, that's a that's a movie that that's the one. I have two rewatches that I'm doing for before this <coughs> thing's over, and that's one of them. The other one's The Witch. Um, those are the only two that I can see my rating changing significantly on. Um, I like The Conjuring 2 a lot. I don't understand the people who don't like it but like the first one because I'm like, they're the fucking same movie. Exactly. It's the same thing. It's the same fucking thing happening again, just in a different place. With don't get me wrong. I did, I, I, I did like it. It's still a very recommendable rating. Yeah. James wants the shit, man. He yeah, just has he's a really style. good. Yeah, I, I recently watched it too. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Um, that's That's what I gave it. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. Definitely not as much as I enjoyed the first one. Um, but th- this one had a couple moments in it where I literally bursted out laughing. Like there was one scene just <laughs> with the fucking the the old ghost thing. It, oh my god! Just what comes out of his mouth? Fucking! I started howling, man. It was like seriously. <laughs> it made me laugh so hard. But I don't know if that was like that nah, was obviously nah. not. In- it was obviously not intended to be like funny, funny, but it just caught me off guard, <laughs> like ridiculous. But no, it's really well done. It's it's well done, but I don't know, man. There was just certain elements to it that I wasn't feeling as much as the first one. But yeah, like that one scene that I talked about, it killed it for me, kind of. Yeah, there, there was a couple scenes actually. I was just like, what? Like, what the fuck? I, still good I, film, I do like the Amityville references and well, shit you, like that. You gave it the same rating you gave the first one, so I mean. Yeah, I mean, really? I I gave the first one an eight. No, I had to. Be uh, did you? I'll look no. it up. No, I think I gave it the first one higher than that. But no, the, you know, I, I the effects and shit were really fucking good in the film, though. Really good. No, you gave it an eight. The first one. Yep. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So. I remember your ratings better than you do. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Anyways, yeah, the Conjuring Two, it's good. It's good. You know, some people are really fucking high on it, and you know, I've even seen the Conjuring I mean, Two. Pr- I think on two lists already. It. it was, it was number one and number two on a couple different lists I've seen already this year. So. Oh yeah, so, I know three lists that it's in the top three. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not making my top ten. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see, but <laughs> we'll see. Def twenty, the top twenty at least. Yeah, Zach's I can just hear him right now, fucking screaming at the uh, at his computer. What the fuck, these guys are idiots. Keeps claiming it's the best film of this year, but I don't know. We'll see. One of the best. It's definitely one of the best films of the year. Don't get me. Whether it'll make my top ten, not sure. Yeah, and yeah that's, that's, that's kind I of exactly. Watch it. That's where I'm at. It's definitely top twenty for me. Uh, it's, Right now, oh, it'll like, it'll be in my top thirty video for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, place, whatever. All right, so next up here, man, we got one. Uh, I think the actual year on this is 2015. Yeah, I think it's from 2015. Just came out this year, uh, and it is called Bunny the Killer Thing. 
Oh yes, I got, I, I got this. I got this ridiculous edition from Raven Banner. It's like so crazy. Three disc edition. Fucking comes with all these awesome postcards and shit. Limited. <laughs> this is totally. It's called the limited X-rated pussy edition. <laughs> it's so awesome, man! I can't believe this movie got this type of release here. It's just ridiculous, but um, basically. Care. Yeah, basically what we have here is we just have like a group of uh, people that are heading out to this cabin to do some partying and shit like that. And it's such a jarring thing too, man. Have you guys seen this movie yet? No. You guys haven't seen this yet. So no, it's film rise. Yeah, um, it, it's so jarring because what we have here is we have like a group of like Finnish people. This is, by the way, this is a film from Finland anyways. Uh, so we got this group of Finnish people and then we have this group of like British people. So what we have here essentially is a lot of back and forth with uh, language in, in Finnish and then we got English, right? And it kind of goes back and forth and so, some of the characters go between speaking foreign and, you know, English and stuff. It's it's really kind of strange how they do it. But anyways, this group of people, they head out to this cabin where they're going to do some party and shit like that. And all of a sudden this huge, giant, half-human, half-bunny comes out of the woodworks and swinging its cock... And it's on the rampage, swinging its cock, literally like a fucking, like a helicopter, and yelling pussy, and it ensues on raping women and killing them, and that's pretty much your fucking film. Until the crazy-ass third act in this film, which is just makes absolutely no sense whatsoever, <laughs> but it's entertaining, it's all living hell. So what we have here is we have a lot of, like, characters, and we, there's, like, a lot of characters in this film, actually. And a lot of weird interactions with people and stuff. We have some homophobic, or we have some, uh, some kind of like almost gay moments in this film and stuff. And but yeah, essentially, you kind of get the the backstory of this, how this bunny was created in the beginning of the film by these mad scientists and stuff. Something went wrong, and it created this crazy fucking killer, rapey bunny. And uh, but I have to say, man, the effects in this film are funny as all living hell, too, man. It's it's pretty gory, it's pretty nasty, and it's pretty offensive too. I mean. If you're not into, like, you know, laughing at rape and shit like that, this is probably not the film for you. But, you know, the effects were actually pretty good. I was very, you know, I was very surprised at how good, like, and gory and shitty it was. But the bunny <laughs> is nothing less than a guy wearing a fucking wool suit. That's all it is. It's so ridiculous. It's so <laughs> ridiculous. But with I, a Tommy Lee size cock. It, it it really man with like a fucking two and a half foot cock. But it's nothing. It's nothing more than that. It's just a dude in a in a fucking bunny suit. It, it's absolutely ridiculous. But it kind of adds to it because essentially this movie's a comedy. Of course it is, right? Um, yeah. As for the comedy in the film, uh, it's not really actually that funny. I think the funniest shit is when. You, the bunny swinging his cock yelling fucking pussy and shit like that but as for like a lot of the interactions and the other jokes and things like that and stuff it's not like hilarious it's not really that great as a comedy itself um and, and in fact a lot of the stuff i wasn't really even enjoying that much i just couldn't wait for the bunny to be on screen yelling pussy and swinging his cock it was like the funniest thing i was pissing myself laughing at it, it was just so ridiculous but so you have a whole pile of this stuff all these characters and all these kind of weird fucked up moments like there's this one scene in this film where this chick is puking she gets all fucked up and she starts puking in this toilet and then instantly she this dude's holding holding up her hair or holding back her hair and stuff she gets up from the toilet and they start making out and i'm like that's fucking disgusting who why would you tongue a chick right after she pukes 
It's gross. It was like fucking disgusting. And there's like these other weird moments in this film where this chick like she starts going at it, this other chick and she's all passed out and shit. It's just so fucking weird, man. But anyways, so two thirds of the film, yeah, you got this rapey bunny and shit like that. Then the third act hits and then all this crazy shit starts happening, man. Like you get introduced to like these mad scientists and uh, this pop star that has been abducted and she's found in the trunk of this car and then, like all this other crazy shit that's going on. And I'm like, why is this shit happening? <laughs> absolutely ridiculous man it's so fucking ridiculous the shit that's going on um but you know overall i had a fun time with this movie it's completely ridiculous over the top um and it's not as low budget as i was initially anticipating this film to be i thought it was going to be like you know one of those films that just you know fucking massacre video kind of puts out but it really actually did have some pretty decent production value to it so that was kind of funny obviously the bunny suit was intended to be silly and ridiculous looking and stuff um but i have to give it up to him man it it was shot really well there's this really awesome really well shot scene of this this bunny kind of standing on this hill and just the colors and everything that's used in the scene it's just really well done actually there's you know there is there is some well done stuff in this film considering how ridiculous and retarded this movie actually is but i do recommend it man if you can just not take this film serious and just kind of roll with the punches and what it's delivering and stuff i'm not really too sure what the hell they were thinking with the writing and the way they kind of took it into the third act i I don't know what they were trying to do here but (laughs) for me it just it made it even funnier i was just like oh my god i've never shook my head so many times at a fucking movie lately but all in all it was pretty fun i give it about a six and a half out of ten it was uh it was definitely worth the 90 minutes. It was actually a lot longer than I was anticipating. I thought this movie was going to be like 75 minutes, you know, some low budget shit. No, it's like 92 minutes or <laughs> something like that. So oh, it's ridiculous. But check out Bunny the Killer Thing, a.k.a. Rapey Big Penis Killer Bunny. <laughs> I don't know. It's fucking ridiculous. Oh, my God. And he gave that like a 9 out of 10. Really? It, oh, no it's shit. So, yeah. That's crazy, dude. It honestly has. <laughs> I wish. I wish honestly some of the comedy between the characters and stuff was a little bit funnier. But like some of it came off pretty bad. Like I don't know if it was. It's not even the translation either. Eh? I think it's just the way it was. But I just was not finding a lot of the shit that funny until, goddamn bunny appeared on the screen. Man, shit was that funny. <laughs> All right. So uh, I believe that takes us into the final stretch of the show, which is our segments. Uh, I believe I'm going first, since I was going first in what we watched. Yes, you were. And uh, this is this is an interesting segment. I don't know what I, what I would call this. Um, I guess it's a closer look at, look at, but it initially was going to be a pick of the week. Um, but I guess it's a closer look at. So a closer look at. Uh, this is a segment in which I take a look at a special edition, some kind of, uh, you know, collector's edition, special features, stuff like that. Not just reviewing the film, but reviewing what it contains as well. Uh, typically, it's a Scream Factory or an Arrow or something big like that. And uh, in this case, it is an Arrow. Uh, it's coming to us from Arrow, and it is um, really, really neat. It's the Hills Have Eyes set right here, the, the, the collector's mm-hmm. edition. Um, this is uh, this is the Hills Have Eyes, obviously from 1977, I believe. 77, 
Hills of Eyes, 77? I think so. Um, I believe so, yes. We covered on episode 57, which was shortly after Wes Craven's passing. It was the director's spotlight. Uh, me and Moods reviewed it pretty, you know, in-depth. And I watched it this time, and i got to say, man, the transfer is fantastic. It's Hills oh, of Eyes never looked better. I agree. Transfects, um, amazing. Oh, yeah. transfers, so good, dude. I put it on, I was like, holy crap, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, after coming off of Vamp and Chud, and I was like, you know what, man, like, these transfers on air are disappointing lately. And then, like, I pop in fucking Hills Have Eyes and I'm blown away. Um, and I, I watched this and, you know, honestly, like, this is, I, I, I've said this many times. I go back and forth with the Hills Have Eyes. Like, sometimes I absolutely love it. And then the next time I watch it, I'm just like, ah, it's the Hills Have Eyes. And this is back to I absolutely loved it again. Like, it was so awesome. And I just watched this, you know, let's probably like a, a little over a year ago at this point or whatever and um maybe less than a year what episode was it 87 50 what was it what did i say it was the hills have 50 eyes. 53 right? so it had 50. to be i don't know 57 had to feels like a while ago i don't know anyway um I, it follows a family who uh get sort of um broke down along a, a, a desert road um, and basically the hills are filled with uh, cannibals who are are assholes and raping and killing and eating. They want to they steal the baby and kill the family and it's uh, up to the son and, and daughter to sort of figure things out and uh, they have uh, dogs, Beauty and Beast and they, they have to survive against this mutant family. I'm not going to go into the review too much. Like I said, we reviewed it on 57 um, but I, I've, I thoroughly enjoyed the film this time uh, more than maybe I, I have in a while. But this this edition of The Hills Have Eyes, um, mark my words, you can quote me right now, you can bring it up to me anytime, there will not be a better version of this film ever. Um, you know how as collectors, this was real big in maybe, you know, eight or so years ago where it, when everything was like still kind of just DVD mainly, you know, like, well, I guess mm-hmm. it's longer than that, but, um, it, it was about like, what edition can I get? Like, I want the best edition. What has the most special features? It was about editions. <laughs> well, this is, yeah. this release is about the edition. It's, it's once again, it reminded me of like that old time where it's like, okay, like you will not improve this edition. Like Wes Craven's dead. You're not going to get any more shit from him. You already have, you know, tons of stuff with this edition. It's in an awesome box. It uh, has um, a booklet, a poster inside. Uh, it has a ton of special features. Um, two brand new commentaries, uh, an old commentary with Wes Craven, uh, making up documentary, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> family business, a brand new interview, never before seen outtakes. Uh, alternate ending which is actually presented in HD as well you can watch it in HD with the uh, the 4K restoration with the original I was version or with the I was very ending. surprised about that yeah because mm-hmm. that's usually not the case right oh totally not you know you, you never alternate endings yeah. or you know alternate anything and you know present it in that good quality that was a nice touch yeah, yeah so um at the end of the day like this is the definitive like edition of the Hills Have Eyes because there's you can't add much to it. The story's been told. The commentaries have been done. Um, I don't really see a purpose to 
to make another edition ever. Like, I don't know what you can add to it because this, this pulls special features from that original Anchor Bay two disc, um, collector's edition that, that mm-hmm. was a, the, the standing good edition to get. It has a lot of features on there. So it pulls those and it adds new features. Um, like I said, Wes Craven passed away. You're not going to get anything else from him. So if you're one of those people who like, just like, okay, I want, I, 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 I like the Hills Have Eyes and I want to own it the best way possible and never have to worry about getting it again. This is the edition to have. The only way that this edition could be improved upon is if it was released in a five film box set with four film box set with the original uh the sequel and the fucking other two remakes like that's the only way um but i doubt that'll ever happen um i did listen to the 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 features and the commentaries and stuff oh it also has six postcards by the way um and Mm -hmm. i was listening to the commentary one of the new ones and it it was crazy like there i learned a few new things like um, for one, Ruby, the the actress who plays Ruby, uh, got the role pretty much by um, there it come down to like six people, and Wes Craven was like, "Well, uh, we need this character to be able to run, um, so I guess uh, you guys run to the end of the block and back." And um, she was, they all took off running. She just stood there, and Wes Craven's like, "Oh, did you, I said run," and she's like, "Oh, I know," and then just took off because she was like a track star, I guess. And fucking, that's how she got it. You know what I mean? Just ballsy like that, which is pretty cool, because um, she ran and passed everybody up. And then there was a crazy story that I heard. I guess one of the dogs had died. You know, one of the German shepherds. Oh, really? And they told them to go get the du- dead body so that they can use it as an effect and like cut it open. And they wanted um, one of the actors to do that, and they were like, "No, I'm not doing that." And so, like, that somebody else did it. I don't know if that footage made it in film or not, but that's fuck, fucking kind of weird. Well, did they say what happened to the dog? What the fuck? I, I think it, they said it drowned or something. I, I don't remember. I don't think it happened at the movie. I think it happened, like, offset, like, somewhere else. Oh, crazy. Fuck. Um, which is... I, unless I misheard that story, but that's what it sounded like to me, man. And it was... um, <laughs> it, They did kind of talk over each other a little bit. Um, Michael Berryman was on the commentary and man I like that guy like I just wanted to be like yo you're a hero dog like like you're you're an awesome dude like cause like you had all this stuff wrong with you like a million different like like 30 different birth defects or like 50 different birth defects or some crazy shit like that really yeah I never I never noticed I never noticed (laughs) what a dick um but yeah he was you know he and he talked about like how he became an actor and 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 then that's cool man like he's He's an awesome dude. He seems super genuinely nice too. Just, just oh, like, I've, uh, everyone I've ever talked to is that uh, has met Michael Berryman said he's just like a sweetheart, man. Yeah, which is awesome to know. Like that, that's yeah. cool to me. And um, you know, they talked about how that rattlesnake was a fucking real rattlesnake, and like, well, obviously you can tell in the film, but Ruby actually picks it up. Like they're like, yeah, you just want to grab it here. Like it, it seemed like very guerrilla filmmaking to me, man. Like I don't know what Wes Craven was really doing, but he probably didn't have the safety in mind of the actors. Um, but fantastic edition, dude. Like I was, I was pretty blown away with this edition. Um, Arrow Video, like like top-notch release of the hills have eyes and that box you could literally beat someone to death with yeah and it has yeah. like a uh interesting feel it's not like um smooth like their their normal boxes it's kind of like yeah, it's kind of textured like, a little bit textured uh, like mm-hmm. kind of feels like uh something different i like it um mm-hmm. but yeah hills have eyes box set 
not, not really box set, but I mean, just the super edition. Um, super really edition, good edition hell is really good edition. So, yeah. Uh, I, oh, by the way, I give Hills of Eyes 8.5 out of 10. Nice. Good stuff, man. Okay, since uh, when we were preparing for this, what we watch, uh, JP kindly asks, figure out a segment for yourself. So I was thinking about it for like the two weeks and what would best fit me as a segment for myself. I know JP has, likes his closer looks and his horror 101s, and Moose has his Italian stallion. And the most general thing that I like in like horror and stuff is I'm actually a big fan of Asian cult cinema. So my reviews and my segments going to be based off uh, the Asian cycles of films that I've seen and ones that I would recommend to people and ones that I would watch and not recommend to people also, of course. It's your Asian invasion. Yeah. No, it's my taste of, no, it's my taste of Asian persuasion. (laughs) Asian persuasion. I like it. That's good. Yes. So the film I chose for my first Asian Persuasion is a film that I actually started watching a while ago. I never got to finish it, so I was like, why not get it out of the way and give it a watch? And this film is, of course, titled Kotoko, Kotoko from 2011. This film, of course, is released... I don't actually think it has a U.S. release here. I actually have the Third Window Films edition. If you don't know, Third Window Films are a company in the U.K. that release a lot of like cool interesting Asian cult cinema titles to Blu-ray and this one's no particular this one of course is directed by Sheena Toscamato have you heard of him at all any of you nope I believe so yeah yeah he's known for directing films such as Tessio the Iron Man a snake uh, of that's June where they know the name. <laughs> of name yes course. and he also does a lot of the things around surrounding this film. Not only does he direct this film, he writes it, he edits it, he shoots it, he's the cinematographer, and also he usually stars in most of his films. And he's also known for like his uh, acting roles too. Most famously, okay, now, okay, just hold up one second. It must be hard to actually shoot a scene when you're acting in it too. That's, that's well, he's like the director. Well, he's the director of photography. <laughs> I know. Like he'll, he, he sets up the scenes. And yeah. then, like, certain scenes where he's, like, under, not involved in, like, the camera shots, mm-hmm. uh, he actually does the cinematography himself. Chosen, like, the making of documentary. Yeah. But, uh, interesting with his acting career, he actually starred in a few famous films as an actor that he actually didn't direct. Of course, Ichi the Killer, directed by Takashi Miike. And he also was in uh, Marabito, which was directed by Takashi Shimuzu. Of course, most famously known for directing Juon. But very interesting roles and actors. And he's also in the new Godzilla film that just actually, well, getting more into that in a later episode. But uh, this film also stars a singer and songwriter, Coco, who actually also does the music for the film. Uh, and this film is uh, introduces Kotodo, who's actually a young mother who has a young boy, a single mother, raising on her own. And she has this unknown mental illness where she actually sees double. Not just of things around her, but mostly of people. And one person 
that she sees is like the happy version, and the other person is the one that's gonna threaten her, and she sometimes doesn't know which ones are real in the prison time and moment when she sees them. So she ends up outbursting violently in the middle of like stages, with sometimes with her son in hand, and what ends up happening is her mental stability and her reason. Oh, I forgot to mention. She's also a cutter. She likes to cut herself. She, like, cuts herself and watches her bleed and stuff. Um, but what ends up happening is her mental stability ends up making her so unstable that she actually loses the rights to her child. And then the rest of the film is pretty much her trying to stabilize herself. And we end introduced to our next character, Tanaka, who's actually a writer who's played by Sheena Toscamato, and the majority of the rest of the film is their journey together in the relationship that they form. Now, when I describe it, doesn't really sound like a horror film. It sounds it's not boring like... as fuck. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I bet you if it wasn't Asian, JP be all over it. He's like, ah. <laughs> no, but it's a very... It doesn't. It has like a dramatic sense because you're really following this person with their mental stability and their unknown mental illness, and we see this mental illness through their eyes. It's not like told like very narrative style because you're following this person with this mental stability, and there's a lot of like great Are you images. Of stability court. or disability? St- stability. Stability. Yeah. Okay. Again, in the words of Jeremy, fuck you, JP! <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I don't know. Yeah, we're following her. Mental, for mental stability. stability. That works. That works. Yeah. Continue. And the way that Sheena Toscamato actually shoots this film is very chaotic. It has a lot of like weird, like shaky imagery and very dreamlike sequences where we actually go into Koto's mind. And, of course, actually the very gifted thing is uh, the way that Kyoto doesn't actually involve her mental illness to affect her is she actually sings and it actually loosens her mind and they use that to their ability because they hired Coco as the singer. And it's a very heartbreaking film with a lot of weird and crazy body horror shit that happens in the middle of it. Of course, you know, Tosca Motto, no stranger to body horror with... Tessio and A Snake of June and all his other films, Nightmare Detective, all involve body horror in a way. This one is no different. And the ending of this film is very heartbreaking and heart-wrenching, the aspect with its characters and the study. And it makes you cry and feel for this character. And another thing, there's a lot of fucking great gore that happens in the middle of this film, too. Fucking head explosions, fucking insanity and chaoticism. And it's just a very emotional and draining experience when you're watching it because you feel for these this character and you enjoy it for the most part. I did like the camera work and the cinematography and the music is beautiful. Very elegant film. I'm going to give this one a solid 9 out of 10. Fucking amazing filmmaking right here. Sheena Toscomato hits it out of the park again for me. Nice. Okay. Nice. Cool, cool. All right, so that leads me into my Italian stallion. Yeah. Um, I feel like I haven't done one of these in a long time. I think it's been a while. 
I don't know. But uh, coming from a Italian director that I really enjoy, man. I, I just wish that uh, that he didn't die so tragically. Um, and I wish he had a chance to make more films. But uh, this one right here is from 1976, I believe this one came out in. 1975, and it's called The Night Child, also known as The Curse Medallion. Directed by mm-hmm. Massimo Dallamano. Yeah, he was... Uh, yeah, this one came out in 75. He got killed in a car accident in 1976, which kind of sucks. But, you know, he was a really awesome filmmaker, man. I mean, he didn't... He, he didn't really do that many films up until the time of death, his death, but who knows what he would have done after. But uh, he's responsible for doing the Black Veil of Lisa. Have you ever seen that movie before, Derek? I haven't. I know yeah, Oliver I've... Lisa... Yeah, all of did release. I've heard nothing but good things. Like it's one of the best yells of the '60s and stuff. And I gotta check it out. I recently picked up Dorian Gray, uh, his version from 1970, which I haven't checked out. But of course, he's he's most famous for directing. What have you done to Solange? And uh, what have they done to your daughters? Um, the sequel to that movie. Yeah, and those are just fucking fantastic films. Really, really plus, good. Which plus he was a cinematographer before that with Sergio Leone. Yeah, that's did right. all the spaghetti yeah. westerns. That's right. Yeah, and then he branched out into his own films, but. Was killed in a car accident in 1976, but totally sucks. But, uh, yeah. So, The Night Child. Basically, well, actually, starring Richard Johnson, of course, from Zombie. He he went on to do Zombie a couple years later, which we just reviewed, obviously. Um, But, yeah, Richard Johnson plays Michael Williams. He's a... uh, He's... uh, a documentarium. I think he's working for the BBC is what he is, what he's doing. Anyways, he gets sent to Italy to do this documentary on art and stuff like that. Uh, before he goes, he actually gives his little daughter, who's played by, what's what's a little girl's name? She's in like tons of Ni- Nicolette Emily, I believe is Yeah, Nicolette Emily, that's what it is. She's like in... Um, the redhead chick from Demons. Yeah, that's right. The little redhead chick. Yeah, that's right. She's in a bunch. She was in uh, Deep Red, I think, also and stuff. So. Yeah, and Baron um, Blood. It, and yeah, Bay of Blood and yeah, shit like that. She's in Baron Blood too, isn't that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, she plays the daughter, and he gives her like this medallion or whatever. And uh, of course, this medallion is actually, uh, it holds like the soul of like this murderous kid or whatever and stuff. So, essentially, what happens to her is she gets possessed, and then you know shit starts kind of going down while they're, while they're in Italy and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's pretty much the storyline of the film. Um, now my thoughts on this one, uh. This is a really, really kind of slow-paced uh, film for Massimo Dallamano. Like, generally, his movies kind of move at a, at a decent pace, you know, and a little more exciting and stuff like that. This one has its issues, man. Like, I, I can see what they're kind of doing. This one's playing on the coattails of, obviously, The Exorcist and other films and stuff. I actually even seen someone reviewed. I, I was just kind of scrolling through here. And they compared Richard Johnson to Gregory Peck in, uh, in fucking um, The Omen. And I thought that was really interesting because the Omen didn't come out till '76. They're like, yeah, like this is, you know, he was ripping off the Omen and shit. And I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about, man? This movie came out before, so that's kind of strange, eh, Derek? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I would, I would even write that down. It makes absolutely no sense if this movie came out before. But anyways, um, but yeah, you know, essentially what you're getting here is, is a, like a possessed kid type film and stuff, and uh, totally playing like hotels of The Exorcist and um, among films and things like that. Just not done as good as he probably could have done. I mean, I honestly, this is definitely no awesome Giallo type film. It, yeah. it's, it's got its moments in this one, but the, the thing about this movie that's kind of jarring is that I think they put too many flashback scenes into this film. Like, I agree. They really did, man. They, it, the flashbacks are just happening all the time. I understand. See what has happened here. Um, 
basically uh, Richard Johnson's wife was killed in a tragic accident and stuff, and his daughter witnessed it. So that's where all these flashbacks happen. She keeps she's being haunted by her mother's death and things like that and stuff. And but it just keeps happening over and over and over again. And it's like it doesn't really make a lot of sense to the actual you know core story of the film where she's being possessed by this medallion and things like that. These flashbacks almost seem like time filler to me. It's really fucking strange, like how they did it and stuff. You agree though, eh, Derek? Like, yeah, way too many flashbacks. Way too many flashbacks, but they don't even they don't add anything to this film. If anything, all they do is take away, take you out of the film even more because you're like, I've already seen that flashback. I've seen this. Like, I get uh-huh. that stuff, and you know, you just want basically this little girl to get fully possessed and then start tearing up shit and stuff like that. But the thing is, there's no mystery in this film whatsoever. There's a scene where. Um, he takes along his uh what is she his nanny his nanny and stuff anyway she ends yeah. up getting killed in this film and stuff and it's done from a point of view like a pov shot and stuff and then like is it supposed to be a mystery on who did it or what because we blatantly know who the fuck killed the nanny <laughs> in this scene it's like i don't know it's just not really dalmo's best filmmaking whatsoever like i don't know if, if that was supposed to be a mystery i don't i don't really know what the hell is going on with that whole scene but um and I found the whole end of the film, the whole third act, to be a little bit anticlimactic, too. I mean, the way the resolution in this film really didn't pan out to be exciting whatsoever. I mean, you know, just I'm, I'm not going to give it away if, if someone wants to check this thing out. But I'm just like, are you kidding me? That's how this thing gets resolved? I'm like, what? I mean, that's all you had to do? I mean, uh, I don't know. This one has its moments. Richard Johnson's good in the film. I think the little girl's actually pretty good. She's, you know, yeah. I think it's, it's a little funny, actually, at times because... I, I just love how she's playing a possessed girl and she happens to be a ginger. I mean, she's already soulless. You know? So <laughs> I just kind of, I just kind of, it kind of fucking cracked me up right from the start of this film. I'm like, no, fucking, I never even, I never even thought think, of that. Yeah, no, I just like, oh my God, I wonder if they cast her purposely, you know, like, ah, that little soulless ginger man should be perfect in this role as a possessed child. <laughs> yeah. Fucking loved it, man. But no, I thought, I thought that was actually pretty funny, but, uh, Otherwise, I don't know, man. There's a lot of things going on in this film. Like you have Richard Johnson's character, of course, and like all like these girls that are like falling in love with him and stuff. It just it just seems very bland to me. The whole story with him and his documentary, like doing the art and stuff, and everything about this film is is a little bit bland to me. It's not terrible. It's not horrific or anything. Honestly, this one has some of the better dubbing in it, though. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> that honestly does. It's, it's crazy. It's actually right on. Um, the ADR is pretty good in this one, but uh, all in all, it's a, it's an okay watch. It's above average. It's just nothing mind blowing. Definitely the worst Massimo Dalmano film I've ever seen, um, which I've only actually ever seen two or three of his other films, to be honest. But uh, uh, the ones that he directed himself. But um, I don't know, man. If I had to rate this one, uh, if I had to, if I'm, <laughs> I'm going to give it about a six out of ten. It's okay. It's decent for what it is and stuff. It's got some pretty decent moments and stuff. But I, I think there was a lot of missed opportunity, especially with body count in this one. Um, I think the one scene where the, the nanny gets killed and stuff that was okay. Um, not, not a bad stunt actually here, like in the water and shit like that. It was kind of brutal actually. But uh, I think there was some missed opportunity actually for, mm-hmm. for kills in this one also. What, you reviewed this film, didn't you? I did on body bags. I, I think I gave it like a seven. You gave it a seven? Wow, crazy. Well, I, I was really invented with the visuals of the film. That was probably the highlight of it. Like when they had yeah. like long car rides and you see like the whole landscapes. Because yeah. Matt Dalamano doesn't know how to shoot a film because he wasn't a oh. 
so, 100%, 100%. That's probably the best thing about this film. And I did like the music and shit, too. I did like the soundtrack. Actually, you know, the the main theme song to this film is actually quite catchy. That's something I didn't mention, actually. The music yeah. is really good. Besides Richard Johnson, he's awesome in the film. Um, I think, yeah, the best thing about this film is the way it's shot. The cinematography is good. I mean, the locations that they shot in Italy and stuff like that are really, really, really nice. Yeah, know? I think I gave it, like, a 7. But, uh, I mean... Yeah, I mean, just the the core story of this film is just not there. You know, it's just it's really uninteresting. It's I think the execution is just it's just so poorly done. I mean, leading into the third act, I was just kind. Of, it's it's honestly a little bit boring to be honest. Like throughout the film, so yeah, I dragged in lots of parts, especially those flashbacks. Oh yeah, it drags, and then you get these flashbacks. You're like, oh my god, stop with the fucking flashbacks, <laughs> and we get the point. So, but anyways. That is going to conclude my Italian Stallion ends this episode. We're done. Yeah. Yeah. You know we. You know we just reviewed twenty seven movies. Did we? That's pretty. That's old school. That's impressive. Yeah. That's, that's epic, piece, man. That's yeah. fucking crazy. I had dude. nine I like, more that I could have did. So, what other films did you watch that you didn't get to? Uh, I didn't get to. Uh, my next one would have been Winner's Tape Ball. Oh darn! You should have done it. Huh? <laughs> I reviewed that on mini shot. Fucking, that's yeah. fun shit. Right also, there. Uh, the darkness, one night of fear, yoga hosers, fear Inc., uh, nightmare before Christmas, holidays, the boy, trash fire, and I think I think that's it. Okay, so a little brief on holidays. Yay or nay? I liked it. Oh my god, you did not! I swear to God, you liked holidays. Oh my yeah. god, it was so bad. It was I, terrible. I really One of the worst films of the year for me. Oh, I thought it was horrible. No, um, um, yoga, yoga hosers, yoga hosers. How much did you hate it? I liked it. What? Yeah. The fuck? Really? Yeah. I liked it. Unbelievable. Man, I, get, I gave yoga so... hosers and holidays the same rating. See, when, off the top of the show, you said all pretty much every film that I watched, I actually enjoyed. I'm like, I don't believe that. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Crazy, crazy shit. Um, I had a couple more here. I, I did watch The Conjuring 2, which I kind of chimed in on that one right there. Um, I watched The Boy. You got, I know you've seen it, GP. We're kind of. I've seen it, I seen it a while ago. Yeah. Um, I had mixed feelings on it. I thought it was predictable. JP didn't think it was. Uh, and then I watched Heebie well, Jeebies, the slasher film. Like you said it yourself, it could have went one of two ways. I agree. Mm-hmm. Like that's how all of those movies go. He's either real or he's not. Every single but I was only hoping in my mind. Way. I was hoping in my mind it was going to be something completely different, like so fresh and yeah, like. Yeah, I. I not, mean, not like I, house, I just I can't wanted say that some... I've seen that done before, though, dude. Like, Housebound. Not with <laughs> well, a doll, though. Well, the doll aspect. I mean, you take the doll out of the film. That was different. Actually... That was something different, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, you know, normally with a doll film, like it, it goes exactly one of two ways, and this one went that one of two ways, but slightly different. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Like, I just oh, had this a, is kind of I cool. Had, it had a moody atmosphere. It, it, honestly, it's a it's a little bit of a tough movie to to review because you don't want to give away the reveal or anything. But yeah, you know, yeah, I don't know, yeah. man. I thought there was some pretty good performances. I thought the you know the cinematography in the film was really good. I I thought it was shot like so well. A lot of really creepy moments and stuff. Um but I don't know, man. It, it just once the reveal happened, I was just like, "Oh. Okay. Okay. 
like, but then, but then you, but then beef with it at all. you like, kind of think, you kind of think back on the reveal a little bit, and then don't you find that there's there's obvious plot holes in it though too? I mean, yeah, the same plot holes that were in Housebound. Yeah, but Housebound had a little bit more. It, it, but it's more of a comedy though too, man. It's a little bit, it's a little more forgiving to be honest. This movie's straight up serious. There's things that are happening in it that honestly would not be able to happen. Let's just face it. It just wouldn't happen that way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because it just it just can't happen without someone like noticing. Like, I I don't know, man. I just kept thinking of that in my mind after the reveal. I was like, no, I don't know, man. Um, but I mean, it it is what it is, man. What did yeah, you what is, with Derek? I gave it like a six. Six point. And JP, you gave it. What did you say? You gave it like an eight or something like 7. that. Seven point five. I gave it six and a half. I thought yeah. it was. I thought it was enjoyable. It was. It, it was good for what it was. It was entertaining the whole film. There um, was some creepy yeah. moments. There was. There was, and, and you know the whole doll aspect, and you know it's th- that doll that they used though, creepy fucking looking. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they did a good job with the doll. Yeah, the doll was awesome, man. It was good. It was good. So. But honestly, like you know, out of all the ones I watched, like my least favorite out of all of them <laughs> was probably the darkness. <laughs> Just because it's so bland and just by the numbers. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. Actually, that's from this. Yeah, year. I haven't seen that one either. Um, but so one of the one of the highlights, though, man, the highlights were uh, definitely Winner's Tape Ball. Um, yeah. Fear Inc. was a really good one that I enjoyed a lot, and uh, probably my favorite out of the bunch was Trash Fire. Oh yeah, yeah. Have you seen that one? No. No, it's on a list to check out. Oh, Hopefully trash I can fires. see what trash, there. Fu- trash fire can probably be a contender for a lot of people in terms of top ten. Um, it was just, just re- I, I just really liked it. I was just mm-hmm. with it. Gotta check yeah, those that's, out. That's sweet. So that's it. That is gonna do it for episode yeah. ninety six here. What we watched for. Hope you guys enjoyed it, man. That was a lot of films. It was actually fun. It was fun to do, man. It's been a while since we've done something like that, and I'm sure uh, JP is glad to get some of those screeners off his chest. I got every <laughs> single one that I've watched off my chest, so that was pretty, pretty solid. Nice, nice. And uh, I know that this episode is gonna be a bitch to do show notes for a bitch i might need an extra day just to get them done yeah no shit right because you're gonna be happening to show notes like every five to seven minutes 27 right 27 yeah. just 27 time stamps just for the what we watch segments so there'll be probably like 35 things to do or something like that uh, intro oh my god that's a lot <laughs> the, the thumbnail Damn, damn. All right. So, yeah, that is going to do it. Derek, thanks again for helping out on the show. No problem. I got to channel Jeremy on this episode. So it was pretty awesome. We trashed him a few times on the show, actually. He said channel. So, Jeremy. uh, Yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, that was fun. That was fun. I wouldn't mind doing another one of those maybe in, like, another four or five months or something like that. That would be kind of cool to do. You know, yeah. So, but what what do we got next year, man? Next episode is going to be the Christmas show, right? Yep. So we might as well, if we have not already announced what we're actually doing we for that show. Already announced it last show. I think we did. Yeah. So we got Black Christmas, Gremlins, and Krampus. 
Yes. I'm pretty, I'm, wow, I know you weren't. Wow. I was completely happy with the picks. Uh, Me one too. film I haven't seen, one film I love, and one film that I really like. Well, I've reviewed two of those films, and the other one I had no intentions of ever reviewing, so I don't know, man. It's going to be odd, because I never <laughs> thought I was going to be reviewing Gremlins either. Yeah, I don't know. It's just one film I just... Uh, what, you know, what, I like, what is I mean, your fucking beef with Gremlins? It's fucking Gremlins, dude. No, I don't dislike <laughs> Gremlins. I just had no interest in, in really reviewing the film because it's like Gremlins. Like, I don't know, man. It's just It just seems just so obvious to do. I don't know, man. I don't know. But I'm kind of... I'm kind of hoping that... I'm kind of hoping that, you know, maybe the second time around on Krampus will be a better watch for me, but we'll see. I guess we'll have to wait and see till next week, right? Yeah. Zang, zang, zang. All right, JP, take us the fuck out of here. All right, homies, as I said at the top of the show, make sure you go out and leave us all kinds of feedback, all kinds of voicemails and stuff for uh, these upcoming episodes. I need definitive top 10 lists so that I can average them together and have that ready for our top 10 show. I need show 100 voicemails, both your favorite horror movie, the best horror movie, and then the second voicemail being like, hey, it's episode 100. Cool to be here. Uh, and then uh, iTunes reviews, of course, man, those help so much. You have no idea. Uh, and uh, Horror Mino, we're on there. Instagram, we're on there. 22 Shots Podcast, Twitter. Also, Facebook.com slash group slash 22 Shots Podcast. Also, I want to thank Jason Lloyd for hosting the show on the Horrorphilia Network of Podcasts. We need you guys to download our episodes so that we can fucking beat these horror uh, fucking exploding head scrubs, man. Um, yeah. And yeah, especially when they steal my quotes, like the Shelly Winters mask and the Kill Game episode. Yeah. Brandon. Yeah, yeah. Brandon, Brandon rips a lot of shit off. Yeah, well, he uses the same all... jokes over and over again, too. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure he stole... I've heard him steal my jokes on, on show before, Brandon. You I, hear me? He stole one of mine one time, too, and yeah. I even... I, I told him that, and he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I've, I've stolen one of his or two of his before, too. But, um, anyway, all the good places, 22ShotsOfMoodsAndHorror.com, uh, DBouget83Mood616 on YouTube, <laughs> Seven two four four two six 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 five voicemail line and of course double shot J on YouTube. We're done. We're through. We're out. Uh, peace. <laughs>